Coming up next at the movies, a film that... A Red Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was staring all through the house. Not a creature was staring, not even a mouse. Our X-ray subject this week, the controversial Santa Claus killer movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Actually, there have been two controversies about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Even before the film was released a couple of weeks ago, its TV ad campaign caused a furor with its brief depiction of an axe-carrying Santa Claus. The distributor of this film, TriStar Pictures, which is co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office, pulled the commercial out of release after a week of protests by parents led by a Milwaukee group. Of course, commercials like that usually die out after a week anyway, <laughs> so thanks a lot, fellas. But there's no question in my mind that the showing of Santa with an axe on free TV and commercials is sick, and sleazy and mean-spirited. So let's repeat the names of the people who did it. <laughs> TriStar Pictures, co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office. Shame on you. Now, as for the film, I've got news for you. It's worse than the TV ads. Telling a typical mad slasher story about a boy who witnesses his father being shot and his mother being stabbed to death by a maniac in a Santa Claus suit. So now the traumatized kid grows up and is asked to work in a, in a toy store as Santa one Christmas, and it freaks him out. He impales one naked girl on a set of antlers, there's another woman with a bow and arrow, and another with a knife, and yet we even see Santa give one little girl a bloody knife as a gift and threaten another little girl with physical punishment as he sits on his lap. You might think that it would be funny, Roger, or it's played as quite thick in the film. So let me repeat the names of the writer and director and producers of this film. Michael Hickey wrote the film, Charles E. Sellier Jr. directed it, and Ira Richard Barmack produced it. You people have nothing to be proud of, even if you made a few bucks off of all the negative publicity. Your profits truly are blood money. And Silent Night, Deadly Night now has the distinction of joining I Spit on Your Grave as one of the two most contemptible films I've seen. And I don't mean to think it's campy. It really is quite awful. I'm glad you mentioned those people's names because quite frequently they think, gee, we'll make this exploitation film, we'll be able to buy our uh, Mercedes and live in Bel Air, and nobody right. will ever know what we did. But I would like to hear them explaining to their children and their grandchildren uh -huh. that it's only a movie. Yeah. I think that would be a real interesting explanation. Aw, uh, yeah, it's going down right now. Episode 36 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror coming at you live. Yeah. I'm your host, Moods 616 and of course, I've always got my cinefreaks with me. NES Ruler 22, also known as Jeremy, and of course, we've got the awesome, awesome, lovely Mexican Double Shot J, also known as JP. What up? What's what up? up? What up? What's going on, fellas? It is what? What? What day is it? Thursday? Yeah, it's Thursday. so weird. I cannot get used to this for the life of me. Like, I am so fucked up because we changed the day that we're recording for these next couple shows, and I'm on night shift, so like, you know, I got off. I went to work at Wednesday, got off on Thursday, and I, I think it's Sunday. I don't know. I, I don't even know what fucking day it is anymore. Listen, not only did we switch like the recording schedule. Since we re switched the recording schedule, I switched my actual work schedule. So normally, typically, I would have Mondays and Tuesdays off. And that's been for the past year almost. That regularly, I would have Mondays and Tuesdays. So now I moved to Wednesdays and Thursdays slash Thursdays and Fridays. So now it actually is even screwing up like what day of the week it feels like for me, which is really weird. <laughs> I know. I know the feeling, man, because Sundays, I'm generally a lot of the times I'm pretty tired when we're doing the shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
not to say that I'm not right now, considering I only slept two hours because unfortunately I had to go back into work after I got off this morning to go in for a staff meeting, which just totally bit my balls. That was fucking horrible. But, um, I'm dealing with it though, because it's, uh, 20 to three, my time and I just cracked a Guinness. So I'm feeling decent. And you get to talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night films. Yep. I'm, I'm really, really stoked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. So how was your guys' week? Pretty good. My first week off, so I didn't do anything but watch movies and have yeah, fun. Yeah, it's good, man. Fuck. Mine was pretty – you know, it's funny because at first I thought that I wasn't going to have a lot of time to, you know, especially watch as many films as we had to this week for the show. Um, but being on night shift, uh, I sit at work and I check on a f- aircraft like every hour. So all I did was watch movies. It was fucking great. I watched like so many flicks this week. It was great. I'm loving More than it. your typical 52. Um, yeah, I did actually watch a lot of films. I, you know, I really did concentrate on the silent night, Deadly night franchise, but I did get in some other ones too, but yeah, it was, um, it was a fun, but kind of painful week in, in, you know, regarding, the franchise but we'll get into that a little bit later but oh, yeah man so uh jp what is going on with you uh man i've i've had a pretty okay week this week my uh, general manager actually flew or drove to chicago to go do some training so it's been like super chill man, at work you come man uh yeah i know right you should have come man you could have chilled it's been super chill at work and you know not stressful at all just easy going and uh, a lot of fun actually fun fun at you work. guys must you guys must be getting into like i mean does okay you know in the industry that you're in does it get really busy around christmas time or is it really dead no. It goes, it goes dead. Our, our peak season is like the summer, just straight up because there's weddings yeah, like yeah. every weekend. Um, and then we'll get, we'll get a little busy, um, during like, uh, playoff times in different sports because we'll have like colleges come in and stuff like that. Yeah. In my industry, it's like the complete opposite. The summertime, pretty much people drive because it's, you know, it's nice. um, it's you know, bad. yeah, they don't fly as much in the, in the, in the summertime, but in winter, like Christmas time is fucking, of course it's just hectic, right? Cause no one wants to drive in these parts in the winter time and stuff, but yeah, it's complete opposite. We are fucking swamped. And this year we're like excessively swamped because we've been picking up new contracts and new airlines and stuff. And, um, we're also doing the, uh, we have the BC games in Prince George this year. So we've got like a shitload of fucking athletes coming in here in, in February. So it's a busy fucking, it's going to be a busy 2015 year for us. So it's going to be interesting because we're generally dead around February, you know, except for like the, you know, the international flights and stuff like that. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting year I think for us. So, but I'm, I don't even know what's going to be going on with me because I'm working these fucking graveyard shifts. So <laughs> I might not even be working these flights. It's very odd. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I mean, for myself, I'm, I mean, I'll just keep my regular schedule and stuff. But, uh, I mean, it's good and bad because I, I like when it's a little hectic and stuff because the days go by super fast. But on the flip side, it is nice to relax and, you know, <laughs> get paid, paid to, to watch films. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm there just looking after the aircrafts and stuff. And it, it's really – it's not that hard at all. And plus, I'm by myself. I'm literally like the only person in the airport. It's really eerie actually. I'll walk around. I'm just like – this is fucked up. So I said we got to shoot a movie, man. <laughs> it would actually be pretty cool, man. Shoot it only at nighttime. <laughs> Airport massacre. Yeah, and you could yeah. be the killer, man. You're all set. Got the beard. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I seen all the guys were posting on the the Facebook page there about that picture, <laughs> making up names for slasher films, and yep. uh, it was pretty good shit. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> but yeah, it, oh yeah. Um, I was just gonna say this is our Christmas episode. I remember last year, Jeremy said it's it was our annual Christmas show. I was like, it was like it might be next year. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's our second Christmas show. I did actually forget to mention, yes, it is the Christmas show. And, of course, if you have not read the title of this, we are doing the Silent Night, Deadly Night Why franchise. Why the fuck is it Christmas? It's Hanukkah right now. You'll be doing some Jewish slasher films, damn there it. Is Come not, on. Dude. I will make one. Come on. Somebody should. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised slasher. that has not been exploited yet. Hanukkah no, there actually, There actually is. There's, like, an independent, super low-budget, like... Uh, like Hanukkah, like Jew slasher. <laughs> I, I'm positive uh, there is, man. I, I remember laughing about this. It was it came out a couple years ago, and, and just the title just made me fucking flip. I was laughing so hard, but I know there is one out there. So I got to find that. Yeah, it's the third night. Come on. <laughs> definitely look this shit up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out. <laughs> so how's Christmas shopping going? Awful. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm just about done, but I am. You know what I've learned? I, I've learned that I am really, really fucking selfish when it comes to Christmas shopping. I go out to buy the rest of my wife's presents. You buy your shit, and I start buying movies for myself. And I'm I already like, know what Aaron got you. Oh, really? Yeah, we talked about it. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, why do I do this continuously? Like, I, you know, I, I picked her up a couple things, and you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go finish. I just gotta grab this and this. Don't even grab any of that shit. And you buy I, your movies. I grab a couple Blu-rays or something. I'm like, <laughs> I get home and I'm like, oh, I should feel guilty, but I'm like, nah, eh, fuck it. These are gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I kind of did that when I was shopping for my gram or something. I just kept seeing like different things that I wanted. But uh, I, I'm pretty much. I think I'm done right now, which is good. Because uh, funds are getting low. Yeah, I hear that, man. And I'm like I said, I'm actually going to finish tomorrow. I, I really only have to pick up a couple more things. So if I stay clear of any places where they're selling media, I might be okay. Yeah, I'm going so. hunting tomorrow. Going an hour, 90 miles away. Nice. It fucking blows. To drive 90 miles tomorrow. But my friend from school is like, you want to go hunting? It's like, okay, I've never been out there. Fucking where, are you guys, where, where are you going to? My friends from school, my friend who collects stuff too, I've talked about a few times. Cool. Uh, he lives like ninety miles away. So he's like, "You want to come out here and go hunting?" Like, that's okay. not the same. That's not the same guy that you've done videos with before. Uh, I did that one video with him. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the same guy. Yeah, so he lives ninety miles away. So fucking going tomorrow. Cool. Some family videos out there and stuff. So nice. Hopefully, nice. I won't spend too much. Well, JP, speaking of going to Chicago in that relative area, um, is there is there by chance any way that you're going to make it to Wasteland? Because you know it's I am possible. going, right? It's possible. I know we have. I really want to go. Yeah, we, I, we really haven't discussed it, but like I am like well, pretty much officially going. So yeah, I mean we've got everything booked and stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really fucking excited actually because I was watching. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the. Uh, uh, the sit downs that Thirteenth um, Wolfman does. He interviews like, you know, directors and and you know actors and stuff like that. He just they posted the new one on um, on the group page yesterday, I believe. The and it was with the talent uh, one. Yeah, the Joe Stoffer one. 
anyways, I watched the interview and um and Joe said that he's gonna be at Wasteland in April again and I'm I would that just got me super stoked because the show is already gonna be amazing. Thirtieth yeah. anniversary Day of the Dead and the guest list is pretty cool and I know that like it I is a sick a list. Of, yeah, and like and you know, for guests and stuff it's gonna be awesome. But what days um, is it again? It's the second weekend in April. Nine, tenth and eleventh or something yeah, like that. That falls or, on not, my birthday as well. Which yeah, which is more awesome. incentive to go. Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, like not only is the guest list really cool, there's going to be a lot of people there too. I think that like I talked to a bunch of people that are going to make it down and stuff from you know our YouTube family and stuff. But um, so it's it's going to be awesome. I think it would be one that you might want to go to. So yeah, definitely. Start saving I, you those know, pennies. You know, <sighs> I, I need to definitely hit up uh, Scott because me and him talked about figuring out a way. Yeah, where the fuck is that kid Ben? Scott, where the hell are you? Kind of carpool. I'm, I don't think that's going to happen, Gary, but he has been kind of MIA. <laughs> that's actually a good question. He hasn't – I haven't seen or heard from he, him. He, in but he does that all the time. After the, after the fight with Danny, he hasn't said anything. He'll, he'll post and then he'll be quiet for a little bit. He did it before too. Um, but, you know, maybe I should message him and see how he's doing or whatever because uh, he does – he lives like um, a little bit away from me. But it, in order to go to Ohio, he would literally like, like be driving past me. Like, you know, maybe like 20 minutes out of the way. And, uh, you know, if he goes, it, that would be pretty awesome. If not, I'll try to find another way to go. Uh-huh. Got my pass. Bought my pass. Q. Q. Yeah, I think it would be fucking amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah, that would be really, really dope. I would. It would probably be the highlight of my year, possibly, to do something crazy like that. I was talking to um to well, Ryan Nichols. So. Yeah, I was talking to Ryan Nicholson about a week ago and stuff and I asked him, I said, Hey man, are you gonna be at Wasteland? And uh he's like, Man, I'm really, really trying to make it and stuff oh, and I'm fuck, like, if he goes, that'd be so amazing. <laughs> I know, he's like he's he's like, Oh, I gotta get the funds together and make it over there and stuff and I'm like, Yeah, it'd be fucking awesome. And I think um I think Dustin Mills is gonna be there again. So I it's gonna be like a lot of people that we kinda interact with all the time. I think it's gonna be like a fucking Kind of like a family reunion. Jason and Crazy Jay. That's on. awesome. Fucking awesome. And I'm pretty. I asked Tom too, Horseball, and, and he said he's going to try and make it too. And I, I don't know. Did Jason say that he was making it with Crazy Jason? Like, did they say they were going? I would assume so. Because I, I, I don't think they go what every. They said. I think they go every show. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's going to be fucking amazing. <laughs> Hopefully, this time will be better than last time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still made the best of it, but. But yeah, Wasteland, definitely try, man. It's going to be a good time. Really good time. Yeah, hopefully you don't get as drunk as you did last time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I need to get on a ball that, one, figuring out how I'm going to That is the off. result of not eating anything and drinking like 30 fucking beers. That you were so drunk. It was fucking hilarious. Oh, that's not good. That's just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you that wasted. It was hilarious. Oh, I don't even remember the last time I got that drunk, to be honest. You guys remember a long time ago when I drank that like whole bottle of Hennessy like, in the chat? I think so, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. good times. I'm sure I'm surprised you remember that. <laughs> yeah, uh we have a we do have a few things that we kind of wanted to talk about before we get into the actual show. Yeah. Um one thing that I f- keep forgetting to mention for a long time now and that is that if you guys know of Horror Block, which is like that subscription box that you've seen it, right, Moods? Like th- there's some good stuff that comes in that every month that I really you know 
like watching those videos on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I was really surprised this month. It had like a fucking, you know, it came with like a shirt and like fucking like all this cool shit, man. I was like, damn, that's pretty good for 20 bucks, man. Mm-hmm. DVD, shirt. Because the like shirt a bunch of little... is like nearly $20 by itself anyway. Mm-hmm. That is my kind of shirt. And like I think, um, I think the horror block was coming with Fangoria this month because doesn't it gen- doesn't it generally come with Rue Morgue? Yeah, I've seen them switch it up though because I've seen a Fangoria as well. Um, See, now that, that would be bonus for me because I don't. I mean, I don't subscribe to Fangoria anymore. I have Rue Morgue, but that would have been gnarly. As hell. Yeah, it's actually cheaper to get. It's them like off sixty of. bucks for six issues. It's I like the expensive. idea of throwing like a random back issue from any magazine company like in there. I think that would mm-hmm. be pretty cool. That would be cool. Um, but anyway, if you guys want to sign up for uh, the subscription box horror block, which in my opinion is better than the box of dread, uh, I messed with the box of dread and I, I, I honestly left pretty disappointed by the end of it. Uh, but you know, hopefully they can uh, you know redeem themselves in the future. Full Moon has a subscription box now too, which is it's like fifty dollars a month. Um, <laughs> but so you know, plus, everyone an- has plus $50 another. A month. Plus another seventy-five and a kidney to ship internationally. Because yeah. they ship it by carrying pigeon. I already told you. Fuck. So horror block is offering horror block is off- offering a ten percent off your first month by using the code present uh, during these holiday months. So head on over to horror block and you know get ten percent off. It's definitely worth it. We're I- not sponsored by them. We're just hooking you up with the well with the code. We're not like officially sponsored by them, but they did send us that code over. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so but we don't we don't get anything out of this. No, you know, I've been really contemplating them, man. I I like dealing with people that I actually um, enjoy. Like I like their product, so I would like to help out their their yep. thing. You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know what? I was really disappointed that I didn't do because I remember even Jeremy sent me the link on Fright Rags. It was the um, Oh, the, the mystery the, tees. The yeah, uh, I, I like missed it. They sell out 17. so fast. Yeah, you gotta be holy fast. I told you fuck. you gotta be fast. Holy fuck! I just, I actually could have. Like, I actually went to it and I, I had the opportunity and I was like, ah, I don't know about this. And I totally, totally fucking regret it because after watching uh, one of Chris's videos uh, from Cannibal, Cannibal yeah, Reviews, I saw that too. He got the tar man. He got the fucking tar man shirt. Yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah. That could have been mine. I was so mad. I was like, motherfucker. Yeah, for eight bucks, I wouldn't have mind one of those. Yeah, what a fucking score that was, man. Yeah. Really, really cool. I, I heard his, a lot of people were getting those. And his girlfriend got a fucking Howling shirt. Yeah, yeah. Which was super cool, too. And I was like, damn, that was really worth it, man. Yeah, for eight bucks. Yeah. So, yeah. Knowing also, me, I would probably get a double because I have so many fucking fried rags as it is. So. <laughs> also, yeah. I, I wanted to explain the way that these franchise shows usually don't work because it's been a while since we've kind of talked about them. Any, because Zach asked in the in the group page, you know, is it too late to get my questions in? Um, any questions that have been sent, you know, since the last show will be on the next show. We don't really do the Q and A on uh, the franchise shows because it just makes the show too large. Uh, so, um, but they will be answered next week. Uh, the voicemails, the questions, all that type of stuff next week. Uh, on, um, I believe it's Necromantic that we're doing next week. Yep. Mm-hmm. And anything yeah, that's yeah. sent from this show will be on that show as well. So cool. send away. Yeah. I believe, Jeremy, so, you wanted to say something as well. Oh, yeah. So as you guys probably noticed from last week's show during the the main review, I wasn't talking very much. And I know some people said stuff 
about me if I sounded weird or I wasn't talking a lot. So last week, of course, was finals week at school, and I was writing a quite a few lengthy papers. I had three 10-page papers due the week of last week's show. So I was able to pop in uh, The Doctors and the Devils, but I wasn't really paying attention to it like I should have for the review. And I guess I should have gave a disclaimer before we started the main review that I wasn't really uh, paying attention as much as I should have been. And that's why I wasn't really too engaged with the conversation. So I apologize to everybody who said that I wasn't talking as much as I should have, or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as this as engaged into the conversation, but I, I had a lot to do that week for school and it, you know, like I said, I wasn't really paying attention like I should have. So I apologize to everybody and to Moods and JP. Awesome. That's very noble. That is. Alrighty. So was there anything else? Just we the, uh, we're just going to bring up the voicemail that Emperor Corndog left us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to play that because he wants us not to, or he asked that we wouldn't play it, but we, we did listen to it and, and he was kind of just defending himself on the comments that we made about uh, is DVD obsolete and stuff. And we just kind of wanted to clear the air and say that we were not specifically talking about him. He made a video talking about this subject matter that we've heard many, 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 many other people talk about. And it kind of kick-started the conversation and debate on that topic. But we weren't specifically talking about him. It's no, just we were what just We were it. just bringing our opinions to the table on what we think about DVDs being obsolete and what we think about you know, just only buying Blu-rays and not DVDs and stuff. It was just our opinions. In no means were we ever attacking anybody in this. It was just, it just by chance, the video got posted like the day before we uh, did the cast. So like it was real fresh in my mind. And I was like, I wrote it down in my mood swings thing. And I'm like, yeah, this is a good conversation starter. So, I mean, if you took offense to it, bro, we're sorry, but it was never meant to be uh, a piece to attack you at all. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said in the comments before, I said, we're all opinionated. You know, this is what we do. We, we're pretty much critics, right? So, yeah. you know, and- our opinions are always going to be out there. And if we do, if someone brings up something that, you know, that we don't disagree or is a great conversation piece, I mean, we just feel that it, we need to talk about it. And that was a good one. So Yeah, that was a good one. And also, you know, we're very strong opinion people. Uh, you know, me and Moods just got into a battle over sequels last week. Um, but we are never attacking each other. We don't do this to attack or anything like that. And also, you know, the way these topics work is when we hear something going on or we come up with an idea, we write it down. And if there's time for it in a show, then we throw it out there and have a discussion on it. Just so happened the Emperor Corndog. I mean, we've talked about that that topic before we even seen that video. We've kicked that one around before, but that one just kind of reminded us about like, oh yeah, like like let's talk about DVDs and Blu-ray and Blu-ray versus Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, everybody has you know a valid point on it, and we just wanted to stress ours, and that was it. So, yeah. Oh, and on that note, JP, with the sequels last week, if I wasn't as tired when we were talking about that, I, I meant to br- – I actually, during the conversation, I would thought of something, and by the end, I'd forgot because I was completely a fucking I zombie yeah. last week. 
Um, I couldn't quite process anything, but I meant the one example I wanted to bring up and was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And the fact – the reason why yes. I love that film so much is because it's nothing like the first one. Yeah, I understand I that. I love that fact because I making love, another serious film – Texas Chainsaw 2, but I'm not – but it – I don't – like I love it for what it is, but not – I don't just love it because of it being different. It's part of why I love it. Mm-hmm. No, but the, I understand the idea behind it and the concept behind it. I was just simply debating that, you know, Pet Cemetery 2 is n- not as strong of a film. And I think it's because of its tone. And uh, let's, all right, there's plot holes and stuff too. I don't really know what I was getting at, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 the thing about Pet Cemetery 2 that I do dig is that it's kind of silly. And I and, dig it but, too, but it's but it's not like over the top silly and like retarded. It's like a fun silly, you know, yeah, with like, like you kind of stupid Gus, things that are happening. The Gus yeah, character exactly. and how like weird he is. Um, yeah. But I, I, my main argument was because it was the same writer director or the same director at least, and it was it was a woman, and yeah. she made something so dark and depressing. And then made something completely different, and I, it was just a weird contrast. Where I was like, "This is weird. How do how do you go from this to this?" But that Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw—that's a good thing to bring up because I didn't even think of that. And that is another case where you have something super serious that turns into something. Silly. I think it's more of a. I think with these directors, like Toby Hooper, even said that he wanted to basically do something complete opposite because I think it's more of a balance thing at that point. You know, I've already went to this side of the spectrum. Let's go to the opposite side with this yeah. one. I think it's you also know, I, a matter of not being able to top what you did the first time. So let's just do something fun. And that, and that goes back to the conversation about you know people like making horror comedies as kind of a cop out nowadays because it's harder to make a fucking yeah. serious horror film, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. it's really fucking hard. So. I'm on Elm Street too. What, what the hell is that supposed to mean? <laughs> JP gets so butter when you bring up that film. <laughs> ah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know um, what I mean, JP. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, we got some news this week, JP. We do have some news. We don't have a ton of news. It's It's been like this a lot lately. I don't know. One week it's pretty full, but most weeks it's not. Uh, first up, we have some news that I was like really excited about. It's very brief, um, but Everly, uh, this is Joe Lynch's film, of course. Uh, he is, of course, responsible for Wrong Turn Two. He did the best, probably the best segment in Chillerama. He also um, wrote and directed Knights of Bad Aston, but he kind of disowned that film um, because of uh, intervening from the producers. But his next film, starring Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek Everly is going to be hitting iTunes and on demand January 23rd 2015 and limited theatrical February 27th 2015 uh, this film of course is being described as die hard in a room um, so uh, it, it's supposed to be like close quarters but really effing crazy I, I followed the production of this film a lot uh, listening to Joe Lynch on his on uh, the Movie Crypt podcast with Adam Green, and it, it really does sound like really so awesome. So there's somehow, so there's somehow like a German terrorist in this room too. Then it, it's set. I forget where it's set, but it's in another country, like like um, Serbia. It's in Serbia, actually. <laughs> okay, and they filmed it there too. 
interesting like it being cheaper and stuff but uh uh, selma hayek awesome of course and uh it's set on christmas eve i think too so that's kind of cool but it's more of an action type type deal uh but i'm sure there's going to be dark uh stuff in it it's joe lynch of course so that that's really cool i'm really excited to see this one this one actually got a lot of uh um talk when it was doing um the comic-con type shit and stuff Mm. sounds pretty cool yeah definitely so uh after that we have a i guess an announcement of an i spit on your grave documentary now this is going to be uh dealing with the making of the story behind uh hopefully people don't walk out of this one yeah right (laughs) you'll have the uh director who you know if you anybody knows the story he decided to make this film when he had a firsthand experience with a rape victim, yep. um, which is an interesting story in itself. So I hope they really go into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the uh, lead actri- actress is going to be uh, talking about the film. There was a trailer that was released. I didn't watch it because I'm done with trailers, even if they are on documentaries. Uh, but yeah, I spit on your grave, a documentary coming out. I-, I think that's cool. I'm on a huge documentary kick right now. So I'm looking forward to another one. And that's a, that's a film that definitely uh, has a huge legacy and kind of um, a big place in in film history, uh, so it definitely deserves a its own. Is it just a documentary on the first one? I believe so. Okay, cool. It might maybe it'll go into like uh, you know what it spawned and stuff like that. I'm sure it will. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a trailer. Like I said, I didn't see it yet though. Uh, after that, we have Z Nation. This is sci-fi channels like take on the walking dead i guess uh this has i guess the whole season already happened because it's supposed to arrive on dvd february 10th of 2015 um has anybody seen or heard of this i know we talked about it when they announced it but um have you heard anything about it like when, when it was airing like if it was any good or anything not a not a thing yeah that's tough not a thing <laughs> But you know, to be honest, man, I don't really pay attention to a lot of TV stuff. Like I, I mean, even with like uh, you know certain TV shows, like I don't even know what season a lot of these shows are. Like you know, American Horror Story and like um, you know Bates. Like I don't even know what season they're on. I just yeah. wait for the shit to like pop up up on DVD or whatever. Because you know me, I just I, I TV. I mean, I can honest, TV. Man. Like, yeah, I, I need I need the DVDs. I need to watch that shit in like yeah. one or two sittings. I'm just I'm odd like that. My my. TV, like, because I see social media, like, a lot of people <laughs> each week will be talking about the new Walking yeah, Dead, yeah, the yeah. new American Horror Story, and I'm just so far removed from those conversations because I am just not up to date on any of that stuff. Like, these shows are in their fifth and sixth season now, and I'm still on, like, season one and two, like, so mm-hmm. my TV, and I used to be, anything that was horror on TV, I used to watch. So it's, like, weird now that, like, how many there are and that I'm not t- part of any of them. I'm not, like, like following along with any of them right now. You know, la- I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I just finished the fourth season of The Walking Dead. <laughs> and I'm still on season two. Yeah, so I, I think they're only about the midway point in season five, though. Yeah, so, yeah. Which isn't bad, but, Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm always behind the ball too. Like, like I said with Bates, I haven't even started that. And it's so interesting that you have three diehard horror fans who have a podcast about horror, but they are removed from one of the biggest things that is happening right now in horror, yeah. which is horror TV. That's yeah, pretty. That's I don't pretty watch TV. So. 
I think it's also because there's so much out there. It is a little hard because we do spend a lot of time watching films. Getting in TV shows is a lot harder. Yeah. And especially for me, because like I said, I don't like to watch an episode here and there. I like to sit down and watch five or six and, you know, and get the whole season over within like a day or two, you know, binge so watcher. Yeah, I, bi- I have to binge watch TV, man. It's just the way I have to. I mean, I'm like that with films, too. But um, TV, especially, like, I really just have to get it done with. I mean, it's it's not like I'm forcing myself. I just enjoy it more like that. Plus, I don't forget what the fuck happened in the previous episode. I hate that shit, man. <laughs> fuck. Annoys me. Yeah. So uh, that hits DVD February 10th. Is Z Nation, Sci-Fi Channel's zon- <clears throat> take on the zombie apocalypse TV series. Uh, after that, we have Draft House Films has acquired a North the North American distribution rights to Julia Hart's home invasion western feature, yeah. The Keeping Room. Now, this film actually got a, a positive reaction at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, it is a western home invasion style taking place during the American Civil War, where uh, three. Uh, southern women are forced to defend their land and fight for their lives. Uh, the women take arms against their male oppressors, sounds shattering so gender awesome. and genre conventions in the process. This sounds great to me. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. Man, this movie sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, me and Don't Nerds we... have said time and time again, what's up with the Western horror type yeah. films? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think setting a home invasion film in the wild, wild south. Yeah. <laughs> wild, wild south. <laughs> I never thought of that, actually, because remember, I was like, well, I want to see a fucking, you know, like a Western slasher film. Or, yeah. You know, I mean, I think there is, but uh, but home invasion is a really interesting idea. Yeah. It's really definitely. cool, man. And I've seen some stills, and it looks very <clears throat> accurate. and uh, Like with uh, some, like, rifles instead of, you know. Yeah, for the Civil War, like muskets and shit. Yeah, or whatever. it's like muskets. <laughs> Little that's a little bit. Uh, that was about a hundred years before JP. A fucking home invasion film set in the Western oh, man. That's such an awesome idea. How did we never think of this before? It's crazy. Yeah, you know, you throw yeah. a little creature in there and you got the ultimate film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this uh, this is supposed to hit uh, theatrical release September two thousand fifteen, and will will be released uh, on VOD and digital platforms, DVD, Blu-ray after its theatrical run. Um, probably a limited release. Unfortunately, that's how these things go. It, isn't it? It's so annoying how many good films never see a wide release. Yeah, yeah. If you guys just look at your top ten list so far, you know, all the films that you've seen, how many of those got a mainstream re- theatrical release? Not many. I think maybe one. Yeah. It's crazy. Disappointing. Yeah. But, you know, at least we get a fucking cool sound and home invasion, you know. Western. Yeah, it, it sounds like girl power, too. Yeah. Which uh, I'm fine with. So I, I usually enjoy those type of films, to be honest. Um, let's go with uh, this. We have Kong, Skull Island. This is was supposed to be the next film in the King Kong series, which was supposed to land November 4th, 2016, but now has been pushed back to Friday, March 10th, 2017. Great, two years uh, to go. Yeah, so uh, this one you know, sounds pretty cool, though. It's supposed to uh, take place entirely on Skull Island, which 
sounds good to me because I always find that part of the film more interesting anyway um, than when they hit the city and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, new King Kong film. Fuck Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> yeah, God, not, I hate that film. I'm not a fan of that one either, so man. So fucking boring. I, I couldn't even feel my the... back. I watched that in the, at the cinema and I couldn't feel it's my so back, boring. man. I was fucking sleeping, man. Is it just because it was too long or – how it was it? it was boring. It's boring. It's boring. Really? I didn't. I, I I thought it was pretty fun. Really, man. I was. I mean, fucking three hours, whatever. But yeah. I, I mean, mean, I never like watched this it in like the this theater or anything. Like, I just caught it on TV, like here and there. Like, I don't even know if I ever watched the full entire. I was always catching it in like the middle or something. But I always liked the like. Um, I don't know. Like it. It was all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Q. Just right. can't take Jack Black serious in a drama. <laughs> yeah. He's... I can't take that guy fucking serious even when he's trying to be funny. What about Come when he's in School of Rock? I Know What You Did Last Summer Part 2. Ugh. School of Rock, man. You didn't like him in that? Uh, let's not even talk about <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer films. God, I, I don't even like the first one. I like <laughs> both of them, even though there's three. I only like both. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh... Next up, we have the house that October built. Image Entertainment will enter the house that October built. Um, Ghostly. Blu-ray, DVD, January 6, 2015. Uh, that's pretty soon. I Nah, I don't – I think it's supposed to take place in like a haunted house. Like not like a like a, like a house that's haunted, like a like a, a attraction, like a haunted – real ride type house i'm not actually sure it looked pretty cool and it sounded pretty cool but uh who knows if it actually this is one of those things it is image right i mean yeah you you never know with these but you know i'll be down to check it out yeah uh after that we have a little update on necromantic 2 which i found myself like i didn't hear anybody say this or anything uh, but you know how right on the cover it says limited edition of 5,000 copies, right? Like there's a sticker right there that says that. Well, I actually got the press release finally and I noticed that it says in the bottom of the press release, first 5,000 Blu-ray copies and 2,000 DVDs copies include original collectible new artwork of Necromantic 2. So is that pretty much saying that it's not actually limited it's just looks like it is yeah maybe maybe yeah. they're making a full release for this one well i think that but i think it is with the old one too the the first necromantic because it but says the same thing it just says it, it says like new artwork like i remember reading reading it somewhere where it said like the new artwork uh, but I never put two and two together. Maybe they're just trying to look like but it's limited. But it's... I've never seen any of the the necromantic releases with different art. Yeah, it's well, like maybe the cover art I was. Not, maybe maybe it doesn't come in like sold the, out yet. Maybe it doesn't come in like the penis card that's inside and like the postcards. Oh, maybe yeah. Maybe yeah, it's just not sold out yet. There was ten thousand copies. Fuck which it. how many nightbreeds were there? Ten thousand. Yeah, and those and those are like just <clears throat> I think right. Those are gone now. Yeah, so, so yeah, apparently they're gone. A while to get. I think maybe like they mean that it doesn't. I'm come surprised though because like I know, the reason why they extended that five thousand is because of. Uh... 
Well, at least I know with the second one, that's what they're saying. Because why else would they say first 5,000 Blu-ray copies include original collectible artwork? Does that that would that would mean that there are more than the first five thousand, right, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do you think? I don't know what other cover art. Like, I think it has to just be the postcards that are inside that are different. I mean, it could be. Well, this is new artwork, isn't it? This wasn't the original theatrical artwork, was it? Uh, no, I think that is actually. That's the one what? like I always see. What art cards do you have in yours, Jeremy? Because uh, I got. This I'm really one. curious on this now. Now you got me thinking. This okay. one and this one. Okay, that's it. So maybe that's what it is then, because like these just have art cards and the other ones don't. Maybe that's well, what they're. I'm, right now, I'm talking about Necromantic Two specifically, because okay. I don't know for sure about one, but I do know that it says first five thousand Blu-ray copies include <laughs> original. This makes me laugh collectible artwork now that <coughs> much says if there's a first 5,000 then there's more after that 5,000 right yeah, yeah so yeah well maybe they're not li- yeah maybe it's just not limited but it's just the first 5,000 copies pressed are gonna have this and then what do you there's think no of- there's no limited um that's fine I, I mean, don't see more than 10,000 people buying a copy of Necromancy. I, I think it I think it yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it's good because I mean, a lot of people. It's kind of a niche film. I don't is think it, really... it is. No, dude, there's these do not sell like yeah. like hotcakes, man. These this is this isn't like a Scream Factory release of like of like Halloween three. You know, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. this is a definitely. Uh, I think I did read somewhere that the the, the reason why they expanded this to ten thousand is because the first five thousand went like hotcakes. Well, th- that was with the the first film, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see, I could see five thousand going fast, you know, especially for a company like Cult Epics. It was probably their biggest selling release. Oh yeah, for sure. So, like, I, I always wonder because Cult Epics has done some pretty damn good releases in the past, like DVD releases and stuff. So yeah, I, I always wondered, but a lot of those releases were limited though too. Yeah, like I remember they had that Driller Killer one from a few years back that was limited. That was a DVD, wasn't it? Or was a Blu-ray? Just yeah. you could yeah. get it now. It's like six bucks. I just saw it. I saw it on Hamilton Books for three dollars. Yeah, that one. I, I swear you can still buy brand new, and I I think there's still copies available. Yeah, <laughs> but well, years. I mean, but I I just from like my judgment of of like when I start seeing a lot of people talk about like films like Necromantic or something, then that usually means that a lot of people are buying it because. I, I, you know, I'm kind of removed from the the talking about collecting and stuff like that right now. So, and I, I was seeing everybody talking about Necromantic when that got announced and stuff. So, um, I think it definitely sold really, really well. Um, but still, it's only going to sell as well as something like Necromantic and Necromantic yeah. Two can sell, which I don't think is anywhere near what like a mainstream. Uh, you know, film would sell like something that Scream Factory would put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, what I'm asking is, how do you feel about Ugh. them giving off the perception that it's limited to 5,000 copies when really it's just some shit about some artwork? Are you okay with that? Well, mm. I mean, I mean, 
at first I thought it was limited to 5,000. So I think it's a little bit of false advertising a little bit. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's obviously a gimmick just to get people to fucking pre-order and sell that 5,000 out quick so that they can fucking press up, you know, whatever. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of that, to be honest. It, It just seems like bad business, a little shady, little shady. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone thought. I mean, when it first got announced, it sounded like there was going to be five thousand copies. Yeah, so it's like, oh shit, I have to go buy it now. Because yeah, remember when we first heard yeah, about it, we were all like, like well, if we, we want to cover it on this, the like, show, we all need to pre-order. Like right now, it's like thirty some dollars. So yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, when I got the press release, and I because it, it doesn't say it anywhere big either. It's like at the bottom of the of yeah, the yeah. like topic. I have it on the website on our website. And um, I was like, wait a minute, first 5,000, 2,000 DV, what's going on here? And, you know, I, I, I do agree, it's a tactic. I don't, I can't, I can't say too, anything too bad about it because it works. Stuff like that works. They're not really saying like, like, well, hey, us. never, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're not lying per se. Like joke on they're you. They're not lying about it. They're just being kind of like vague. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. I never have a problem with um, things being pulled away from being limited unless you're really saying like, hey, there's only 5,000 of these being made. And then you're like, well, actually, we made a couple more. That's some bullshit. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, more people can get a hold of it. I was kind of worried about that, though. Now I feel like the price will drop a little bit um, once people start realizing that it's not limited. Um, to five thousand, and uh, I, you know, I, I think that it's always good not to deny people from being able to see something. So, I actually don't like limited stuff unless you're going to do it. Um, you know, this edition's limited, but you can still get the regular standard edition because then everybody could see the film. But we're talking about Necromantic Two, which is like super out of print, or I don't even know if it ever had an official release. Yeah, it does. Like, you don't want to. Um, deny people from seeing things it's just that, hard. i just find that weird i know film. uh the I barrel remember release, at, uh, yeah <clears throat> remember at wasteland moods uh jason bought one he was like so pumped he's like look what i got he's like oh how much God. Was it? is it so it's like out of print or whatever yeah, yeah i think he paid like 40 bucks for it if i remember mm-hmm. yeah the barrel one usually goes for a lot more yeah it's, it that, won't that was now. actually a pretty decent price no nah. maybe not now but uh yeah that's that why I, don't, I will drops. never buy something out of print ever again, and like unless I get it for cheap. I'm never paying like an out of print price for something because the way things are going, man, it just feels like these things just keep all these out of print things just keep getting uh, rele- releases eventually. So I, mm-hmm. I'm just not gonna do it. Like yeah. somebody just bought something that was out of print recently and posted it on the page. I think it might have been Zach or somebody. It's like I want to sell my Phantasm. Yeah, but like it's right different now. though. It's different though. I mean, generally when Zach's buying something that's out of print, he's paying five dollars for it. It's not a big fucking deal. Like Phantasms, you know, I, it's like now's the time to sell them because you know they're going to yeah. get re-released. Yeah, there's no way like we're going to go the next ten years without seeing another Phantasm release. Impossible. Mm-hmm. They're going for like Phantasm three and four are going for like twenty five bucks a piece right now. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Same yeah. with the the uh, that edition of uh, the Siberian film, the cardboard one. I I think that's going for like seventy bucks. Yeah, but that thing was it was limited though too, right? Yeah, but it's kind of crazy <clears throat> how yeah. much people pay. Like Dead Alive, like that's stupid. I'm glad I grabbed. Yeah, one of those like Dead Alive. Around, that that but they're re-releasing Dead Alive, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I mean, new, a new transfer, which is which like is good that. actually, because I heard the other Blu-ray transfer shit. So that's good. That's one that's actually going to get like a a good good fucking release. Yeah. Well, hopefully the transfer is better. But all right. So after that, we have all of films announced a uh, group of uh, thrillers that are going to be coming out in January. Now these do have. I did check them out, and their IMDb page does have thriller uh, and horror attached to it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if IMDb says it's horror, <laughs> I'll talk about it. Yeah. So uh, the first one is Sactimony by Uwe Boll. Uh, the second one is some thing that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but it's on our website. That comes out January 20th, 2015. Um, and the last one is another Uwe Boll film directed by him, of course, and it's called Backwoods. This one, the, and I think those are some old Uwe Bo films. Yeah, I think those are like early 2000s. 2000s. And that one hits January 27, 2015. It, it really does not get me excited when I hear, I'm like, oh, all the films is released new films? Cool, man. And they're both Uwe Bull films. Oh. Yeah. Well, Limp dick right there. Either, either <laughs> me or Jeremy will be talking about them, so. Ugh. Yeah. We should do one of each, JP. Yeah. If you get two, to send me one, I'll watch it. All right. What the fuck? What about me? <laughs> it's what happens when you're foreign. Stop living in foreign lands, dude. Oh, goddamn. Olive won't ship up to Canada, will they? No. I could, like, go pick them Fingers. up. They let, I, I, that's, like, actually, that's actually been a major problem for me. Yeah, because like the, I'm telling you, any of these, you, like, distribution companies who want to send screeners or anything like that, the, as soon as you mention, like, foreign, it's like, uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's because of the shipping, man. Yeah. I mean, they're already, you know, handing out stuff for free or whatever, and then they got to pay more for shipping. It's like, no. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I see their point. The ones that I got from Image, dude, was like high speed shipping. Like, the, it was like the, the like, like two day air or some shit. I'm like, why are they paying this much for it? Yeah, that is odd, actually. Hm. Yeah, you could keep the Image films. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I want to get MPI, man. MPI. Yeah, yeah. Um, last up, we have some some exciting news from Scream Factory. At least in my opinion, you guys didn't seem as excited as me, but I love these films. This is uh, uh, Scream Factory announcing Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, and Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland, both for collector's editions. And I don't believe they stated a release date yet. Uh, but it's supposed to be during their summer of fear too, which I was, I think they, what they did la- last summer with their summer of fear thing, all the releases, they did those live shows, they did those sales and they released some cool titles like sleepaway camp one. I, I thought they nailed their summer of fear thing. That, that was really cool what they was doing over there. So I'm excited for summer of fear too. Perfect films to release for summer of fear too. And uh, sleepaway camp, the first film that they released is one of my favorite releases. So I'm pumped for these. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, you know, at first I was like, I was a little, you know, not weirded out, but I was like, wow, they're actually releasing those. But you brought it to my attention that it's actually a super good thing because these are not MGM films. These are Anchor Bay. Uh, well, at least they were. Well, at least they were. Exactly. And, and it's hard to I, see like uncut versions of this. Film. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was another positive of this release. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's really inviting that, you know, they're getting films that aren't just MGM, you know, owned or vault. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting. I mean, I, I was more surprised at the fact that they were collector's editions, but and yeah, that they that, weren't that in a double feature. New yeah, cover and, art. And when I first saw the announcement for, 
Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, I thought it was a double feature. And then I read yeah. further and it was like collector's editions for both. I was like, what? <laughs> but I, I, I guess keep the theme going, right? To do a commentary. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, so anyway, like one, <laughs> one, of the things, awesome. <laughs> one of the things that Moods was mentioning was these films were one of the highly requested films, even way before they got the first Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. They were people always requested. Ever since Scream Factory came about with their release of Halloween two and three, Sleepaway Camp trilogy was one of their highest requested releases. So now that they have always gonna said, plummet. they have always said, we can't get the rights to these. Um, you know, we we don't own them. We're it's we're it's unlikely that we will get the rights to these because the, the, it was just they worked with MGM and a little bit with Universal and Fox and stuff. That, like Anchor Bay owned the Sleepaway Camp films. They might still own them. I mean, we've seen them work together on the Halloween box set, uh, Scream Factory and Anchor Bay. So I just find it really, really uh, exciting that uh, we, we talked about this uh, recently that Scream Factory is scraping the bottom of the barrel at the, with the MGM titles, and we need to see some movement on some uh, different vaults. And this is a good step in the right direction. 2015, hopefully, that we'll see a lot more of these type of releases. Uh, so yeah, that is mm. great. Now the box set is going to plummet. Yeah, it should. I mean, yeah. honestly, I've seen those come come and go for for pretty cheap. Like I got mine for twenty dollars with moods the paid thirty disc. Moods paid mm-hmm. thirty. I got moods is for like thirty plus shipping. I think we paid moods or something like that. It was like 27. Or it something. wasn't too, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. So for more information on sleepaway camp and the films, go back and check out our episode number 22 of the 22 <laughs> shots of moods and horror, where we did cover sleepaway camp one, two, three, and four. And Jeremy talked about that weird one that we didn't know existed. That, that would have been fucking odd if Screen Factory actually announced part four as a collector's edition, too. <laughs> yeah, that would. Be. My socks literally would have blown off my feet. <laughs> literally. That would have been funny. Yeah, been funny while I'm funny standing on them. <laughs> They're like, we hooked up with Magnet to return to release Return to Sleepaway Camp and the tagline The Annoying Fucking Kid. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck that, that kid. kid's annoying. So bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, Is that all you have for releases, JP? Yeah, that wraps up the news. Okay. Um, just on that note, I got a couple releases from uh, the announcements from releases announcements from Masker Video. Um, they announced, I believe, about a week ago that they're going to be releasing the shot on video film uh, Venus Flytrap uh, for all you. Yeah, I did see this get posted. Sorry about that. Yeah, shot on video fans out there. Uh, Mas- that that's pretty much what Masker Video is known for um, with their older releases, uh, shot on video stuff. So that's interesting. So if that interests you, that is up for pre-order on Amazon as of now. Um, I think that's the only place where you can pre-order, which is odd. You can't do it on Masker Vet. Um, and then they also announced um, they're going to be releasing uh, Nick uh, Palambos. I think that's how you say his name. His very first film, uh, Nutbag. He's a director of Murder Set Pieces. Uh, this one is from the early 2000s, I believe. Uh, shot on video also. So they announced that. And it's coming in early 2015. So these ones caught my eye because I'm a really big fan of Massacre Video. I buy everything that they put out. So, Wasteland yeah. titles, moods. Fucking awesome, yeah. Yeah, I'm, hopefully they'll be actually on the table so I can grab them there. It'll be cool. And hopefully he doesn't bash you like he did last time. <laughs> Wait, what? what hey, you're, hey, that, you're that moods guy. You didn't like this movie, did you? Fucking <laughs> Lewis, man. Fucking walk up to the table and he's like, hey, I know you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. He saw my fucking 
update where I had talked about fucking Snuff 102. And I basically said I didn't really care for it. And he's like, yeah, you're the guy that didn't like Snuff 102. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, so that was a little embarrassing, but I've told you. Gotta remember, Moots is a celebrity, so. Uh, When you told me that one girl who directed uh, Mutantis messaged you, I was like, oh, God. (laughs) That was probably one of the weirdest, like. Oh, that was one of the best reactions ever. I'm like, hey, dude, guess who I was talking to? And you're like, who, the director of Mutantis? You're like, oh, Uh -oh. God. (laughs) Uh oh. Oh, man. But she was super cool. We talked about it. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's what I had just uh, for. Um, announcements for Massacre Video. I, I know there was a few more, but yeah. So that's it for the news? That is it. Okay. Alrighty, so getting into, I guess, a minor, minor edition of Mood Swings uh, with the releases for December 23rd, 2014, which I have to say is probably the most pathetic-looking uh, list of releases I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> this actually might be the worst. It's definitely the, the worst. The smallest. I shouldn't say like. Well, I mean, even I don't even know the quality of the films, but this is definitely the smallest release list I've seen since we've done this show. And maybe that's because it's right before Christmas. I don't know. Uh, but first up here, we got uh, sci-fi original series uh, Continuum, or however you say it. Season three is coming out on Blu-ray. I don't know anything about this. Do you guys know what this is? No. Nope. I don't know TV. Yeah, sci-fi stuff, I just, no, we don't even get sci-fi channel. Um, uh, Then we got Dominion Season 1, of course, another sci-fi original show. Um, Don't know shit about it. Wasn't that the, like, TV series that spawned from the movie Legion? Could be. Could be. That That sounds about right, I guess. I don't know. I'm just I'm just making up shit right now. I think it is. I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, Intruders. Uh, this is a BBC uh, show um, coming to uh, fucking Blu-ray. Fucking BBC's putting out Blu-rays. That's awesome. Uh, next up, we got a, f- a, sh- a film called Backwoods. Um, this one looks really, really bad. Actually... This one is actually an older film because I swear this was on fucking Netflix like years ago. Wait a minute. Is this – why does – this isn't the Uwe Boll one, is it? No, this one's got Haley Duff in it. Haley Duff? You mean Hillary? Yeah. No. No, Haley. Hillary's, Haley. Haley. I think oh. her older sister. Wait, yeah, she, she was a in, sister? Yeah, she was in Backwoods. Back, yeah. Was that it? Moods? Backwoods? That's the, fil- that's the film. And apparently it's getting a DVD. Maybe it's like a new edition of it or something like that. Which it already is has fucked. a DVD release. Who's putting yeah, this it, out? It's saying that it's coming out. This, it's that's Echo why it's, Bridge. It has oh, to be Echo Bridge. Oh, fucking Echo Bridge. They of course put Echo out Br- the same films that are already out. Oh, God. Anyways, move on. <laughs> the movie fucking uh, sucks, too. The brand new After Dark original film, Sanatorium, uh, which is finally being released. Looks like it goes to me. A fucking year ago, they're finally putting on the rest of these uh, the current season of After Dark like original. Raven, I've heard it's like Raven Counters. Yeah, the, is it actually like a um, found footage film? Because um, I, I wasn't think, quite sure on this. I think my favorite YouTuber uh, talked about it on his last update. Mm. It looks like a ghostly. If you know okay. who that is. Yeah. Um, and then last up here, and I mean, yeah, already at the end, we got a film called Traffickers. Uh, again, I don't know shit about this one. It's directed by Kim Hong Seon. Uh, so, oh, this one oh, actually yeah. looks like it could be good. Don't buy yeah. it. They're going to bomb us. 
<laughs> so that's uh, uh, from Wellgo USA is putting this out. So Darkest who knows? This Darkest is uh, Korean, of course. Um, yeah, Korean film. Oh. It does. It does actually. It doesn't actually look that bad. But wow, this week's releases. Um, you guys, can you guys think of anything else that's coming out? Because that's pathetic. Mm. It's like super pathetic, man. Like it just doesn't seem like they're. No, I, I I don't know anything else coming out, but I will say that this one kind of looks like a it's possibly a revenge film. The mm-hmm. traffic, traffickers one. Actually, next week's releases are pretty decent. There's some actually decent films coming out. A couple Scorpion releases and a film that Steve just reviewed the other day. Oh yeah, coming out from Brain Damage, which I watched the review, which was fucking hilarious. So uh, check out that review. Um, I'll leave a link. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for the. Uh, the releases for the 23rd it's fucking pathetic <laughs> really really pathetic i mean honestly probably the best shit you got there is is uh just based off the covers traffickers yeah traffickers i mean yeah I not mean, backwards that movie sucks yeah I, i've actually seen backwards before it's not good so yeah yep already moving along here and i guess we're gonna finish up mood swings since we are not doing quick cuts actually before you get I mean, to that not quick cuts i mean q a before you get there there is one thing that i do feel like it was a question we got a while back and i know we're not doing q a but i just figured we should talk about it and that's uh wrong turn six being pulled from oh. the uh from from its release because apparently it had a poster of a real person in it who was missing or something like that uh moods i believe you're the only one out of us three who's actually seen the film so do you know what they're talking about yeah i went back and actually because i looked it up online to to see what part it was and stuff so i went back and after i watched the film i mean obviously i didn't know that this was a thing before because i watched before so i went in and actually watched the part and it's like it's quick it's really quick man it's just a publicity stunt but no, they did pull not. these. They actually did pull these from the shelves. But the fucking odd thing is, is that I think there's still some Best Buys or Targets or whoever was carrying these. They're still on the shelves. I know, and they won't when sell you, them. But when you bring them up to the till, it rings up and it says, "Oh, you can't buy this because the discs are messed up or something." They're using some weird excuse. But I'm like, yeah. how fucking lazy is this? Pull them off the fucking shelves. You got to incorporate some thing into your computer saying, "Oh, don't sell this for whatever reasons." Pull them off the fucking shelf. Well, That's what honestly, you're doing. If you're a store chain and you're known for having the wrong turn sixes in your store, maybe it's a good thing for you, right? I mean, even if you won't sell them, maybe there's some people like, I'll bet you I can get them to sell them. And you'll go to the I'll, store and try to buy some shit. You know what they're doing, man? They've got, they're, they're selling them out in the back alley now. Yeah. Still have them at Family Video. They're legal bootlegging them. <laughs> I don't Freak. think it's illegal. Is it illegal to sell them? Uh. I mean, if they're banned, I mean, apparently they're pulled. I mean, they did put a ban on them, so I would assume it's not. There's no law against it, but I, I'm assuming there's fines involved. I, yeah, there's probably man. fines. It's the same. Th- it's probably like breaking street date. You know, it's not illegal to break street date, but you can get fined for it because you're breaking a like a a, a, a agreement. Um. Yeah. 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 So. How many copies do you want? I can get you as many copies as you want. I mean, it does make sense. And, like, the only thing – the problem I have with the wrong turn six thing is, you know, this is strictly a – I don't know who was in charge, but maybe producers or someone involved with this film. Like, how do you just use real fucking photos of people? Honestly, you you guys, like, say that, but I honestly don't think that it's, like, that – 
like like horrible of a mistake. Like I can see that happen easily. Like just like you're just oh. like I don't know. I didn't really think about it. But all you have to do, if like usually these type of pictures and films are you know people that they've gotten you know written permission from to use in the pictures and or stuff. They, you're though. just literally it's of course they are. So you don't get in shit, man. I mean, honestly, if I saw my face on a fucking movie, I'd be like, what the fuck? No one contact me about that shit. And like, what happens if your shit's being used in like a wrong way? Like, I mean, honestly, I don't know what could possibly offend me, but it's the, it's the principle of it. I mean, you're all of a sudden watching a film or something. Comes they and you're like, you're like, holy fuck, man. I just seen JP in a fucking movie. I know they like, try uh, not to do that. Like, I know they go, they make an effort to try not to do that, but I, I'm, I'm almost certain that like, a high percentage of films doesn't go and get permission from every every person because how do you even do that? If you find a picture of somebody and you're like, wow, this would be perfect for my film, like how are you going to I think a lot of those pictures them? that are used in those type of scenes and stuff are probably headshots from actors and stuff. Yeah, they're probably public domain. And I know a lot of times they'll just get like crew family, family of the crew to like yeah, yeah. to get pictures from their house and stuff like that to bring in. But I'm just saying I could see how one or two could sleep, could, you know, creep under the 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 cracks you know slip through the cracks or whatever it's i don't see it being like that oh yeah you got you got a fucking stack of like headshots and like family photos and stuff and all of a sudden there's like a missing picture just slipped in the middle i mean (laughs) it's a miss like what okay it's just like one of those things you would see on the wall at walmart right like a missing person saying well how do we know that that somebody just didn't like that that was part of the thing like 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 they just wanted a missing picture and they like sent some guy out to get one and he just was like well fuck i don't feel like wasting my time like making one you know i'm just gonna grab one off of walmart or whatever you know like some some like uh production assistant or something like that you know like how how how, who's double checking all this shit you know how how do you even double check that so yeah, I, I mean, I know what you're saying, but I mean, at the same time, there's like millions of movies that come out and it doesn't seem to have too many issues, you know? Yeah. So obviously something kind of fucking went wrong there. Yeah, obvi- well, yeah, definitely. But I think that it's one of the most silliest arguments to say that, that uh, um, Fox or Warner Brothers or whoever owns Wrong Turn actually planned for this to happen. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Because I've, I've seen Zach make that argument and I've seen other people make that argument. That is that is insane, guys. I just think that I just think that Wrong Turn 6 is selling more copies than it would have now because people are buying it because of this. Wait, wait. You're saying it's selling more copies being off Walmart shelves than it was selling on Walmart shelves? That's not true. No, I I think what he's saying it, it it's potentially also selling more copies. I mean, everybody wants this flick now just because yeah, of that. Yeah, but you're only reason. getting the out of print copies. Like you're you're only getting the ones that were already purchased or whatever. It's funny like, because it, it must be just down in the U.S. because the copies that are still for sale up here you can still buy. Like you, if you, you go, can't get them at all around here. I, I've looked. Yeah, I mean. Uh, See, up here you can. They're still on shelves and people are still buying them. Yeah, so. I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to stop it. But as a company, you have to look like you pulled everything, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my my thing is, listen, we talked about it before. Walmart is such a huge thing when it comes to selling uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. Uh, it's it's such a huge part of the market that the, the very idea that, that you pulled the film – at the beginning of its life cycle on those shelves, there's no way that I guarantee you that the numbers for this wrong turn are awful compared to what they were for the last couple. 
because the last couple have sold very, very well in Walmarts and Targets and places like that. That's why there's six films because they they sell fantastically in the red boxes and on the shelves. And to not have them there, there's no way. Yeah, like the resellers are making bank, right? The guys who are out there selling them for $30. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. There, since there's mm-hmm. no more being pro- produced, there's no way. You know, right, obviously it'll come back in print, right? Oh, Maybe obviously. we can yeah. see what the This is eventually going to be the highest selling one probably. Just yeah. overall. People are gonna, everyone's going to pick up that. I think by the time they get another one out after everything dies down, because they can't, they're not going to put it out before the 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 – bad publicity dies down they're just not so once it comes out i think people are going to forget about it and it's not and and people are not going to run out and grab wrong turn six uh but it is possible that it does do the opposite thing and it does boost their sales but i i just think that there's no way in how they they would take a risk they would see way in advance when they're making the film that they're going to be like well i don't know if this film's really going to be that good so let's put let's try to do this and hopefully someone's family members will get mad and then we'll pull it from the shelves and then we when we see, the only person it, really losing is is the uh is the whole like you know walmart and stuff like that and these places that are housing these because the way these units work is that it's unit shipped right so the company that put out wrong turn six has already made all their cash like so no they no because fu- they have once they pull them from the shelves they have to re- refund all the films that they had to pull they get sent back to the company they actually have to refund all that. Yeah, wow, they have loss. to. They have. It's wow. a huge loss. <clears throat> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah, because like unit shipped is what's sold. But yeah, I guess if they have to recall it and then they have to fucking, it's just yeah. a big loss. Yeah, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. So, yeah. So I, I mean, we'll be lucky if we even see a wrong turn. If we don't see a wrong turn seven, then we know that this thing caused the, the demise of the wrong turn series. Oh fuck! Wrong, wrong turn seven's probably already in production. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Along with eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Yeah. It, it, to me, it just like like from a financial standpoint, looking at all the facts and looking at what I know happens when something gets recalled, and looking at the foresight that you would have to have to even plan this thing out, I just think that it's it's nearly it, it's so unlikely that they plan for all of this to happen. Um, as a publicity stunt because they don't like you got to look at what they're getting out of it they're not getting anything really unless when they re-release it it sells like hotcakes but that's a big big risk because wrong turn does fine in stores already so why even take that risk yeah it's a good point it's a good point i actually never really never really even thought of it as a publicity stunt until someone mentioned it i was like oh well it could be but i doubt it but you know yeah, well, Zach's just a paranoid guy, so I can see why he would think that. Yep, yep. <laughs> just fucking much, Zach. Alrighty, so um, the uh, the coroner's report: weird stats and morbid facts, of course, courtesy of Rue Morgan. This is coming from the brand new edition, uh, the December two thousand fourteenth edition. This is uh, it's got an exclusive exclusive on the thirtieth anniversary of Ghostbusters. Pretty cool. I'm so tired of anything about Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's actually pretty interesting. I was, they have like, you know, when they do their, um, you know, their spotlights on a certain film or whatever, they have like all the fucking history of the toys and stuff in here. Man, there is a fucking ton of crazy Ghostbusters toys, man. Fucking unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so much shit that's really cool. And I, I just never owned, never owned. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so I'm just grabbing one from here. I always like this one. This I did know. Um, I'm sure people out there do know, but uh, I always like this fact. Um, 
the headless corpse in the end of William Lustig's Maniac is the same prop used in Sean Cunningham's <laughs> <laughs> to portray a dead Betsy Palmer in Friday the 13th. Tom Savini. It's kind of cool. Yep. The same prop that was used. So, I mean, that, that's interesting. I actually didn't know that. I might have heard it before, but I definitely forgot it if I did hear it. But, I remember uh, hearing about that. Like, I, maybe it was, I, maybe I just thought it was a, kind of like a rumor or whatever, but I remember do hearing hearing remember did hearing about that so but kind of cool it's cool shit right yeah but it that's definitely sense, cool i mean I, that's it's just tom of, savini being fucking lazy i guess want to <laughs> create a new one or something <laughs> what, what was that i did wasn't there there's like a all the like skeletons and like texas chainsaw 2 were used in like another film like i forget what it is but there, there's a couple of those type of things that that uh happen Oh, I imagine. I bet you the same props are used over and over again. I, I put money on that. No, it was the 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 same stuff used in Texas Chainsaw One was used in another film. All the all the shit inside the house and stuff, all the bones and stuff. I would. I can't. If anybody knows, leave it in the comments because I can't remember what it is. Oh, you're probably right, <laughs> for sure. Alrighty, so since we are not going to be doing a you know what we watch segment this week we are still going to do our uh our our personal segments what what are we going to call these things our we're just going to call them segments we're going to do our segments it could be a segments. pick of the week or it could be the segment that you do your italian stallion or it could be a brand new thing that you're about to debut it's just <clears throat> these are segments that's what we call okay them. we're going to call them a segment I think that's a little dry but jp said it. we're going to call those segments so that's what we're going to roll with so I don't. Me and Jeremy don't have any say in anything around here. So, yeah, we're just JP. <laughs> well, we're JP we, slaves. We actually discussed this before. If the you Jews don't remember, have always been the slaves. You guys just have bad Maybe memories they... and can never remember when we discuss things. Dude, I'm fucking delirious again. <laughs> so, I apologize to everybody out there if I sound like a fucking moron. But, um, yeah. So, uh, our segments. Uh, who wants to go first? I could go first if you want. Shoot. All right. So I will be doing a segment called Jeremy's Movie Madness. So I will be talking about um, uh, an IFC Midnight release uh, every week here on my segment of the show. So, Which makes guys, sense considering – Yeah, I am the IFC fan. man as everyone knows who asked me because I love IFC Midnights. I love collecting them. I almost have – the entire collection. So, film I'm going to be talking about today is a film that Mudes and JP both talked about on the show from 2014, and that is The Den. Now, this movie is fucking fantastic. I absolutely love this film. I thought it was it was a really really creative and interesting an interesting film. Um, so it's basically just shot entirely um, a computer screen. You basically look at a computer screen the entire film. And um, it's about this reporter who gets a grant from a college to do a study on, you know, one of those like chat room, like chat roulette type of um, websites. And one day when she's, you know, talking to these people, she comes across this girl getting murdered on on this chat roulette type of service. So after she gets murdered... Um, you know, she starts to try and figure out who this guy is that murdered them and things like that. And of course, um, shit goes down. Her friends and her boyfriend get kidnapped and shit happens to her and things like that. 
So the re- the main appeal to this movie is the way that it's shot. Um, very basic. All, all they really needed was two webcams, uh, you know, a computer, and they were good to go. It's really a a low budget type of a production that they really didn't need much for the film to to be effective. And the way the fact that it's effective, like it is, is really awesome and um, really fantastic. And the ending is really great. I know Mood said that he loves the ending, and it's a fucking brutal ending and um i still haven't decided what to think about the the final final thing where we get the reveal of what was going on I'm still thinking about that and um that is the uh true picture of how good a movie is if you're still thinking about it months after you i mean not months fucking a week after you <laughs> watched it see when i get on a rant i just go um like i said this movie is fantastic it i highly highly recommend it which doesn't happen too often with ifc midnights that i really really recommend one of their films so if you guys get the chance to check out the den do yourself a favor and check it out i give it a nine out of ten wow yeah really really cool uh moon's actually rated it an 8.5 out of 10 i rated it i came in with a seven out of ten now after you know hearing both of you guys come in strong and hearing other people come in strong I don't know if it was what it was why I came in so low, but I, I still feel like it's a seven film, maybe seven and a half. But uh, it, it's a really strong film. But I just I feel like it got ahead of itself and went a little too big at times. Made it feel a little unrealistic. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah, I never thought that at all, man. I th- I thought it kept pretty true to what it was doing, and um, you know, like Jeremy said with the ending, um. I, I loved the ending. The ending still, I, I think about it. It's so crazy because if you put it into perspective and, you know, in, in reality, like, I mean, is this shit really going on? Like, it's fucking scary. It's a scary, very man. hostile type ending. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. And I really enjoyed it, man. And I thought the performances, I just, I thought it was executed really well, you know, Um because the movie's not like overly long too, you know, which is yeah. kind of cool, you know. So it doesn't drag out in parts. It's it's really kind of like bang bang into everything. I thought on stuff. a technical level, like the editing was really mm-hmm. amazing, and I, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what kind of undertaking it would be to like do all that. So that's one thing I give it mad props for. But what I was saying, like the scope of things when it gets like to the underground and the amount of of people involved just felt a little too big to me. Like actually a lot too big in my opinion. That's just one. See, I don't have a problem with that because I, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, there's always a bigger picture to what's going on. Right. And who knows? I mean, this is viral and there's probably lots of people. Involved. I mean, it could be one person. It could be 20. So, I mean, anything in between, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it could be a hundred people. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't really think that affects it at all. Mm-hmm. because I, I think it there could be so story. many people and i don't think so at all because i mean you don't have to be at the same place like all these people could be at different areas and stuff just kind of communicating through you know technology yeah and shit but like just that. the so, amount of people that we did see in one place mm-hmm. just suggested to me that it was even bigger than that and mm-hmm. um you know but I, I think i, I think Hoss that's exactly what they're getting thing. at though like this is kind of like but that was kind of like the, you know, the minor, I'm try- not trying to spoil anything, but it's kind of like, you know, this area, this is like a headquarters type deal or whatever. But the bigger picture is what you see in the end. Yeah. Which know, this is what I, it's I getting at. And it's huge. That without the, like making the scope so big. 
now i mean you're probably right you're probably right you could probably totally do it just showing like one person behind their desk going ha fuckers <laughs> <laughs> checking his paypal account no. going fuck yeah this is I'm, awesome i'm thinking of, i'm thinking of hostile. Get out some lube. like hostile you felt like the scope of the 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 thing that they was doing was was big but you never got the feeling that it was like this this thing that would almost need like to be like like it was a whole damn like organization or something i actually kind of disagree with that because i think hostile feels massive and i feel like it's a huge huge conspiracy like everyone's involved from the little kids to like all these girls and people like there's a fucking huge corporation man like these guys get drugged by these girls these kids fuck with them they go to this huge ass fucking place it's obviously world known because people come in from all over the world to pay huge ridiculous amounts of fucking cheddar cheese to go and fucking slice up motherfuckers like swiss yeah, but see, you know I always like, thought of it like I, I think that like, I think that I think Hostel is massively huge. I see that in a spectrum that's just like ginormous worldwide. This, you know, I mean, I think it was the start of something really, really big. That's the way I see it. Yeah, but I mean, I think that like in Hostel, for example, I felt like okay, the girls that you're talking about, those are just some girls that like that 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 are into some. They got involved in something that they're not quite sure what it is, but they're getting paid either way, so they're not really worried about it. I feel like there's only a select few people that that really, really know what's what the, what's going on there. Interesting. I totally see that opposite than you. Like you hmm. feel like the girls I, 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 are like I, in like just like creative businessmen. I think, in this. I think when they drug the when they drug the those dudes, I think it's like to me, it's like that's the hundredth time they've done it. Like this is what they they're paid to do. To yeah, get yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm not. But but they know what the fuck they're doing. They're part of this huge corporation. You know, they're part of this whole fucking plan. You know, they're a piece of that puzzle. See, uh-huh. but they're they're a piece. Like to me, it felt like um, the people involved that were doing the 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 thing and the the, the recording. Like to me, it felt like they were uh, solely. Res- the people responsible as well. The girls are just a piece. The guy dragging the body is just a piece in Hostile to, uh, that makes this big picture. But I just felt like it It was like – But dude, they had like fucking tattoos and like you're part of a club and stuff. Like, yeah, which this made is more sense big. to me. This is big, man. I mean this club is – you know, it's supposed to be very prestigious and stuff. But it is also world known. So the bigger picture is it's spread out. But that actually you know, feels believable to me. Like I can I can see this happening. The stuff in the den, I, I just feel like I can never really see it getting being able to be pulled off and realistically in in a real life scenario. Which it, it, it's fine, you know, it's fantasy, it's a movie. I'm not I'm okay with that. I'm just I'm just you know, I still really, really like the film. This is just one thing that I found to be a bit of a negative. All right. Well, I, you know, I respectfully disagree, but, you know, moving along. Uh, JP, you're up next. All right, everybody, settle down. Would you sit down, please? You mean they're not in this class? No. Are you in this class? No. You want to get out then, please? No. Okay, so back to uh, my segment, which we're focusing on documentaries this is horror 101 i know moods doesn't like the name but i don't really care uh (laughs) (laughs) so this this week i decided to go with a film from 2008 i believe this is also a stars uh 
produced production <laughs> production like last week's going to pieces that was uh, made for the stars channel and this one's called fantastic flesh the art of makeup effects from the year 2008 this is a, a it's only a 60 minute or a 58 minute documentary on makeup effects and that is just that's one episode of face off you know that's not enough uh, so that was my number one drawback on this was it was way too damn short. They started going into um, stuff that I really didn't care about, like the Chronicles of Narnia. It was still interesting because like there is some cool ass things in there, uh, but I was more into the horror stuff. And when they started talking about like the thing, and they started talking about the history of makeup effects going way back to Frankenstein and, and how primitive the tools and and we had to create everything from scratch back then. There was no uh, pre made like latex pieces that you put on and stuff like that it was you had to make everything by hand right then and there that was super interesting to me i really wish i we could see a full length like 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 f- real fleshed out version of this documentary where they go through the history and the art and the craft and i also really enjoyed the brotherhood of the makeup effects artists because they all seem like they they like just they had some kind of bond together and it wasn't as competitive as you might think uh when you have like you know nicotero and savini and all these other guys uh you would think that like during the the heyday the 80s and stuff like that that these people would be you know beefing and battling over like who who's doing what film or who's getting the most work or whose effects look better but it really seemed like they were they were slightly competitive but at the same time they were very respectful and part of like a brotherhood i really like that about it uh (laughs) this uh this film was just really, really fun to like see how they didn't really show a lot of how these were done, but they just really talked about the art. Um, and they had, uh, I forget the, the guy's name, but he, he was real old school and he was really respected and stuff like that. Um, and it was interesting to hear more about him because I, I really didn't know too much about him. I think it was, uh, I want to say his name was Dick something. Um, <laughs> Bukaki? But you're a over- fucking dick for not knowing his name. I know, right? I'm, I'm bad with names. You guys know that. You guys mention people, and I'm like, who's that? And I see them in like eight different films. Uh, but you know, it, it, the the idea of seeing a full full document because it's, it's dude 60 minutes. They barely scraped the surface on a lot of these things. Like they started talking about like. Uh, like I said, the Frankenstein era, and you know, what was the, this like a TV special or something? I, I think minutes? that's what it was made for. It was like a um, star, you know, the Stars Channel. It was like a, a Stars Spotlight, or I forget what it was called. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was on makeup effects, but they had Savini and they had Hooper and Craven and and Carpenter talk about their films, and and like they started talking about like uh, the thing and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, talk more about that, and they just go away because like. Um, there's just not enough time but they touch on so much stuff so much stuff where they're just just scratching the surface and you're like i want to see the history of this i want to see like you know there was an interesting story with um uh one of the makeup effects guys about how he met uh i think it was nicotero and when he was a kid or something and like he said that he wanted to be that like there's so many cool stories there it's honestly a really really fun watch it's just too damn short and i'm taking points off because of just they 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 tease you they they get into something and then they're gone with it they're just on the next thing and that that's annoying it's actually annoying so um i'm gonna give fantastic flesh the art of makeup effects although i really recommend it you get this for under five dollars it's a lot of fun 
Uh, I'm still only going to give it a 6 out of 10. That's what it is. That's what it deserves. Uh, it does deserve more um, focus, this topic, makeup effects. I know Face Off is a huge successful show, um, which I did see like the first two seasons, and it really is a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I want to see the history. I want to see the art. I want to see the craft, and I really want to hear him go in-depth on like what – what is involved in doing this and, and what it's created. And, you know, they touched briefly on the American werewolf in London. And I mean, that's a whole damn film by itself, yeah, like yeah. that amazing effect. So definitely, definitely check it out, but be warned. It's only 58 minutes or so. Uh, and you're going to be wanting more and you're going to be left kind of feeling a bit ripped off. Like what the, come on, that, that was, that wasn't enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oddly enough, your documentary is 58 minutes and your review is 57. (laughs) (laughs) Shut shut up. Yeah. So I'll see you guys next week with another edition of this segment. I I hope you guys like it. I'm having fun watching these. I have a whole stack of documentaries I want to get to. So uh, it's definitely a good excuse to to watch them to do a segment on the show. Bill Palmer. Director of the X-rated films Hot Summer in the City, Erotic Adventures of Candy, Candy Goes to Hollywood, and coming soon, The Longest Foot, starring John Holmes. Hi, I'm Gail Palmer. I've been hired by Stallion Releasing Company to supervise the editing of this new X-rated film, The Italian Stallion, with Sylvester Stallone in the starring role as Stud. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, my Italian stallion of the week. Um, is it going to be an Italian stallion or is it going to be an Italian sausage? I don't know. I think that's how I'm going to differentiate if it's going to be good or bad. Um, God. <laughs> I fucking I was watching this shit last night at work and I, I started thinking. I was like, what happens if I watch an Italian film and it's bad? Like, what do I call it? I'm like, Italian sausage? I don't know. <laughs> Um, I was delirious. I don't know. Um, but anyways, this is uh, an Elite Entertainment release uh, from 2014. Um, I believe these films are from 2013, released in 2014. Uh, of course, they're Italian. Um, this is an interesting release. It's called Shock, My Abstraction of Death. Now, basically what this is, it's actually two short films just in one. It's not an anthology. It's just basically two short films, about 45 minutes apiece. Um, the first... Uh, well, they call it episode. Uh, so the first short film is called Between Us. Um, it's about two best friends. Um, you know, they're just hanging out one day and stuff like that. And the beginning of the film, they're sitting at this train station waiting for this train. They're going to head into the city and party and stuff like that. And they're kind of bullshit and whatnot. Anyways, it kind of jumps forward to the next day. And uh, basically what happens is uh, one of the friends gets a call um, and uh, saying from a police officer and whatnot. And it's saying that his friend... Uh, had actually witnessed his parents getting killed the night before and stuff. And he's in a state of shock. So he needs, you know, uh, Yuri to come pick up Max at the, um, at the police station because, you know, he just witnessed his parents getting killed and stuff. So unfortunately, Max didn't have any other family and stuff. They're best friends. So Yuri takes him in and they start, li- he starts living there and stuff. And he's basically doing everything for him. He's like cooking and cleaning. He's like washing him. It's, it's, there's this very awkward scene where he's like undressing Max and stuff and penis is hanging out and shit. It's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> non-sexual though but anyways 
and uh, shortly after they start living together, Max starts coming around and stuff. And, you know, because obviously he's had a very shocking experience. He starts kind of seeing weird things and stuff. And, you know, he just thinks he's totally tripping out because fucking, you know, obviously what happened in his life and stuff like that. And uh, it just kind of escalates from there and crazy shit starts going on and stuff. Um, it was good. Like I said, this is a short film. Uh, it's shot very Italian. Um, I thought the acumen was good. I thought it was shot very ominous. It's very quiet. Um, it's got a very lowbrow type score to it. Um, the effects were pretty cool. Um, but I will say the ending of the film was very kind of predictable, which was unfortunate because I kind of guessed it right from the phone call, uh, what it exactly was going to happen and stuff. But, you know, it was still worth the watch. I thought it was entertaining. Like I said, it's, it's very Italian, but, uh, um, it's like new Italian. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you guys don't watch a ton of them, but it, it has a lot of old elements, like the way it's shot. It's very Italian. Um, it's, it's very interesting because, like I said, it's very quiet and stuff and very cool shots. Very cool watch, though. I enjoyed it. Episode two is called Chromophobia, and is it is about a couple. Um, they have uh, basically just rented this uh, um, this hillside country house for, you know, their holidays and stuff. He's a doctor. She's a writer. Um, they just need to get away from the city and whatnot. Uh, the odd thing about this setting of this story is that they rent this place that was, you know, up in the hills and stuff. And I guess an earthquake had hit this small town and basically demolished all these houses and whatnot and stuff. Anyways, you know, her husband's a doctor, so she stays at home and, you know, it's kind of funny. They rent this place for the holidays, but he's like still off working. It's very fucking odd. I couldn't get that. The story seemed very kind of, I don't know. It just seemed odd to me. Um, but uh, anyway, she's at home and she starts seeing fucking weird shit and hearing weird shit and like weird shit starts happening around the house and stuff. And he starts or she starts telling him uh, her husband that, you know, uh, there's something fucking wrong with this house. You know, like, you know, I'm fucking hearing weird shit. And he's saying that, you know, you're kind of crazy and stuff, because I guess she was a writer of like weird stories and stuff. And she started to kind of go crazy before. So he just assumed that, you know, she's kind of losing her fucking mind again and stuff. So he kind of blows it off like whatever and stuff. And then you start to learn things about the house throughout the short and stuff. And, you know, and then it kind of gets all fucking crazy by the end and stuff. But um, again, it, this one was shot very similar to the first one. It's very quiet, very ominous, very Italian. A lot of cool shots. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, but these one, like both of these are not for everybody. You know, if you're not into like really slow kind of quiet films with not the greatest payoffs and stuff, um, they're both of them are very artsy Italian films, not as artsy as I say from the one I did last week. Cause that was like a fucking art giallo, but these are very, they're, they're very artsy. Um, not for everybody, but I really did enjoy them. Um, you know, they ran about the perfect length for what the ideas were. You know, the, you you could probably stretch these out a little more, um, but they didn't need it to be. They they didn't need to be stretched out at all with the stories. Again, uh, this one's got twists just like the first one. Um, that was a little more well done in my opinion than the first one. I did enjoy the first short a little more, I think, than the second one. But the second one had some pretty cool shit in it too. Um, both of them had pretty decent gore effects, pretty decent effects and stuff. Very similar. They definitely fit together, per, uh, you know, perfectly as like a double feature, um, you know, shorts. But uh, shock my abstraction to death. Uh, like I said, if you're re if you're really into like artsy Italian stuff, this is probably for you. If you're not, stay clear. Um, so overall, I'm probably just going to give this one roughly about about a seven out of ten you know it, it's really kind of hard to rate as a whole because they're two different shorts but they are similar 
if you know what I'm saying. But um, I don't know, man. It was it was definitely an interesting watch. It's you don't see a lot of stuff like this come out, and you don't really hear a lot of people talk about like new age artsy Italian films and stuff. So I don't know. I think Jeremy, I think you'd really enjoy this. I don't think this would be for you, JP. Um, I'm just being honest. I don't know. You might like it, um, but uh, I, I think it's more on your lines, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I think you'd like. Sounds it. like it's up my alley. Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting actually but they're not overly you know that crazy with the scripts and stuff so mm-hmm. but you know you know what i'm getting at but yeah, yeah. seven out of ten elite it's it's you know the, the prints on here are beautiful they really really do look good so what elite always the does title good of that film this one is called shock and then it's uh, subtitled my my abstraction of death awesome so yeah <clears throat> yeah so yeah um, this one kind of falls in between an Italian stallion and an Italian sausage, I guess. It's kind of, you know. Uh, so, so, so the Italian stallion is is like a good film. It's like a. So pick it's like an Italian. Kind of. it's the Italian stallion's like fuck yeah! You get excited for the Italian. So stallion. like an Italian stallion, Italian sausage, Italian <laughs> stallion sausage. There you go. So yeah, if I if I watch an Italian film and it's a total shit fest, it'll be an Italian sausage. <laughs> Not good. Alrighty. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So yeah. that that is actually going to bring us to the to the moment we've all been waiting for, right? Oh but, no! But just a little disclaimer because we always forget to fucking do this at the beginning of the reviews. We will be talking about a franchise, so therefore it will be possible that we will be spoiling certain aspects of these films because sometimes you can't talk about one film and then talk about the sequel without giving away plot details that happened in the first film. And we are really good about not spoiling films all throughout our regular episodes, so it's almost like a little break for us to be able to talk openly and not worry about spoiling yeah. uh, during the franchise shows as well, so we are being a little shellfish as well. So, shellfish? Uh, did you say shellfish? I did say shellfish. That's weird. That's weird. Yes, I apologize. No, I don't. I'm standing by it. Alrighty, so we are going to get into the featured franchise reviews and of course, it is going to be the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. Um, and this is pretty much the only uh, holiday or Christmas franchise that's out there. Yeah, definitely um, the only Christmas. I wouldn't say it's yeah. the only holiday. I mean, we got Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> okay, smartass. Uh, yeah, definitely Christmas franchise out there, um, if we can say that. Uh, but yeah, of course, starting with uh, the 1984 uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, of course, we all know about how controversial the the film was uh, when it came out back in '84. Um, still, one of my favorite things ever is the Siskel and Ebert review of it. It fucking makes me laugh so hard when Siskel starts calling out people by names, and he yeah. does it. He actually repeats himself in it too, and it's so fucking funny. I just I can't believe that he went to those levels to call out specific names and be like, "You should be ashamed of yourself, John." He said, Bard. "Shame, shame, shame." I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then and then he continues along with bashing the film, and then he does it again. Fuck, it's funny, man. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on YouTube. Just it's Whoa. fucking funny as hell, man. Don't worry about it's, looking it up because I'll play it during this show. Trust me. <laughs> okay, it's it's pretty fucking funny. Uh, but yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr. Um, this was his first uh, featured film that he directed. And actually, he really had a short career. And he only directed like two other films or something like that. It's pretty odd. Um, but uh, somebody want to give the synopsis on uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night? 
before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. start with uh there's a young kid named billy who is driving on christmas eve with his parents there he goes to meet his grandfather who is kind of like um what's the word comatose not really comatose uh you know he just doesn't talk catatonic 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 is the word yeah yeah. um so secretly he's actually okay and he pretty much scares the shit out of his kids in one of my favorite scenes in like any film ever with that creepy ass grandpa but anyway on the way home a santa claus who has just robbed a convenience store uh tricks the family into stopping uh murders the mother and father in front of young billy uh billy is sent to an orphanage where he is constantly uh, disciplined by nuns because he's kind of weird and he has mental issues uh eventually grows up becomes an 18 year old gets a job at a department store things are going good until christmas eve where he must don a santa claus costume which just sends his brain into complete hyperdrive all messed up and he starts killing people you forgot about Pretty- the rape man how can you say he murders he, his mother? He, he keeps t- – or he's, he starts killing people because he needs to punish them. He feels he needs to punish the bad. Yeah. Typical slasher type stuff there. I mean – So they have to give him a reason, you know, you know, not just because his parents were killed by a Santa Claus but – I mean he know. he's messed up in mm-hmm. the head and he's – I guess you – yeah, you can say that what he's doing is, is getting revenge on the naughty people because – um, I mean, his grandpa kind of instilled that into his head too. A lot, there's a lot of things. It's it's much less than just a, um, you know, kid got bullied and now he's you know getting revenge on his <laughs> classmates. You know, th- there's a lot to it. There's definitely different levels you can look at it. There is, there is, you know, for it for the type of film that Silent Night Deadly Night is, and especially executed- that it was billed to be like what it was looked at from critics yeah. was mm-hmm. just this cheap, writ like 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 cash in exploitive garbage trash like that's Mm -hmm. what it was looked at as that's what i find super interesting about this film is because it's actually quite not like it actually it actually takes the time to develop a backstory of billy they show the murder of his parents they develop the story with billy and then read into his adolescent life yeah they didn't like just like have like yeah typical like oh i'm gonna go on a murder spree yeah they show you all the steps exactly what happened with his parents and then they show you with mother superior and how big of a bitch she was and how much she (laughs) fucked him up too and then obviously his transition from you know being 
okay in the real world to, you know, see in red, quite literally, you know, in the Santa costume and then, and then transforming into the killer. I really like how this movie develops, man. I don't say what you will about it. There's a lot of, there is some cheesy moments in this film, but you know, it's fine. I think the way this movie's executed, you know, up until, you know, the killings and stuff is really well done. And I don't think it gets enough credit for actually being a well-developed slasher film. Yeah, you know, well, if been... you look at all the other slashers from the time, when you look at stuff like Happy Birthday to Me and uh, Slaughter High, which I watching these sequels, I seen the Slaughter High trailer three different times. <laughs> I know it's not <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah, so um, when you look at those films that are very very basic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Happy Birthday to Me, I guess had a little bit more towards the end of like of uh, narrative and stuff, but but the point is. This film has a lot going on compared to what you normally saw in slashers, yet it's billed as one of the most cheap and generic slashers of the time, which is just weird, right? Yeah, I think and, it's and just critics surprise, really yeah. I mean, if you if you look at the history of this film, you know, going into that a little bit, taking us uh, away from, you know, talking about the film briefly, um, they pulled this film's advertising like a week after it aired because of angry parents and yep. this film opened up higher it opened up the same week as nightmare on elm street and actually uh surpassed nightmare on elm street in in the first week uh and then just plummeted after all the advertising was pulled and after uh you know the 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 filmmakers kind of eventually just pulled the film in general sounds like what's Uh, going on right now yeah with that uh comedy that's out or whatever yeah yeah yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, people were outraged. Like, you cannot show Santa Claus carrying an axe. You just can't do that. <laughs> and and people were really pissed off. It's this film deserves a documentary, and I would say that this whole series does, <laughs> just because how weird it is. Especially the story of the first film, though. I yeah, mean, yeah, it definitely story. does need. I would love to see an in-depth documentary about everything, and you know, you know, <laughs> it's too bad you couldn't interview Even the second now. Because it would the be second so film has good. an interesting history. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, th- this is such a it's such a fun film, and I really, you know, I, I always this is one film that I always like to defend because you always hear people are like, yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, it is what it is, but it's not a great film, and I'm like, it I kind of beg to differ. Like, I actually think it is one of the better slasher films I out agree, there, dude. just because of how it is structured, and like I said. It's not that cheap and piece of shit, you know, generic slasher that everyone says it is. Mm-hmm. It actually takes the time to develop. And honestly, this movie w- came after. Well, this is pretty much at the end of the golden age of slasher films, and it came. And this one's quite developed. You know, yeah, they could have went that Street route. It just went, oh, like let's just make a generic one. The slasher films. Why take the time to develop the story when and it's they just going to be deemed as a cheap kills too. Yeah, and and that's yeah. another cool thing about this film. It's it's actually kind of innovative and stuff. And yeah. um, <clears throat> obviously, it's the first of its kind too with a killer slap. I mean, there's a lot of elements of this film that really do stick out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think right from the opening credits, which I think are fucking awesome in this film. You yeah. know, it's just it develops so perfectly. I well, mean, there's actually a scenes, high man. level of violence. When I first seen this film last year, I talked about it on the podcast because it was the first time I ever seen it. When I seen Santa Claus rip the mom out of the car and tear off her shirt, I was truly disturbed. Like, yeah. I was like, wow, like, that's pretty fucked up to see when you're a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that that, that totally could screw up a kid, you know? And I, I feel like they really didn't hold back. And it never, to me, it didn't really feel that exploitive. It just felt like this is a fucked up story, so we have to make it seem actually fucked up like it has to be because in order for this kid to snap like this we have to have some real stuff happen to him and i feel like Mm -hmm. they did and i I feel like 
and like I, I was very like happy with the whole way that all of that played out with with <laughs> Philly. I remember the first time I watched this movie was I don't I don't know when it was, but I was always so con- confused on how Billy actually does get away from the killer. Like I know that he can't find him in the bush, but he's a fucking like six year old kid or whatever. It's like you really think he's gonna outbrain this guy? Like he, I'm sure he could find him. But the other thing was is the fact that he didn't kill the the baby. You know, and and you know the funny thing is if he had killed the younger brother, we would have never had a franchise. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But listen, the thing is. Wouldn't have number three. Like man. you might rip off some woman's shirt and shoot the husband in the head and slit her throat and stuff like that. But like, are you really like how many? Like, I think even the worst of the worst might not kill the baby because it's just like it's kind of weird to do. <laughs> well, oh, it's definitely, you it's like it, weird, JP. But it's just one more reason to really make that fucking you know Billy snap in the storyline. But I mean, I, of course, it, you know you have to you know disconnect yourself a little bit i mean of course not all killers are you know gonna fucking go out there and slaughter the baby the innocent baby i mean obviously if you look at it this way it's not like the baby could identify him you yeah, know right yeah so you look at it like that but my only problem was with that scene is the fact that billy does get away i mean it does he just give up looking after him well you know? I, I think i think what it is is you just shot your gun you just shot a gun you just murdered two people you're gonna stick around that long you have a car sitting right there or whatever i, I mean it's kind of in a ditch but maybe you could get it out all i know mm-hmm. is the cops are gonna show up eventually i could spend time looking for this kid uh i am in a santa claus costume he's gonna think i'm santa claus i just was probably witnessed on camera in a convenience store i, I ain't got really much to lose to stick around here and wait yeah true that i mean yeah i just wanted to hear your thoughts on it i always thought it was kind of kind of interesting that well maybe billy was one smart ass motherfucker and he like climbed a tree and stuff and didn't find (laughs) i just think he sat there and if the guy (laughs) sees where he went he would have been dead meat but (laughs) so um you know flash forward years later nuns are weird like to me and that whole like 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 they arguably made him worse than what he would have been, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think that's exactly what they're getting at too, and and they they kind of exploit that to shit in the film too, you know, mm-hmm. about how these orphanages and stuff are like very very naughty themselves and bad and stuff. I, I really like that aspect of it because they they really there's a do bit of social commentary there, which obvious like that that proves our point once again that this film isn't just some ch- cheap no no thought slasher from the 80s it's not totally totally i love how you never see a non-christian orphanage it's kind of funny <laughs> i've noticed that like every fucking orphanage has nuns in it it's because i think they're the only people that care quote <laughs> quote <laughs> you know mother superior oh my god man her character she is such a fucking bitch man yeah she is like she, she is she's so she's such a hypocrite you know it's like you know don't hurt the children don't hurt the children but then she's fucking whooping the shit out <laughs> too at the same time it's like but her you know what justifies her means whatever I, it's just i find her character to be just uh don't turn irritating. to violence and then she turns to violence exactly she's such a hypocrite it's like <laughs> so fucking annoying but exactly but that's what they're doing they're exploiting that bullshit because yeah. you know of what you hear about orphanages and you know they can do what the fuck they want but um but getting back to like you know before he gets to the orphanage what are your guys' thoughts on the little kid the first kid the first billy in the film i think that kid is fucking fantastic man i do oh you mean the grand with the one with the grandpa yeah like the young yeah the young young yeah, billy. Yeah, yeah. i think, I think they really I think, pulls it off yeah i agree but dude 
I, I'm serious. Like, that grandpa scene, like, when I first popped in this movie, and that's, like, one of the first things you see, I was like, this is awesome. Like, that <laughs> that dude really got into his role. He'd be like, you're like, Christmas Eve is the goddamn worst time of He's like, scariest time of the year, boy. Dude, I was like, oh, I, my, my God. My favorite, part is, my favorite part is when Grandpa looks at Billy and he goes, you better watch out. <laughs> it's just yeah. the way he says it because it's such a cheesy line because obviously that's fucking, you know, Christmas shit. But I just – it fucking kills Listen, me every time. It's so there, executed perfectly. There's a story to be told with Grandpa. Like what the hell happened to Grandpa <laughs> scares him so much about Christmas? I want to see that story. Let's get a Silent Night prequel. Get that Kickstarter going. Let's do this right now. <laughs> Come Have on. A script, I always – I always wondered what the fuck was with Grandpa and his faking being catatonic. Man, that takes a lot of fucking. Yeah, but that the takes a lot of energy. That man. Is because something really fucked him up during Christmas. <laughs> but they said he's been catatonic for. I think they even say like over a year or something. So, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I love that character, man. <laughs> I love that part. That that's like one of my favorite parts ever. Now. Um, but you know, once it goes like full blown slasher mode, that's that's kind of what it is at that point. It, it really yeah. is just victim after victim. But the setup is really some well cool kills, done. There's some yeah. great kills, especially in the uncut version, which is you know, Every you can. Movie. I kind of like the the quality dips a little bit because you can actually see what was cut out, and I find that pretty cool. That like, I wish there was a feature when they release stuff uncut that like glowed out like the out like outlined the screen like when it's the cut stuff. That's interesting you said that because um, I like that too, actually, you know, yeah. that the quality dips because you really get to see exactly what that – I mean, I've actually seen a cut version before, but I can't quite remember. It's been a long time since I've seen one. But it's so cool to see that, you know, that quality dip and you're like, wow, they cut out that whole fucking scene. It's really noticeable in my Bloody Valentine when you watch the uncut Blu-ray and like there, there's a scene towards the end where there's like four minutes cut out. It's fucking crazy. That's insane. Dude, that That's movie a lot is of movie. that man. My Bloody Valentine is one of the most heavily cut slasher films of all time. Like every kill in that film was cut yeah. out. Yeah. It's so crazy. But the the quality. My point is the quality is the exact same as like Silent Night Deadly Night. Mm. Uh-huh. You know, it dips into that right. But you really notice and you're going, holy fuck, dude, this movie. Like, how did people even like this? There's the film is so different with all the kills. But um, yeah, the, the cut version of Silent Night Deadly Night. Wow. I didn't even know there was a cut version. I mean, I know there's a cut version, but like, I didn't know. There's not very many. There's not very much going on in that movie without that when it's not cut. It was fucking. Oh, what? uh, My boy, Valentine. No, in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh yeah, yeah. They cut out the kills completely in that one, pretty much too. Yeah, I mean, well, the the Linnea Quigley death is definitely heavily, heavily, heavily cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which honestly is like a great death, like it, one of the best ever, in my opinion. Like I love that yeah. whole scene. And you know what's funny is I remember reading this somewhere, um, or seeing it in a documentary or something that I was watching. But when Lene is standing there and that axe hits the wall, that's like a real axe that smashes in the wall right there, which I thought was pretty impressive. She's mm-hmm. she's she's a sport, man. She's my fucking get in dude. there. I don't know what it is with this series and the, having the cheapest fucking doors, but when he breaks through the fucking door, I started <laughs> yeah, laughing. In part I, three, I, in part three, it's so funny. I laugh every time. Exactly, I laugh every time because it's like that really shitty, like thin particle board <laughs> yeah. doors, and it's like who the fuck has that on the front of their house? Oh, like yeah. what the fuck? You might as well just put a sheet up there, <laughs> put a comforter as your fucking door. It's like so ridiculous, man. But it is what it is. It's just just me making jokes, but. But yeah, the great scene. But I always thought that Billy had like the craziest naughty radar. 
you know, he's always in a place where shit's going down. Well, I think what they're saying is like there's always shit going down. Every the whole world. Yeah, going yeah. True, true that, true that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah th- this one does have good kills i i really enjoy you know the fucking sledding kill too that oh, one always yeah, dude. i know that like, we've these, talked these about two... that before on the show <laughs> he just <laughs> pops out of nowhere dude yeah it's so fucking funny. With the head. these two dicks totally beat up these kids and take their sleds and fucking lobs his head up I, <laughs> death, it makes me laugh he's so like much. down at the end of the hill and he's just like <laughs> oh, you, you know something that this film does that the the whole rest of the series doesn't do has balls mm. feels like christmas like a i lot. know yeah. and that's it's funny that because i have i actually have that note in too this one is a true bonafide christmas film yeah like it really yeah, the does next have one to feel like that is part five it's like that's like the end of the series and, well most of the other films take place like in i think in part yeah part five i think part four i think takes place in in california so there's no mm-hmm. snow on the ground so there's really no christmas feel at all um, and stuff like that. So, like, this one actually has snow, you know, Christmas yeah. music, <laughs> a Santa Claus, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, all the elements of a true Christmas horror film. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, this is the, the this is the, like, the best, in my opinion, that I've seen killer Santa Claus film. Um, Tales from the Crypt is really good. The, yeah, Tales uh, from the Crypt. Episode. But, I mean, this, this this shit is just I, I I love this film. It's one of my favorite slash. It's easily becoming one of my favorite slashes of all time, mm-hmm. um, and I just I just love the vibe. I love the story. I really do like the Billy's arc in this film. Uh, it really kind of all fits together and makes sense. I love how it's told in segments too. Early on, you get to see like his his childhood. What's up with that eighties montage though? <laughs> i don't know man i have no idea <laughs> it's so that's like the cheesiest part of the whole film that is super fucking cheesy the fucking music too oh yeah. my god and actually this movie has a pretty decent score too like it's got like kind of a an offbeat kind of eerie holiday f- i don't know man the score is kind of cool i like it it's interesting you know i honestly think that like one of the main reasons <laughs> one of the main reasons why billy like you know kind of snaps when he's uh you know in uh, the orphanage and stuff it's not because mother superior is a raising raging bitch <laughs> you know and like and he's all fucked up because of that and she treats him like shit and stuff i think it's because billy looked in a mirror and then realized he's like i'm a fucking ginger kid i don't have any <laughs> soul anyways so when i grow up i'm gonna kill people <laughs> I don't know, man. I always, I How always about, thought it was funny that he's. You know what I liked, man? When he was working in the, the department store, and you could see like all the different like toys like sitting around and stuff. Like, I like that stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I love, like, yeah, I love it. It feels so nostalgic when he's like in the toy store, and you can like see all this shit on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, are you I laughing, say, dudes? I have to say, my one of, I think my favorite part. Well, it's it's up there with the grandpa part, but. Is when Billy fucking knocks out Santa Claus. I have to fucking. I seriously rewind that part because if you watch Billy, he throws the best left hook I've ever seen on like a 10 year old kid. Like his form is fantastic, man. It's great. <laughs> Only you would notice that. You're like, look at this kid's punch. How it's awesome. It's fucking is it? great, man. He like jumps off Santa's knee and he fucking turns around and he just wallops him, but it's like a perfect <laughs> left, left hook, man. It's fucking amazing. And I just love Santa's reaction. He gets up and he's like, what's with that kid? <laughs> <laughs> and Billy's like getting restrained. And I'm just like, damn, that was a wicked left. 
<laughs> like it's fucking amazing. So good. Um, you know what? Going back to like the history of the film, there was actually one person who wrote an angry letter about this film, and it was uh, Mickey Rooney. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that later, later. but his, his his letter actually I, know it, I do have it. It's kind of ironic, it. isn't it? And he yeah. said, "How dare they!" exclamation point. All for the First Amendment, but don't give me a Santa Claus with a gun going to kill somebody. The scum who made this movie should be run out of town. So let's just make a robot to do it. <laughs> so yeah, his more on that later. In, his career must have been in shambles at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um. Silent Night, Deadly Night, man. This is this is just one of those gems, just from the era that like, I, it's almost like a gonna be a yearly tradition for me where I'm gonna pop this one in like every Christmas because I, I I genuinely enjoy it. it. Has a lot of fun kills. Like I love Linnea's Antler death. kill, man. Yeah, Linnea's death is awesome, and it's just mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty creative with that type of stuff. I love that in in the early stuff. I don't feel like it'll ever get boring to me. Like all the the early stuff, uh, character development and stuff. Like I think there's stuff to enjoy there, all throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I find that th- this movie really does it. It pushes it too with um you know with the exploitive Santa Claus stuff and and just being you know kind of devastating to people, especially with the end of the film with the um <laughs> the fucking priest. Yeah, or actually, I, I guess I, I think they say he's a priest. And I think in part two, they say he's the janitor. There's always continuity issues in these things. But uh, <laughs> I think in the first one, they call it the priest. But in the second one, they call him the janitor. But anyways, the Santa Claus that is supposed to be Billy that gets gunned down. It's like in front of the kids. I I think that part's just. And then they like so, look at him and then they're like, yeah, that part's funny. It's it's crazy, man, because they fucking not only you have a killer Santa Claus, you got another one getting gunned down, one getting knocked out with the greatest left hook ever by a 10 year old. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of fucking interesting Santa Claus shit going on, but I always like that part because they did it right in front of the kids. They just mm-hmm. fucking take out the Santa Claus, and it's like, wow, it's pretty harsh. So, Ooh, but what think something is harsh? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense to the story, but I mean, kind of. I mean, you don't really have to do that, but mm-hmm. um, what about the very end of the film? Do you, what do you guys think of the the very end of the film? You know, with with, with Billy and his younger brother and stuff like now is that is that for sure his younger brother? I was con- yeah. I was a bit confused. I was trying to like listen for names and stuff. They do because I think I think even Mother Superior when Ricky when he I don't maybe she doesn't say his name. No, I think she does say his name actually. She says Ricky don't open the door or whatever. I think at the okay. part when he opens the door. No, I think no, no. She, she say- says a different name to that kid. That's a different kid than the one that. Opened okay, so the there, there is another time. There is a point in, in the in the film where Ricky's name is said. Yeah, I think it's yeah, the yeah, yeah. of the film. Yeah, I exactly. couldn't remember what that kid looked like by the end. Exactly. Okay, but yeah, so there is. They they did say the right name, but um, I don't know, man. I've always I always kind of thought like the ending was super cheesy, but at the same time, it does make sense if they want to, you know, continue the franchise. But I don't, I'm not sure if they ever had an intention to directly do that. I mean, they might have had like an idea, but I don't think they yeah, had like like five films like already. Well, had, they like, obviously uh, didn't have too great of an idea for a sequel. Well, if, we'll if, actually if they talk had that in mind. That. We'll actually talk about that because that's not as like simple of a situation as you might think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Silent Night, Deadly Night, man. It definitely, it's one of those stick-out films from the early 80s, or almost from the mid-80s, I guess. Yeah, 84, I mean, was a good, well, 84 was a good year the, for releases in horror, too, and Silent Night, Deadly Night really sticks out, so. 
Yeah, the yeah. way I look at it, though, man, is the, the, there's the the pre Freddy slashers, which is like your first run, and then and then there's kind of like the second wave is post Freddy, and I think this is the this is probably the last film before the post Freddy wave. What do you think the first film is? Freddy. Freddy. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> you said post Freddy. I mean, well, I, the Free first Friday. one after that, after that, it's probably like a Friday the 13th sequel or something. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, the feeling of the films that came before Elm Street that were slashers and the ones that came after Elm Street, I think there's definitely a, a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, for, you know, lots of different reasons, obviously, because I think people were trying to get away from doing, you know, what the previous, like, five or six years had done. And, you know, and with the incorporation of the Freddy thing, yeah, it was going in a different direction. So it does make sense that the slashers changed because you had to kind of keep up with the times a little bit when you have such a great idea like, you know, the Freddy story and stuff. I mean, you got to try something new. You can't have those generic slashers. Which was way, way more complex than like Slaughter High or something, you know? Exactly. I mean, you still did see those really generic slashes, you know, the bully that turned out to, you know, come back and fucking kill people. I mean, those, those existed. Like every slasher? You know, I mean, I mean, there, there is a lot of unique ones, but, yeah, yeah. you know, but there was still, of course, ones that were, you know, later in the, in the, in the later 80s that were pretty generic, but still entertaining. Slaughter High, I love, even though it is like super generic and there's a lot of <laughs> odd shit that happens in that film, but I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's not, I wasn't really going anywhere specifically with it. I was just kind of, uh, you know, touching on that briefly. Um, ratings? Jeremy? Give Silent Night, Deadly Night 8 out of 10. Eight out of I give it, I give it 8.5 out of 10. Um, I'm going to go with a, I'm going to stick to my rating last year. I think it was pretty fair, uh, which is an eight out of 10. So moods mm. eight and a half, Jeremy eight and me also eight. Mm. I'm really surprised yours didn't change. Interesting. Well, that's going to be the highest ranked film of the series. <laughs> <laughs> and then into, uh, silent night, deadly night part two from 1987, Oh man. Um He's back. It's the terrorizing sequel to the film that shocked a nation by breaking all the rules. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Clint is back, and he's mighty miffed at the naughty nun who drove his demented brother on a murderous rampage that made headlines across the country. Now, step by step, weapon by weapon, victim by victim. Santa's gonna finish what his brothers started. So you better watch out. You better not pout. Because Santa Claus is coming to your town. And he knows who's been naughty and who's been nice. Hold on tight for the sequel that'll chill you through your very soul. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Do we have a synopsis for this one? Silent Night, Deadly Night 1. (laughs) There's a synopsis. So Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2 follows ricky who is the brother of the mass murderer in part one billy and he is now locked up in a mental hospital so there is a doctor who comes in asks him some questions trying to figure him out see if he can ever be released uh 
Ricky starts telling stories, which is kind of incorporated in flashbacks of the original film. Uh, eventually, Ricky uh, kind of then goes into his own stories, which are also flashbacks. Um, and then we're in present time, and Ricky escapes and goes on a killing spree. So that is our story for Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Oy mm. fey. Like, yeah, I just want to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 1 all over again. Well, that's well, the thing, man. The, fir- the first 40 minutes of this film are literally just you know first film (laughs) yeah all the highlights of the first film yeah so so the thing the thing is um (laughs) that the the, it's lucky that the first film is a very strong film because if it wasn't it would be 10 times worse like i don't mind watching the first film again but at the same time what a fucking awful thing to do yeah, I mean, they just couldn't come up with enough material to make a full. Film. No, I, well, I actually go into the history of that a little bit because I, I did hear a podcast between last year and this year where the director or the writer of Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two uh, was being interviewed. If I could remember the name of that podcast, I'll link it down below. But basically, what he said was one company, whoever put out the first Silent Night Deadly Night, I don't really know who it is, was. Uh, sold the rights to Vestron or somebody else. And what happened was they were trying to re-release Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 in uh, the video store or whatever, but they wanted the editor of that film to recut the film and make it into a different film. And he's like, why can't you do that? It's not going to work. You can't do that. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but the editor said, you know what, if... If you would just give me, say, this amount of money, I can go and shoot a couple scenes and we can make uh, – and then we can fill it in with some uh, flashback scenes. And I think there's a way to make it all work together and you know, I'll just – and then I can just direct it. And they were like, OK, let's do that. So that's what they did. So that was the idea behind it. They just they, – so technically, we could have got an even worse film. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. Well, if they would have just edited the first film and like switched scenes around, th- it is possible. <laughs> just to have like an entire just flashbacks of the first film that, well, the, the entire time? Well, no. That, what the, he was saying was he wanted them to re-edit the first film. No new scenes. Just yeah. re-edit and change things around and make it tell a different story. That's what they they wanted. That's what the producers wanted the editor to do. What were they smoking? I don't think the producers ever seen the first film. Like, how how the fuck do you do that? But so after hearing that and seeing how he fit this film together out of nowhere, like, I'm actually kind of impressed because he pretty much created a story out of flashbacks and Mm -hmm. a couple, you know, days of ten days of shooting. And I was. And you had one of the most iconic scenes in horror <laughs> but history. But I mean, but I mean, really, let's not give this guy a gold medal right now because I mean, really, even what he did create isn't. I mean, honestly, I could have wrote that in five minutes myself. It's really not hard. I mean, wrote garbage day. Well, Gener- generally, this is what you would have to do with you know what they had with the flashbacks and stuff. But <laughs> I mean, he got pretty lucky that the the original script contained a brother. Mm-hmm. For one, the brother didn't die for two. We actually see the brother at the end of the film three. Like he got really lucky on that. But I, I mean, I think that the editing in this film actually f- is pretty seamless. Like it doesn't feel like um, 
like forced at all. Like I, it, I, I'm like, if I didn't never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One, like I would be like, wow, like this feels like one film. You know, it doesn't feel like two films mashed together. Yeah, I mean, I see, I see what you're saying, but it's hard to you know take that spot in reality when you have seen the first one. Yeah, and and then you watching this one right after, it's just well, I, I, I it, kinda, it's hard to absorb as a great film. I'm, who ever said this is a great film? film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who has ever spoken those words? That said I said Silent or Night, a good Deadly film Night. or a shitty film. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who has said Silent Night Deadly Night Two is a great film? Who said that? I've I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that they prefer part two over one, which I think is more of a uh, just trying to be controversial. I think, but yeah, Yeah, it's um, like when someone says uh, 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 Friday or Friday or no Elm Street. Which one was it? Oh, Halloween Six is the best in the series. I've heard that come out of people's mouth. Okay, so in the beginning of the film when when Ricky's talking to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is asking him questions and stuff about you know obviously Ricky being all fucked up and stuff. Um, and then Ricky proceeds with telling the story about what happened that night. <laughs> I fucking, I lose it every time. His <laughs> acting is like so serious. He has like the most serious face on it. It's not even about the acting. It's about the fact that Ricky was a fucking infant. He's telling the <laughs> story. he what does say. I know what he says. He I know, says, it's Billy it's... told me this story many a nights. Or I know. And, but even the psychiatrist is like, well, how how do you know this? And he's like, and he's like, well, I was there. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a point when he does say that, and I lose it every time. I'm like, totally. His acting. <laughs> he would remember that shit. Fuck his acting. It's so stuff. serious. It's it's hilarious. so over the top though. It's so <laughs> every scene is over the top, and it's really actually kind of entertaining and comical to watch. Oh, yeah. I love because it because I think that he's doing it purposely because it's just I, I don't know. Maybe you knew the script is ridiculous. Vision in his head of how he wanted to play this character and he was really serious about it and um he kind of got probably saw something that 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 they didn't see maybe more of a comedic tone or something like that but i feel like he never really quite nailed it but he Uh was very close to doing this weird thing that that he had in his head that he wanted to do for this character but i just feel like since he never nailed that that thing that he wanted to do it just comes off weird didn't you hear jp that someone said like his acting's like I believe Fantastic. I believe it was AJ Bowen who said who said that the stuff that this guy th- is doing is actually really really impressive, <laughs> and a lot of people just don't get it because the amount of like facial expressions that he's doing in a, in like like point five seconds is mm-hmm. is like hard to do for an actor or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, the 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 main problem with this film is of course that it's not minutes. a full film. Yeah. So right away, if it's a half a film, it's just it's you automatically start out not that good, right? Yeah. Um. So, but then it gets there, worse. there's moments in this film though that like I find extremely entertaining. I actually like this film better this time watching it than I did last time. And I'll tell you right now, the worst thing to ever do is to watch Silent Night Deadly Night Part One and then watch Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two. If you watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, maybe six months later or something, you'll enjoy it a lot more. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, Garbage Day. I'm, that that scene is great. Enough. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they captured something extremely funny right there. I don't yeah. know why 
like a cold <laughs> classic status. I don't know, man. The garbage day, the scene, it's funny when he's, you know, obviously he just calls out what the guy's doing. He's taking out his garbage. But I think it's right before garbage day when he's walking down the street and he shoots, shoots this dude and he's like, All right, and then he just mutters, he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> I find that I find that funnier, man. It's the way he says it. It's like so fucking awesome, motherfucker. Yeah, dude. And that's all he says. It's one word, and then it cuts. And then it well, cuts he's from crazy him. Crazy as shit. I think he's playing crazy pretty good. But he has so many cheesy one-liners in this yeah. film. Like they're all like, one-liners. Just, that's just when he fucking he's like staring and he's like and he's really fucking pissed off and he's like I'm really mad now. <laughs> I just love the execution. It's like, yeah, I, dude, we can you tell in your face, funny? man, you're fucking pissed. <laughs> I thought that this was a little artistic, and I, I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Wait, you say artistic and sound like deadly. Yes, too? check this. How is that possible? Check I'm gonna go to out. film school and be like, this is a little bit something. of a flare. This is something that, like, I don't know if you guys caught, but right when this is an this is this comes from you can tell that the director of this film was an editor because um there's a scene where right after the flashbacks stop and his story begins he switches the tapes in the in the recorder on the table he like switches the reels and i mm. thought that was pretty interesting yeah that's a, that's that's a good note right there that's cool yeah so i mean th- that's something right mm. Mm. <laughs> You know, one thing that really bugged me about this movie, man, is the awful casting in the different ages of Ricky. You know, within the story oh, and stuff, yeah, it, uh-huh. it was awful, man. Well, there's not it many good like, child actors besides the one. In no, but they, the they just look so mismatched in the ages. Like it just oh, didn't fuck. like this kid looks so much older. That this kid one, I was hard five. Fucking hell. Oh, God, it was horrible casting. Like it was just ugh, it was really annoying me. Like every time I watch this film, it just bugs me. What do you guys uh, think about um the look of Ricky, though, man, by the Eric Eric Freeman. He's, we talked about it a lot. It's just funny. I think the casting is actually pretty funny because he's very kind of similar to you know what his brother's character was in the first one. He's like really huge and yeah, uh, get, built. And then you get the like part just, three. It's kind Listen, I guess this guy, like after he did like a couple more like little things here there. He was actually in Children of the Corn, which is weird. He's uncredited. What other movies have you ever been in? Um, nothing. He just did a couple like... TV. He did he did a few TV shows, like one episodes for like the next couple years, and then he like disappeared. Like nobody could find him. They people who have been doing conventions and stuff like that have been trying to reach out and find this guy forever, and nobody could really find him. I think there was a breakthrough. There was like a big website like dedicated to like finding this guy, um, and I believe they did have some sort of breakthrough over the past year or so. Um, but I just find it hilarious. That's how you're a public uh, private investigator. We could find him. Yeah. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 is just this weird film that is like never should have been made. Nope. Uh, but it actually came out April 10th, which is my birthday of 1987. Um, <laughs> happy birthday to me, I guess. Had a shitty uh, sequel. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's not much redeemable quality about this film. If you cut out like the first forty minutes and just watch the the second part, I mean, it is entertaining. It's 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 like I think this is why these things entertain me, and it's because I feel like everybody was trying to make a serious film, and it totally backfired and comes off super cheesy. And that's what I love when when they're not aware. When they're self aware, I don't like it. I like when they're not aware. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know, man. I, there, there's one scene in this film where it just seems like he just wants to get the scene over with. It's like Ricky's in a phone booth and I, he just killed somebody. I think the kill was off screen. They kind of show the yeah, body. Yeah, they pan down and there's body there. <laughs> yeah, but as Ricky's walking out of the out of the phone booth, his laugh is so fake. It's fucking funny. It's like, hey, man, I just want to get this fucking scene over with. He's just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> he does this like, kind of over-the-top, really bad, cheesy laugh and it fucking kills me every time. Like, I don't know if it just came out really bad or if he intended for that to be shitty but man i get this mood funny. sitting there on the couch watching this movie and just pissed oh, his pants laughing dude, dude i laugh i, I laugh out loud times so many times in this film too man like I, I got it when yeah. when, he, when he fucking when he when he uh who the fuck did they someone says oh, you're being naughty and he's like naughty this <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god of course he's gonna say that his character how about that chip that. guy man oh my god Dude, Chip's blonde, shitty hair dye. <laughs> Seriously, he might even be the worst fucking hair job I've ever seen it. in the film. It's I love fucking it. so bad, man. It's so bad. I, I just want to punch dude, that guy in the face. I'm actually a fan of this film, man. I, I'm serious. Like, I, I had the laser so disc. much fun with it. It's like the first 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah, it's the same damn film, but at least there's some narrating that's like funny. He's like, "Well, what happened that night?" And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he says so, I mean, his eyebrows move like a hundred million times. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I, lo- it's, I love. It's like so the funny because little- they don't know. They don't know how bad they are. I love like the cheap little shit that they put in here, and like uh, when Ricky's at the orphanage there. If you look at the fucking address, the average, the address six, on six, the six, orphanage six. is six six six. I'm like, of course it is, right? Yeah, it's the devil's home, right? Fuck, I, I thought that was a pretty funny touch, actually. Yeah, because you know, Mother Superior. Okay, one thing. He's okay. Like, yeah, do, do I miss this over and over again, or is it like a different Mother Superior? Like, what the fuck is with her face? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know either, dude. Honestly. Like I, every time I watch this and I see her face, I'm like, oh, like, am I missing the something? Only but I'm like, thing no, that I-, I could think of, and I always do this stuff to kind of justify things when I watch films, is they knowing the backstory of the film, knowing that they had t- they spent ten days to shoot extra scenes. Maybe in the script something happened to her face, and they just never got time to do it. So like, cause you know how you don't, <laughs> you don't film scenes in order, obviously. So yeah, so, yeah you know, totally. maybe they filmed those scenes and they're like, well shit, they're already in the film with the makeup on. Like we don't have time to fuck up her face. So I guess we just don't have time to do this. <laughs> I mean, if that's, you know, if that's a true story, that just makes this film even funnier. I know, right? <laughs> that, they, that they totally kept it in there with her fucked up face and there's no explanation why it looks like she was a fucking burn victim. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh God. It's like, oh, it's like they were on like on set and they're like hmm we need somebody to play mother superior you from this other movie you're perfect here get in this nun suit and you know she's burned from like you know she was in another movie and she never took off her makeup but they used her anyway yeah. how about that scene when it, when like the doctor is just like he looks over and like billy's gone from the seat and then he just pops from the side of the frame <laughs> It's his face pops in. I, I know that that's where this movie's so fucking comical and goofy, man. It's I like, come it. on, man. I love that <laughs> stuff, dude. I like this shit is so funny to me, man. Like I like I, I had a lot more fun this time watching it than I did last time. It is an awful movie. It's a bad movie, but there's definitely some entertainment value here. Okay, now 
not only do they show nonstop clips of the first film in the first 40 minutes, but the movie that they're watching at the theater is Silent Night Death. Yeah, but they do <laughs> that in every movie. In part no, four, I, they're watching part three. No, I know. And that's the funny <laughs> thing. It's, it, they always throw in a reason just to show clips from the previous film. <laughs> Dude, when I seen <laughs> a clip from, the, from part one and part three, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding. Because I had never I seen part three before. So I was like, if they're doing this bullshit again, I swear to God, I'm walking out. And I was like, and then I'm, I, I remember thinking, like, I'm walking out. And then I was like, in my head, I'm like, why did I just say that? Where am I going to walk to? Like, just, I'm just walking out. <laughs> dude, how about the fucking guy, the the annoying fucking dude at the theater in <laughs> part two? Oh, my God. Dude, that guy's character is so over the top ridiculous. Like, I like mm-hmm. how he keeps throwing popcorn at his buddy and his yeah, buddy doesn't his say a fucking word. <laughs> He's just all stoned up, just chilling. It's so fucking funny, man. Uh, this movie is super comical, but Wait, man. We just got breaking news. There actually is a website called FindingFreeman.com. And oh, thanks, it is thanks dedicated for the credit. To awesome. finding this guy. Maybe, Jeremy, are you related to him? No. Yeah. I'm sure. Because, you know, there's not more than one fucking Freeman. You know he's from Chicago, right? Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy doesn't want to admit it, but he's actually his uncle. Yeah, he's yeah. my uncle. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> he's from North Carolina. Yeah. Right, so, any last thoughts on Silent Night, Dead and Light Two? No, no, I don't really have anything else to say besides my rating. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much at the same same level there. Uh, who wants to give the rating? <laughs> I guess the, I'll go first. <laughs> I think this is an interesting one to rate. I already rated it before. I'm gonna keep with my rating. Yeah, I, I believe my last rating three and a was- half three and a half and i'm gonna bump my rating up to a four this year i think that the entertainment value on the new content not the old uh stuff actually is very hilarious and i mean entertainment value that's that's what it is but i will say that uh totally lost where i was going here because something just popped up on my screen something about the steelers i think no (laughs) Uh. (laughs) oh yeah what i was gonna say was it's a half a film you can't you can't give it too high of a score simply for that reason even if that second half was you know amazing it's still only half a film so i feel like you automatically got to take off half your score Unless he was uh, watching it as a short film. But, I mean, then there shouldn't be that much content in between. So, yeah. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Uh, did I ever – I didn't rate this one no. before, did I? No. No? Um, yeah, I actually give it a four out of ten too. Yep. Just basically for the uh, the simple fact that this film is pretty comical. It is entertaining. By no means it's, <clears throat> by you know, a decent film or anything. But it's, it's, it's still entertaining enough to, you know, give it – almost a passable score in my opinion so so yeah so moving on to silent thank you fucking asshole you said you was keeping your rating at four out of ten you didn't let me no you didn't let me say say what i give it a four out of (laughs) ten okay now you go (laughs) i thought you said that you got gave it a three and a half no, I said oh. I gave it a three and a half last year. Jeremy gave it a four last year. He said he was staying. I said I was going up a half a point. Mm. All right, all right. 
Okay, so moving along to Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3 from oh. 1989. This one came a couple years after, which is surprising. Enter a world of dreams. Laura, tell me what you saw in your dream. I told you, Dr. Newberry. Santa Claus. A world of silence. Subject may be making contact. I don't want to see the future or the past. I just want to be normal. A world of madness. No one is normal. A world that can't be ignored. She likes it, loves it. She can't resist it. She wants to penetrate his mind, see what he sees. He was a little boy, and then something happened, something terrible. Because when the dream is over... I don't know what's going on here, but whatever it is... The nightmare begins... The Yuletide Terror returns. His brain was surgically reconstructed. You don't mind my saying I'd have pulled his plug. Even his life was a value. With the saga that shocked a nation. Robert Culp, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 3. Better watch out. Uh, directed by Monty Hellman, who actually directed uh, Tulane Blacktop, which is interesting because that film is really, really fucking awesome. Um, I actually read a quote from him one, one time saying that uh, that he thought this was like his best work. <clears throat> Silent Night, uh, Deadly Night 3. Was actually some of his best, like maybe not, he said not his best film, but some of his best work. And I thought that was interesting that he huh. said that considering Tulane Two Lane Blacktop yeah. is like you know such a great film, that is a and fantastic film. <clears throat> and I'm like okay, and so I, I don't know what he was yeah. on when he when he said that quote because ugh, man, uh, I don't let know. Me, maybe let me just let me just make a fact right off the bat that fucking oh sorry JB, you should probably give the synopsis first. <clears throat> okay, so we follow uh, a young woman who is blind. She is in a scientist lab hospital thing where she's yeah. like going under a test she has some sort of psychic connection connection with the now uh catatonic comatose ricky caldwell from the second film who was the s- s- serial killer and um they have some kind of psychic link and he also has like a glass bowl for where his brain is <laughs> and it looks that's what i was gonna say his brain looks like they just went into like party outlet to a costume shop and be like, hmm, this yeah, brain looks awful. the best. Let's just take some super glue and okay. stick it to this okay. guy's head. Now we put we have Bill okay. Mosley playing Ricky. Yeah. Bill. So okay. Um yeah. So yeah, got Bill Mosley in the film. <laughs> yeah. You know. Okay, my first fucking problem with this movie is the terrible, terrible notion that of what happened to Ricky at the end of the first film. And what they say happened in this. Okay. Now, at the end of the second film, Ricky gets shot maybe, what, three times? And he drops. The continuity is so fucking poor in this. Basically, what they say happened, it even comes from the doctor or whoever says, he. they say that he gets shot 12 times and gets half his head blown off at the end of the first film. So... Did these guys watch the second, the end of the second film? Because that's pretty fucking terrible. You know, you're trying to have some kind of continuity between these films and stuff, but then you go ahead and you you say that he got shot twelve times, which he obviously didn't. And half his head got blown off. 
Yeah, how would you even this... have your head get blown off with this the way is... he got shot? I understand that, you know, this is how they try to incorporate and make their storyline, but at the same time, that shit never happened in part two. Why couldn't they have just who, who, who said, fuck, like... Who, who the fuck are they kidding here? Like, I'm watching the film going, this is absolute terrible filmmaking. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It is awful. Like, you can't even sell the film right there. Like, we know what happened in the end of part two. The acting's pretty fucking terrible, too, right off the bat. You know, so right off the bat, man, just, okay, you got this crazy-ass doctor that's, you know, kept Ricky alive because <laughs> he's doing experimental ESP. He can still, studying, he he's still, got still this, feels, he still he, feels emotions. <laughs> yeah, and he's got this test subject by the name of Laura who's blind and, you know, they've got some kind of weird, they find out after that they've got some weird connection and stuff. Um, I, one of the fucking things that cracked me up about this film is uh, the simple fact that Chop Top has half his head fucking missing. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Chop Top, man. I thought that and was I love, fucking like, hilarious. Wait, what came out first? This uh, came out first. No, 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 no. Chainsaw Two came out first. Chainsaw Two came like, first. But I was just, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, Chop Top has half his head missing. <laughs> you know what, man? As awesome as Bill Mosley is, and as much as we love him. I'm I'm gonna come flat out and say this. Like Bill Mosley has some awful performances. I thought he was awful in Chainsaw 3D, and I think he's pretty awful in this. He's he doesn't oh. do anything. Laura. All he says is go. All he says is Laura. He literally says only a couple lines throughout the whole film. But even his emotion, like his facial expressions in this, are pretty bad. Yeah. Like he's just – it's not believable at all. And actually, the way he walks and stuff is pretty shitty too. I was like, is this a goddamn zombie film? Yeah. I know, exactly, right? And what I really fucking hated about this film um, was the fact that they kind of like inhumanized fucking Ricky at the end. Like he's getting shot with shotguns. He's coming back to life. I'm like, what the fuck? Is it a, is it a fucking zombie film or what? Like, I was so, so surprised that there was continuity in this film. Well, they tried to have continuity. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know what I mean? Like there was there – was, like I didn't even expect it to be like – a, a sequel like i expected it to be like a name only sequel mm-hmm. i just want to know that laura's brother probably has the hairiest chest i've ever seen in my life <laughs> when he's in the bathtub <laughs> oh yeah that guy's got wicked hair man i know man i was like but of course in this he has a lot movie, of hair on his chest <laughs> oh totally man and of course in this fucking movie they show clips from part one again yep you know go figure they have a reason to you know kind of exploit the first one again they're like oh we got to show some clips from part one that'll make the fucking film not a i mean okay the irony of this film is that, you know, the Ricky is comatose. Yeah. This film itself puts you in a coma when you watch it. Yeah, I was more interested looking at the Jeep Cherokee that it, fucking Laura's brothers drive because that's the same car I drive. Yeah, this <laughs> movie is a complete, complete yeah. fucking bore fest. It is so – It is pretty goddamn yeah, boring it's, to it's be honest. So I, you know boring. what though, man? I was in there man. at first. Like I was OK with it for the first maybe – 15 20 minutes i was like i was like all right there's some like weird shit but nothing's going on, going on. all they're doing some is weird like... dreams and stuff like okay i'm i'm down and i just feel like after that it was like a blur because it was just like it's just boring, boring dialogue boring, yeah. like oh laura hates laura hates her brother's girlfriend blah 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 she's a yeah. bitch all this kind of shit oh what about where's yeah, but grandma I mean, you didn't see that you didn't think that that like belt joke was funny where she's like how does a peewee get off or something she starts like, striking off the belt thing it's like oh <laughs> yeah, let's, that's not gonna save this fucking board like, oh let's go check on grandma so they go check on grandma oh let's go i'm hungry 
it's like all this useless Grandma shit that doesn't always matter. This movie has this a way. ton of filler. Like yeah. basically the whole middle of this film feels like you have the beginning where they kind of give you the snot or like, you know, what's going on. And the whole middle of the film has so Ricky's many scenes gone. that don't matter. And that's the other point I was going to make <laughs> that while this shit's going on with Laura and her brother and, and the girlfriend that she doesn't like and stuff, all this shit is filler. There's yeah. nothing no that's Ricky. building the story at all. I mean, they never really exploit the, the doctor and, and all this shit. But at yeah. the same time, you know, Chop Top, <laughs> a.k.a. Ricky, is fucking Gone. out. He He's escaped. and But he disappears from the film for a long time. Yeah. They don't even go – they don't start going back to that character and you kind of forget about it and all of a sudden he shows up and then he's like inhuman by the end. And I mean, it's, it's like – really this is a really, what, really fucking terrible film. It's a it's bunch awful. of bullshit is what it is. This like movie everything, is Every decision that they make, you're just like this is bullshit. Like, There's only really like, – Your hair, your your brain head, bullshit. Looks like bullshit. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the blind psychic connection thing, bullshit. Yeah. Which uh, they really don't even explore – to the point where it's like you know kind of makes sense and stuff all these really characters give, bullshit they don't give you a lot man they don't give you a lot hey, all, all of a sudden Laura has this connection okay. to ricky somehow it's in the family it's like what there is one good character and that's the truck driver <laughs> he's like the only like semi-likable character in the whole and the cop i guess the cops and, and the truck driver lasts what three seconds in yeah the film? about three seconds <sighs> I just love the fact that, like, you know, Ricky's been comatose for how long? But he could kill and the truck driver. Does this Wait, one not only kill the truck driver, but have the senses to take his clothes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does it's this like, one have fuck? a Christmas feel at all? Uh, they, oh, no, but they just not, say it's Christmas. Not at all. This one actually doesn't have snow at all or anything. Like, there's really no lights. There's no music. There's nothing. It does not have a Christmas feel at all, in my opinion. So and 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 the other the fucking shitty thing about this film it has like no atmosphere to it. It feels so bland and kind of dry throughout the whole <laughs> film, and 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 that's due to the fact that the middle part of the film has it's no stuff, development yeah. in the story yeah. at all. So yeah. it, you feel like you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, which and then you were talking about, do, but it's like very choppy and editing shitty in this film too. Um, I don't know, man. It feels like it's cut at times. I think like all the kills in this film are off fucking screen. You know, and then when you're like, oh yeah, the doors like this has like the funniest door. When fucking Ricky bursts through the door, it's like <laughs> he like breaks it in half. And Doesn't it like, feel like absolutely not Ricky at all? <laughs> it's just it, so funny. It, it totally doesn't feel like Ricky, man. Like I, I totally agree with that. I, I wish they would have got like Jeremy's cousin to come back again. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Is he going to be my cousin now? Yeah. But what the fuck, man? What is with the kills in this film? They they have all the kills off screen. There's not even like, that many kills. With the <laughs> exception of like one or two like towards the end. But like everything, it's just poor. Yeah, there's not even that many kills. How, how do you make a worse film than Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2? <laughs> I actually don't know. But this one is a fucking – I dread people that like, oh, I should probably check out Silent Night, Deadly yeah, Night 3. It's probably the worst in the series. It Better is, watch out. Did you know it, this film had an alternate title of Blind Terror? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Of course, right? Makes sense. Yeah, but uh, but you better watch out as a bad subtitle for Silent Silent Night, Deadly Night Three, man. It's like it, really, there's no Christmas 
You know what really bugs me about buying these films on DVD is like all the covers are the same. Like you can't yeah. tell them apart. <laughs> it annoys me so much. Yeah, yeah. I actually watch part three on Laser. I need to go. I need to actually look up the original cover art to this film just so I can get it. I could send it to you. I have it. it on. I have it on. It's actually pretty shitty. Yeah, I have it on. <laughs> cover it's pretty it's shitty. Pretty it's shitty. Just like, it, which totally makes sense to the film because it's awful. It's just like um, Laura's face. Yeah, it is. Is there like shitty. is there is there anything redeemable about this film? Like I really. Like, like don't like to bash a film completely and not have anything nice to say about it and stuff. But I find this film right here is Uh-oh. is a complete shit. It's a complete mess. It sounds like we have. There was new... a funny scene with uh, boobs, uh, and they were like in the tub together. They yeah. were like there was some boobs and there was a guy's legs and they were like squint, just like squished into it. <laughs> it looked. I he was laughed. hairy as fuck, man. Yeah, I laughed at that scene. Uh oh, it looks like we have a new inductee to the Hall of Pain. I don't think this will make oh. the Hall of Pain. You, you got to get that Hall of Pain up, man. Yeah, this, this, this is, this is, I don't think there's a film that qualifies yet. Yeah, there is. Yeah, didn't we? Well, didn't we agree the Hall of Pain if the Hall of Pain if all three films don't add up to ten? It no, goes in the Hall of Fame. it should be three. If you're doing, if it's the opposite of Hall of Fame, no, it should be. Then it, it, should, it be, should be three. No, four. What do you mean four? It has we, to all the. It has to add up to four from all the hosts. Has to add up to we'll four. We'll have to discuss four total. appropriate four total. Yeah, <laughs> I think under. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you I, look, I, at, if you look at if you look at the opposite, right? It's twenty eight to make it into the Hall of Fame, so it shouldn't be like a combined rating of like two. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking like as a full film. You know, if it doesn't even make the rating of like you know a ten, you know, from three reviewers. We'll have, you know, we'll have that would to be see. like Hall of Fame because that's to, real shit. I'll have to look back and see like what our lowest is and stuff like. We'll 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 talk it out. We'll figure it out. I think that uh, I think Entity is our, our lowest rated yeah, film actually. That's definitely um, Hall of Pain. But you know this one, I, I can't see getting any decent. Oh God, I, I honestly don't even know how to rate this film because there's really nothing I like about it except for the brother's hair. I like the truck. I, I mean, have to say honestly, that guy's hair like, is there fucking, were... that is the most eighties slash early nineties hair I've ever seen in my life. I like the truck driver too. Yeah, and but it, that's pretty sad when he was only in the film for like four seconds. And the, and the Cherokee and the Jeep Cherokee. Like I, I mean, I thought there was like there's obviously some some things, right? I mean, like the the when the girl walks out and the 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 front desk lady is like, <laughs> she's like being a bitch to her. She's like blind. It's like yeah. she's blind, dude. What are you doing? She, that lady reminds like, me of the mom from fucking Detroit Rock City. I mean, there's like obviously this is a terrible film. Yeah, but it's it's not the worst thing I ever seen. It's watchable barely. It's better than Beneath the Mississippi. Actually, yes. no, there is one. There is one funny. You just you just reminded me that um, there is one funny scene that I thought. Uh, so after Laura has her big fucking freak out in the hospital, and her brother finds her in there right after the the receptionist was being a bitch to her. Yeah. So as she's exiting the 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 hospital the bitch receptionist says mary have a merry christmas and she's like you're not gonna yeah <laughs> i got like a flashback to like i thought that was silent night fun. deadly night 2 guy where he's just like you're not gonna <laughs> it just reminded me of something he would say um so yeah i mean oh, i don't have much more to say about this one i'm okay to go into ratings if you guys are yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just it's a it's a bad film. Oh, but now we get to talk about part four, man. Okay, so uh, I rate Silent Night, Deadly Night three. Better watch out from the year nineteen eighty nine. It is a three out of ten. 
Ooh. Wow, interesting. Um, I rated it a uh, two and a half out of ten. That's yeah. escaping the bottom of the barrel. I actually yeah. gave it a two out of ten. I don't Ooh. even know how. Like, I can't even justify my two out of two and a half out of ten because I really can't find anything that I really enjoyed. Like, this was yeah, but at least it's a film, right? There's there's a, an appropriately it's an appropriately well yeah act, i understand like that but I'm, I'm not just going to start giving them points just for you know i, I, I guess I it know, just man. depends how you rate it's a things. boring it's a fucking boring film man like it, honestly i haven't crazy. watched a movie it, surprisingly i've seen this movie like it's got to be like the third time now i don't even know how that's possible that yeah, that's your own fault that's your you own know. fault well because I, <laughs> I remember renting this way way back in the day and just being like oh my god this movie's bad and then when the set came out on dvd when it finally got released i watched it then and then you that. know me i don't hate many movies it has to take a lot of just look at my ratings on the website i don't get many low ratings you have to be really really bad yeah this one it's bad it's a it's how ha- it's hall of pain quality right there but i'm telling you man that continuity that just like the whole it just ruined the entire film for me i'm like Seriously, Ricky did not get half his head blown off, and he didn't get shot twelve fucking times. Like, yeah, they but said, yeah, but but, shit, but a one six Razzies and everything. But yeah, but that's not a fuck up. That's just at the end of the film. Just watch it. it takes two seconds. He got shot three times. Yeah, moves, and he falls at, down. Listen, dies. Li- listen. Look at Halloween four. Okay, I don't want to argue continuity things. I'm just saying, dude. You <laughs> no, don't I, have I, to I agree. Bring, this is really it's really awful. bad. But wait, it's really bad. Wait, but wait, it won six Razzies, so that means just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, it has Razzies, a good. It, it won I six awards. It won six awards. Those, that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers won six. There's an award show for shitty films. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> the, the, I, I think award shows in general were pretty fucking stupid because they're all fake. Like yeah, I haven't watched an award show forever. I, I actually refuse because they're bullshit. Yeah, if they weren't bullshit, I would like them, but they're bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jesus Christ, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3, better watch out. Awful film, I'm with you on that. I mean, honestly, there isn't much at all you could really talk about. I mean, when, I, when the positives that I gave were very, very brief. It was like f- a funny moment where she's like a bitch to a blind lady. There's a funny joke here or there. But overall, I mean, honestly, when, when, when I get below two and a halfs, that's when it's like beneath the Mississippi where there's actual like technical flaws in, in the film. And I can't really, if you can really not even call it a film at that point usually. So mm-hmm. I, and I, I guess I rate a little different than you guys. I count stuff like uh, lighting and, and stuff like that as positive points when it's, you know, a per, when it's you know I guess above where if it's just average, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to explain yourself, man. Everyone rates differently. I just. Well, I think I, I just for me, there's no, rates. there's nothing redeemable. Yeah, the movie doesn't have a lot of technical problems. You know, with I think the editing is editing is a little weird in the film, but uh, you know, besides that, you know, it, it is what it is, right? It's it's not poorly made. It's mm-hmm. just a shitty film. The the end product is shitty. You know what it comes down to is the fucking. The story and the entertainment value is not there. The entertainment I mean, value is at all time low in this series. It, it is really, really yeah. bad. Like this movie is actually. I, I really, if, if I ever have to watch this movie again, I'll probably kill myself. For this it. is one I would never watch again. To be honest, it's like not, if it's, I, it's fucking but, bad. Yeah. But I'm saying, let's say it was 
like somebody else was watching it, I wouldn't be like, I'm gonna walk out the room because it was like that painful to sit through the first time. Like I, I'd still sit there with them. Like I'm not like it's. Gonna I have be, a major I'm high tolerance for them. painful films though. Like I can, I'll never shut off films because I'm so weird like that. If I start something, and I, I always have I'm to finish weird like it. That too. Yeah, because I've seen films before where I've popped in and I've watched the first 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and it's been just an absolute dreadful experience. I'm like, oh, my God, this movie fucking sucks. And then all of a sudden something happens and the film ends up not being that bad. You're like, wow, it really kind of redeemed itself in the second half. And it's like, well, if I had to shut it off, I would have never have known that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always have that factor when I'm thinking when I'm watching shitty films, I'm like, it might get good. You know, I'm always I guess I'm being optimistic, which is kind of interesting for me because I'm a very pessimistic person. Mm. But I have this odd optimism when I'm watching films. I'm like, because it happened to me that one time in 1994 in December, I was watching this film and it was terrible and it turned out to be all right. And I gave it a five and a half half. out of ten. It's like there there is. I can't think of an example right now. The dark half. The dark half. Isn't Mm. that the Romero film that you said you didn't like before? as a whole, yeah, I was never really a big fan of it. I think it's because I read the book, uh-huh. right? And I was one of those people. I was kind of ignorant like that. If I read a book and I watched the film, I was like, it doesn't compare. But, you know, I grew up and I was like, you know, you can't. It's hard to compare them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I'm blabbling on here. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4. Oh, God. Initiation. A bizarre event. This would make a great story. For her, it was the chance of a lifetime. I work for the LAI. I'm an investigative reporter. There's got to be some logical explanation for the burning. But some questions... Get away from me! Leave me alone! ...are better left unanswered. What happened? Are you all right? Ah! The woman who jumped. She was my daughter. But now you've come to take her place. Make your fear real. Get it out. It's the night you've been waiting for. Kill the man. Become a whole woman. The night you've been screaming for. It's the final step. Silent Night, Deadly Night, for Emaciation. You're one of us now. Join the club. The subtitle should be has nothing to do with fucking Christmas Nation. Well, for, now this movie is interesting because I remember reading. I didn't do any more research on this film. I don't know if you guys did, but I vaguely remember this film um, coming into existence by Brian Usna. Of course, we know Brian Usna is. Um, I think this movie was developed as a different film. Mm-hmm originally and basically the silent night deadly night got tagged onto it hence initiation being the front title on this um i don't really know the whole story if anybody knows out there what the full story is with this but i'm positive this movie was not supposed to be it's not bad if it's not a silent night deadly night exactly no 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 this this film silent night deadly night are we we're in silent deadly night four now right come on jp pay fucking attention i had to just deal with something okay calm the fuck down i'm busting your balls man me too. Listen, so we're talking about four right now, right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Part four was actually part three. How crazy is that? Oh, really? Yeah. Part, I can't, I can't, part I remember four was written for part ago. three, and they were like, well, this script, it sucks. Let's write a different one. Let's write one with Bill Mosley with a brain thing on his head. <laughs> and that's Make it actually worse. Part four was actually supposed to be part three. I wish it was which, like that and I never had part you, three. Which makes even less sense. Yeah. Like, 
That's why I I'm mean, saying at least a part documentary three has some kind of continuity. On a, a documentary on this series would be like amazing. There has to be so much stuff that is just okay. unknown. Yeah, I wasn't sure the whole story, but I always I, I always knew there was something to do with this film. It like wasn't developed as okay. Maybe I'd love to know. Is, so. I would love to know if the same guy who did the makeup for Society did the makeup for this film, because the ending has like very similar makeup. Do you notice that moods? Yeah, I mean it's, it's a good possibility because I know Brian Usen does work with a lot of the same people and stuff, yeah. right? So it, it's a good possibility. I like I, I didn't go into the specs that much on the yeah, yeah. technical aspect of it and stuff, but uh, um. Yeah, I know. I think the screenwriter had something to do with society and this film, though. So, I mean, maybe the effects artists had something to do with it, too. But mm-hmm. um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. I'll just read the uh, the IMDb. <laughs> a female reporter investigates the death of a woman who, on fire, leapt off a building to her death. Her investigation leads her to discover the existence of a strange cult dedicated Egyptian god, Ilias and the cult wants her as its new queen. It's actually a very in, mm-hmm. interesting uh, storyline when you read it, I but then I'm, you go, "How does this relate to a Silent Night Deadly Night?" I'm going to sound crazy, but it sounds like Lords of Salem, man. Yeah, it's very, very yes. similar. Actually, yep. Yep. Um, yep. <clears throat> I thought the same thing. Uh, I don't know, like, where do you start with this film? Because, Listen, I was all, getting a serious Rosemary's Baby and Lords of Salem. I was like, did Rob Zombie really, like, what, did he see this film? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe it somehow influenced him. But, I like, obviously, like, I was getting, like, a Rosemary's Baby vibe, too. I That's how I classify this film. I'm like, it's like Rosemary's Baby slash, like, a witch's kind of cult film mixed in with like an odd like kind of eco fucking bug film yeah you know this film has so much fucking random scenes with bugs and shit clint howard has to be the best character in the entire series he's (laughs) almost as good as fucking part two it's very close i think it's so fucking funny he's awesome clint howard in this film like he gets introduced and stuff like that he's like this hobo or whatever he's like yeah this hobo and stuff and eventually they kind of they kind of jab at the fact that he that his name is Ricky. Yep. And that at one point in the film he even says that he's the Santa killer when he turns on the TV and shows clips of part <laughs> 3. I'm like, what, what the, the fuck f- is going on? But that makes I'm sense like, if this was supposed f- to be part 3. That makes sense. If that's yeah, I mean that that does make sense knowing that, but isn't that so random when you're watching it and you don't know? You're yeah. like, all of a sudden, this is Ricky. He's a bum. And he's like, ha, I'm the Santa killer. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? But he's like retarded. I know. It's so Because he's like, in the, when he's in the bookstore, she's like, oh, don't mind him. He's so maybe that was he's supposed thing. to be in a mental asylum or something. Or I forgot what she said. Well, maybe that's where they were going with it after part two. Part two, he gets shot up and he actually doesn't die. He gets all fucked up, whatever gets out in the streets and ends up as you know Clint, Clint Howard's character as in, in part four. So, I mean, that does kind of make sense. But this movie really, really infuriates me because you got Brian Usna directing the film. You got cameos by Reggie Bannister. You got a, um, a score done by Richard Band. You got uh, Clint Howard in the film. Uh, the effects are really good and stuff. Like, I mean, what could possibly go wrong in this film? Yeah, the same guy that did the effects, one of the same guys that did the effects on this film, also did the effects on Society, 
Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, The Blob, Dead Heat, yeah, Night of the Demons. That makes, yeah, that demons, makes sense. That Tremors. totally makes sense. There's huge, okay. huge similarities between the makeup in this and society. Totally, and yeah. you know, this movie right here. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think it does work as a film on yeah, its own. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Released, you release this movie called Initiation, and what we have is basically a mashup of Rosemary's Baby and like a witch cult film. Yeah, that's fine. It works. Now you tag on Silent Night, Deadly Night. I have a major problem with this because now it's really, really hard to rate as a film because this is supposed to be part of a franchise. You know, that's what it's you know supposed to be. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Do you guys get – do you have to disconnect yourself to rate this film as and, – and just kind of absorb what it is? I message you. To what it isn't? I message you. this movie you. isn't what it should – like, yeah. th- this movie has no Christmas feel whatsoever. No. The only thing that they give you is that it's taking place around Christmas time. It's There's no snow. It's warm. There's well, there fucking... is that couple scenes with the Christmas tree and the family in that room. As yeah. A kid, the I Jewish right... thing. I think that's right at the end of the film though too, isn't it? No, it's in no, the no. Beginning. It's in the middle. It's in yeah. the middle. Yeah, okay. It's like a qu- quick little thing, but you know what I'm saying. But like, they the go back to that feel. house at the end. Of yeah, the- that's right. That's right. But the overall feel of this film feels very dark and kind of odd. <laughs> it's what a did very I, odd film. What did I text you when I was watching the film? How the f- what the fuck am I watching? I know. How is this a Silent Night, Deadly Night film? Like, I know. What did I text you? I said, I think my copy of Silent Night yeah. <laughs> got switched with a movie about witches and bugs. This had to be one of the strangest films I've watched in a long fucking time. It is strange. It is weird. But, but like, when he, like, puts, his, when he puts his hand... When it's he puts called his Silent hand, Night 4, yeah. right? But when he hmm. puts his hand up the air duct and he pulls out that parasite, what the fuck am I watching? What the I know, fuck there's is this so many, to do there's with anything? There's a couple moments where I had my head like cocked and I was like... Michael Myers? Like, what the like, fuck am I watching? Uh, this is weird. Um, but overall, I mean, like... I, that's an interesting debate, though. It's 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 almost similar to what I was talking about in tone of sequels. It's like, well, what happens when you completely change the tone and story? It's like, is it still a sequel? Do you still does it still represent the series? Should you look at it like it represents the series? Should you look at it like it's part of the series, or should you take it as its own film and like it for what it is? Or should you have some sort of biased opinion on it based on it being called Silent Night, Deadly Night 4? Like, I don't know. It's Yeah, I, I, I know exactly. I know it's very interesting. Like, you know, going back to the contrast of, um, you know, Pet Cemetery 1 and 2, I think that that's kind of on an opposite spectrum of what Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 is to like part 1. You know, because they're completely different films. Yeah, because it's... Know, it's Not only say, is the tone different, but it's actually like like they're different the narrative in is a different exactly. It's like, it's like kind of weird to say that this is the second best film in the franchise, like because it doesn't feel like a Silent Night film. Yeah, I know. but it, when you look at it, it truly is the second best film. Yeah, if in, in your it, it, in my if opinion, you're, if you're looking at these films individually, like okay, this is what it is. Yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night Four, you know, definitely works on levels for what it is. Yeah. But as you know, you know, as a Silent Night, Deadly Night film, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, this one doesn't fit in at all whatsoever, and I will argue that to the day it does not fit in. This movie is fucking bizarre, man. It's got weird performances in it. Clint Howard's amazing. I think the storyline's really oddball too. I don't know if you guys like. Obviously, you know. I, I felt but... like the storyline was. I, I felt like there was a bit of bad 
script working there towards mm-hmm. certain certain parts of the story, like where you really did it really wasn't explained what the hell was going on a lot of times, but I don't see it done in like an artistic, mysterious way. I see it more done in like, well, we really don't know way. Well, dude, like the thing with the bugs and and like the that big fucking thing that Jeremy was talking about, they pulled out of the vent or whatever. You know, going in her stomach and coming out her mouth, and like there's weird fucking scenes. But right off the bat in this film, I find it pretty interesting. You know, um, what's her name? What the fuck's her character's name in the film? Fuck, I already forget it. Uh, what was the main girl's name again? <laughs> Fuck, I can't remember. Um, anyways, uh, so and you made fun in- of me earlier for not knowing that makeup effects guy's name. Huh, shame, shame. <laughs> you know what I mean? What you know goes what I mean? around comes around. Um, but anyways, so she shows up at this. You know, the beginning of the film is this girl that's you her know on Kim. fire. Kim, that's right. So she she shows up to investigate this on her own. She actually wasn't appointed to this, you know, to this case and stuff like that. But she wanted to investigate because it was an oddball thing where this girl jumped from a building burning and they chopped it up as she spontaneously combusted. Now, honestly, if you, if, if you see that in a script, wouldn't you be? I mean, there's a million questions coming from that. OK, first of all, spontaneously combust. Who the fuck comes to that conclusion? Second of all, isn't that a real gets, thing? Well, it's a myth. It's not a real thing. It's a myth. It, I don't think it's ever been proved that it's actually yeah. really happened. It's a myth. Okay, but my thing is, okay, say spontaneous combustion is a real thing. My question is, I mean, obviously you probably wouldn't know when you're going to combust, but why the fuck was she on the roof then? She's just up there and then all of a sudden she just spontaneously combusts and that's what they chop it up to. It's like, what? oh, well, she caught on fire. It's like, I, I think that's really bad script writing. It's like, and everyone kind of rolls with it. They're like, yeah, man, she spontaneously combusted and then jumped to, you know, commit suicide. It's like, what the fuck? This is the, this is the, why was she doing it up the there story. in the first place? Exactly. Why was she on the roof? And I'm like, okay, I know these are kind of minor details, but they're kind of essential. It's like, you're investigating what happened to this girl, but they're chopping up to spontaneously combusting. I'm like, what? I don't know, man. I I don't buy it for a second. It's I think it's uh, the initial script, like you know, the initial part of the film is not good at all. I mean, I know it's kind of irrelevant too, you know, right after the fact. Like, I mean, I guess it does tie into the you know the whole witch and her the girl actually being her daughter and she was weak and stuff. And then she actually we find out what happens to her. She ends up killing her and stuff. Spoiler alert! But um, it's essentially what they did because she was weak and she couldn't be the new goddess and stuff like that. And she I understand what's going young on. Kid. So they needed someone to fill found, in, and of course, you I know, I understand what's going on. But I found, I found her leg to be weird. Like there was like like a scoop in there. Like the dead body leg didn't seem like weird looking. Dude, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's some really fine detail you pointed out there, buddy. It's just I don't know, man. It, the, that's it. The, the, there's a lot of bugs and weird shit in this film. I, I almost felt like. I feel like this film like ripped off uh, ripped off a lot of other films though like in aliens. my opinion like <laughs> yeah this uh, like even like original. the Lost Boys like how like they're eating and then all of a sudden there's bugs in their food like I don't know it's just like I felt like that scene felt really similar to Lost Boys and stuff yeah but like when like when she like throws up that whatever she throws up it's fucking nasty <laughs> yeah and she yeah. like gets like the parasite in her chest it's like crawling up yeah that was chest. pretty that was pretty good actually and then she like throws it up it looks like a turd like the fucking martha stewart episode of south park I thought it was yeah, i mean awesome. that was one cool thing but i mean honestly does that shit make any sense to you no it doesn't because it's just added into the film it's just like what is the alien is she like witches the and bugs and or what is, what what I, does 
what does like having the bug go in her stomach contribute to the narrative? I don't know. Maybe it like, has what does that do with do? like purifying her? Maybe she's. I don't know. I, I was trying to think about it, and I was like, what do the bugs ha- actually have to do with these witches? Because obviously they're getting at something, or maybe they're just trying to be fancy. How did they get there? <laughs> I don't know. I, but my, uh, my thing is it it. All that matters to me is the the filmmakers have answers, and I know that they don't in this film. So that that's when it bugs me. It, it could be mysterious all at once if there's actually like legitimately like legitimate like thought to what's going on, and maybe they just don't want to show it. But I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that they just like was like, let's try this, let's put throw in some bugs here, let's try this, like and really didn't know what what the like it had to do with the narrative. Um, but over, I mean, it's still kind of uh, like I like the uh, journalist, investigative reporter narrative. I've always liked that narrative. I like when they go and find some weird shit that's going on around town that you know nobody knows about or it is covered the up or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, and it feels like there's it, it really has that Rosemary's Baby vibe when like if you guys know Rosemary's Baby on like how like there's like tons of people yeah like that's i kind of got that feel from here too that's why i feel like it was a real big ripoff <laughs> yeah yeah totally um you said you like the butcher yeah he yeah. was funny yeah he was funny but his i don't know about the like the actual character I mean, in the film like did you see like, him like give her those nuts with yeah hands they're just like bloody, bloody yeah. hands it's fucking nasty those yeah yeah shit why the hell fuck- are those peanuts outside in the first place like i've never seen uh you never seen those machines? A candy fending machine with peanuts in them? You've never like, seen those? Like outside on the streets? I've seen like candy filled ones, but peanuts? I've seen ones with cashews like a bunch yeah, yeah. in my life. Already. I don't I don't ever recall seeing them on streets, but it's usually I, inside. It, well, it was like outside of a street door though. Like it was like on the yeah. way out of a door. I've seen like M&Ms and runts and shit like that, but mm-hmm. yeah. I like some cashews. City. I love cashews. But yeah, th- this film right here is definitely the the oddity of the um of the franchise. It really it's sticks out for being something different. It's um, the Elm Street two. It's the Friday Five. It's the Halloween three of the series. Well, I think Halloween three Halloween three is a perfect example. I, Friday two, no, but um, no Elm Street two. I mean Elm Street too. That's that's. I I think I'm Friday, just saying Halloween like, three is a perfect example. It's such yeah. a different. It's a it's like a film on its own. So basically, yeah, that's what you, I a was perfect just. Example I was kind of getting it. Like, there's always that one. Obviously, Halloween three is like the perfect example. But there's always that one in the series that's like, what the hell were they thinking? Trying something different. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not even that they tried something different with the, you know, using, you know, the the old storyline and stuff. This is a completely different film. Just wait till you know. If this film was released as initiation, no one would ever think twice about associating it with Silent Night, Deadly Night. So that's how opposite it is. Yeah, but just wait till the plot holes in Part Five come. But listen, my thing is like I think that I like I almost I wish they could. if they could have told this story and still made it feel Christmassy, I would have been like okay with calling it Silent Night, Deadly Night because I almost got the vibe like they were starting to just do a different story set on Christmas every time, which I would have been cool with that. That would have been a cool series to make, sort of what they wanted to do with uh, Halloween 3 and, and beyond. Uh, but the problem is, is it doesn't feel like Christmas at all, really. Yeah, this has to be probably the most unfeeling Christmas film I've ever seen. 
Like, there's absolutely no Christmas feel to this at all. Elves Elf is, is pretty un Christmas filling. And I really, really was, I was so disappointed when they, like, you know, Ricky all of a sudden, you know, Clint Howard is Ricky. Is he supposed to be Ricky? I, you know, well, okay, this <laughs> is five, it. Man. This is it. They finally, they give him a name briefly in it, which is Ricky by chance, of course. No, it's not. I think this is what they're doing, but. And then when he's sitting on the end of the bed when the, the couple's having sex there and he flips on the TV and sees part three and then he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, I'm the Santa Claus killer. Right. And I'm like, OK, is that they're not? This is how they're trying to, you know, you know, associate all these films together. This is well, maybe this is how they do because it. Because part they do it three was on TV. They were saying that it never happened. Well, I mean, but but his name is Ricky and he's saying he's the Santa Claus killer. You know, like he's he's they're showing a part, and he's just like, I don't know, man. It's confusing. It is kind of confusing. We need to ask um, Reggie Bannister, or I mean, for Clint Howard. You're like, what the fuck? That was, but I know it's very odd. But I was like, is that their kind of nod to like kind of, you know, connecting these films and stuff? And I'm like, if it is, it's really really poorly done because you can miss that and just like, whatever, just keep going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you don't like, you know, a lot of bugs and bugs in your food and kind of grotesque fucking scenes and stuff this probably this one probably isn't for you um don't expect anything like a christmas film <laughs> i don't really know what to say about this yeah, movie. Not, so nothing really ball. annoys me more though of when like there's no explanation for things and i feel like there one doesn't exist like that actually really really bugs me i mean really the premise of the film is so simple it's just they were the the book owner <laughs> the bookstore clerk or whatever which i found was such a weird part when the the reporter comes in there and she's, you know, buys those books on occult and stuff or whatever the fuck it was. And, uh, she, the, the clerk kisses her when she leaves. I know. Right. Wasn't that like such an odd, like I felt awkward. I was like, that's weird. There's some lesbian vibes going on. Definitely. You know, but I mean, yeah, I think it's that whole witch. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of undertones there, but, uh, yeah, I mean the, the premise is, you know, basically just trying to replace her fucking daughter, you know, but they just go so extreme and so, kind of out of this world and a lot of things really don't make sense and yeah add up, like, but well the thing with the ricky character doesn't make sense i'm not sure what they're doing all these damn bugs i like it's just like what the the thing at the beginning with the person like the the cops like and the spontaneous combustion thing like that's just, that's just when you take it into overdrive and i'm like well I can't, i'm not with you anymore okay you blew your mm-hmm. chance yeah but i still had fun with it i mean i honestly I'm, I'm gonna be honest like i had fun watching all of these like i even got some enjoyment out of part three only in hindsight did i realize how bad it was like i because I, I realized i started not paying attention a lot in the film but i mean i i think that by the time you watch it three times you're gonna really hate it <laughs> yeah dude it's, and that i was just about to say that too for you being a first time watch it's like okay you know you can get through it but i'm <laughs> like yeah, I was having a rough, rough time. Like, just it just kept bringing back. Like, I'm like, oh my god, like that bowl, the continuity, continuity, fucking, oh my god. I'm just like, this is so not what happened to Reggie. This is ridiculous, but boring, you know. And this one, it's like a total fucking 180 switch. You know, you go from that movie that's like super boring and like, you know, some of it doesn't make sense, and then you got part four, which, you know, is is intriguing. But the storyline's kind of weak, and it's really kind of odd, and doesn't have anything to do with Christmas or whatever. And it's like fucking weird to watch these back to back, man. <laughs> it's really odd. Which you did, didn't you? 
I actually watched part two, three, four, and five in one day. <clears throat> mm. That is awesome. I don't know. That do you guys have anything? Big. Do you guys have anything else to say about initiation? Silent Night, Deadly Night Four. No, I I got one thing to say. I hate when they write a different title before the like like sequel title, like Hellbound Hellraiser Two or Initiation Silent Night Deadly Night Four. That drives me insane. Stop doing that. I know it's annoying when you're typing it up on IMDb. And you go yeah. Silent Night Deadly Night yeah. Four, and then it, yeah, it doesn't come up, and you're like, you have to click on it's like, oh, initiation. And Silent for Night alphabetical order purposes, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what else to say, man. It's just, it's one of those films you kind of sit through, and by the end of it, you go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's definitely a Brian Usna film. That makes a lot of fucking sense, but yeah, you know, I, I like. As it. for Silent Night Deadly Night, no, it doesn't, but. You know, overall, I did actually, I do enjoy this film. It's, you know, it, like I said, this is a weird one to rate. So, I don't know. Are we at that point? Yep. Yeah. So, what do you guys rate this one? I give Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, or Initiation, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. It's a 5.5 out of 10. I wasn't blown away with it. I did have some fun with it. But, overall, I thought it was just a little bit above average. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a 6 out of 10. It's fun. Like I said, I had no idea what the fuck was going on when I was watching it, but that's okay sometimes. It's definitely entertaining the yeah. whole way through. Yeah. Clint Howard's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah I gave, so is Reggie. Yeah. I gave this one uh, 5 out of 10, actually. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I've seen it a couple times and it's, I, I wasn't o- overly little surprised. Like, you know, it, it's a decent film, like, but there's just, there's issues with it and I just... I. I think that it's one of those films, the more I watch it, I'm just, I'm not getting, you know, as much enjoyment as I would like to be getting out of it. But it's an oddity, man. It's such a a, weird fucking movie. It's a straight up rip off of Rosemary's Baby. Oh, it really is. And you catch on to that right away, too. And it's just like, oh, God, really? But I don't know. The bugs kind of have me, you know, crawling a little bit, too, because they're they're fucking everywhere. I don't know what the hell they had to do with, like, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or even... Oh, which I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's so fucking bizarre. <laughs> I kept wanting like this woman to say like, "Look at its eyes. What have you done to its eyes?" <laughs> and <it> never. <laughs> All right, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Five: The Toy Maker, and this From one is the not year 1991, which is yeah, the yeah. born. This one actually isn't called The Toy Maker, Silent Night, Deadly Night. So yeah. that one, I know you, JP. Welcome to the shop of Joe Petto. Here, you'll find the most amazing gadgets on Earth. Each toy is unique. What a terrible accident. Sarah, you think this is an accident? Look. Each specially designed by the craftsman himself. Buck, where where did all these toys come from? Sarah, what do you know about the old guy from the toy store? What if I told you he was arrested for maiming some kids several years ago? What reason could he have to hurt innocent children? Joe Petto always wanted a real boy. Where's Derek? He took him. Who took him? Where? Who? The man from the toy store. But he'll have to make what he can get. All you need is a little of that and a little of that and a, a little of that. From the producer of Bride of Reanimator. I want my boy when you're done with him. I'm your son now, not 
him! With special effects by screaming Mad George Inc. of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Comes the most incredible night yet. Mickey Rooney stars in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker. Merry Christmas! Um, <laughs> I love the, uh, the IMDb. Actually, no, the one on the bottom here is a little better, but a young boy sees his father killed by a toy that was anonymously delivered to his house. After that, he is too traumatized to speak, and his mother must deal with him, him, and both him and her loss of her husband. Meanwhile, a toy maker named Joe Petto builds some suspicious-looking toys, and a a mysterious man creeps around both the toy store and the boy's house. But who is responsible for the killer toys? (laughs) I love the description. Mickey Rooney. I love that ends in a question. It's fucking so great. Listen, guys. So Mickey Rooney was the guy who wrote that letter all those years ago. And look at him starring in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. As a killer Santa Claus. God, all you can think about is where was his career? Like, how do you go back? Like, did he ever like renounce his, you know, his fucking original statement on that? It's like, okay, have, no, no, it's actually not that bad. It's not that bad, <laughs> guys. Come on, I'm gonna do part five. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna talk shit on part one, which is, you know, I agree, it's a violent film, but at least it's not like it's it's a good film, you know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how are you gonna go do? And at this point, you have four and five. You have two, three, four, two, three, and four that came before this and like so you're basing going into five off of those previous three (laughs) Mm -hmm. wow that is that is just the world like that that's like the good thing in like like when you think about like people getting like what they deserve it's like yes like like there's some higher power here the horror movie gods smile down on us kindly this one you know? <laughs> <laughs> no now the ultimate would have been if siskel had a fucking cameo in this one too oh, and he God. gave it a thumbs up too <laughs> <laughs> so fucking Silent Night, deadly night five the toy maker two thumbs up fuck this is a weird film man so clint yes. howard is in this film again as ricky which as doesn't make ricky. any fucking sense because his insides getting it out in part four I don't like what the fuck is with yeah. that? They're just throwing yeah. this shit into the mix. It's like, but he's okay. like in it for like two seconds. Yeah, nobody's really sure if it's maybe a prequel or if it's maybe a different character with the same name or if it's like, yeah, just there's, there's something this one, weird. This one kind of sits on its own, and you're yeah. just you, you just have to kind of let things go. You know, you're like I, it, nothing. I don't think it's supposed to make sense, to be honest. But you know, essentially, this movie is basically just a take on the Pinocchio story. Yeah. Um, the character is Pino, which is played by um, Mickey Rooney and his son Pedo, which is no, fuck- he's Pedo. Oh yeah, he's Pino. he's Pedo. Sorry, I got that backwards. Yeah, he's Pedo, and which I think is the worst name for a toy maker. <laughs> right? It sounds pedo. like pedophile. It, it sounds, sounds like, like pedophile. P e d o. Well, he is kind of a pedophile. But and and of course Pino is son, which is you know Pinocchio and Geppetto. Um, but like I don't know, man. Do you guys like that? You know that aspect of the film that yeah. they I mean I, did that play on it? <clears throat> I, obviously, it, it's it's a similar story to po- Pinocchio, and instead of um, ignoring that and just trying to pretend like you're creating your own story, they acknowledged it and they're like, yeah, this is what we're doing. I'm down <laughs> yeah, with that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, to me personally, <clears throat> I wish if. Once they went away from the uh, Ricky Billy story, 
from the original one or two, three films, and they started making their own separate stories. Like, this is kind of what I was looking for because it does have that Christmas vibe. It has something to do with Christmas. The Toy Maker is a good little subtitle. We're dealing with the Toy Maker. I actually kind of like the idea behind this film. You know, I do like the idea behind this film, but I think it's so predictable and just poorly executed. I mean, but you really, know what? I mean, I'm gonna, I mean honestly, I'm dude, do something that might change your mind a little bit. I Next time you watch it, think of it as a full moon film because that's what I was getting from it. Because all the full moons films are very predictable and very straightforward, but they're a mm-hmm. lot of fun. And this feels exactly like a full moon film to me, man. But but the thing is, though, the toys in a full moon film are a lot more fun than the ones in this one. Yeah, but they're cool when they kill people. This was yeah, and they're fun. they're they're okay. They're okay. I mean. Honestly, this movie is way too big. Like, I have a real big problem just, like, with the structure. And, you know, ob- like, okay, this guy's, like, kind of creeping around this house, dropping off presents and stuff. And I'm like, um, that's got to be the fucking dad. <laughs> like, dude, it's so fucking obvious, man. It's just, it's just, they're not even trying to fucking hide the fact. Like, I mean, honestly, JP, were you surprised? Wait, like, Damn, he's, that's the kid. he's walking around dropping off presents? The fucking father. The fucking father of the kid. That was that dropped well, off. Well, who the else would be doing it? But they don't tell you that until fucking three quarters of the way film. film. When remember she sees the fucking buddy in the garage oh, and she starts oh, you're running away. About the, okay, never mind. I was thinking no, something. the father, yeah, the real father, not the fucking one I that died in the beginning. I, I actually, I don't know. I didn't really. <laughs> really? It, oh my god! It's I, just <laughs> I so obvious, but um, I don't know, man. It, it's. It's okay. This one, this one actually has a pretty funny ending to me. I think the end of the I film is actually <laughs> is actually pretty. I mean, when I first watched this film, I didn't see that coming. Obviously, I mean that's kind of it's a ridiculous. what the fuck moment. Yeah, it is. Especially it is when he like pulls the off the face. It's like what the fuck is this? Yeah, I know, it's totally it, one of you those never would moments. see that coming in a million years, and it looked <laughs> no. good too, man. It, like it, the way they pulled off the face, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> even even though that you know you're watching this Pinocchio story. Yeah. You know, where the the master, you know, he built this. It, you know, you, you still don't even really see that coming. I know. Um, I thought it was pretty cool, though, man. Um, the ending had me in stitches, man. I was pissing myself a little bit. But uh, the whole the whole film leading up to it, I think, is a little predictable. And there's there's a lot of bad acting in this film. I Honest to God, I feel bad for saying this, but the little boy in this film sucks. needed to be fucking strangled. He sucks. Yeah. His fucking facial expressions are so overdone you know, and like, unbelievable. Though, like he's literally got a fucking sad face, and he's like doing all these. Yeah, when he's like laying on the floor, this, and I'm like laying on the floor, and he's listening to. When he's laying on this floor, and he's listening to his cassette player, and she walks in, and he has like that grin on his face, <laughs> and I'm laughing so hard. He's, yeah, without saying it, he's like, "Ha, mom, I'm not dead." <laughs> but you know, my thing is, um, I like kids are notoriously known for being like bad actors and stuff, but they never actually bother me as much as they do. Most people, I understand that he's bad and stuff, but it really doesn't bug me that much. No, it, it, it would be fine if it was just like a couple scenes and stuff, but it's every single scene yeah. in the film with that kid. And there's a lot of fucking scenes with that kid. Yeah. And it's like, he's, and he's not talking. I mean, I mean, he might be the first person in history never to say, well, I guess he says a word or two at the end to have like, not to say a word in a film and be like the worst Terrible. performance ever. <laughs> like it's fucking awful, man. It's it's painful to watch, but you know I'll give him a break because he is a little shit. So whatever. And but, I'd be uh, curious to see if he's done any other movies. Well, how about the idea that not you guys mentioned Clint Howard returning, but freaking Kim is in this film too. 
I know, and that's oddball too, yeah. man. I know, I forgot about that. Because she's playing, her name's Kim. She, she's redheaded, but she has like a son now, and she's like friends with this new girl. And it's like, what the <laughs> hell is going th- on? See, now these things are, is what's confusing to me about the film. Like, where is this, is this supposed to be? In like, the same before, universe? Part or like, four? Or part five? Like, how does this tie in? Because they never actually try to. These characters are just put into the mix yeah. in a totally different story in a They're different never realm. It seems like it seems their like, past either. Exactly. Oh, it's like waiting it's, for it's like just Ricky. Seems like this movie is just like over here. You know, just like Ricky got... to burst through the door and be like, "Oh, I'm here now." <laughs> exactly but, right. Um, I don't know. I I like the I, I like the toy maker like thing. I like I, I kind of just like the whole idea that like he's made like there's these like toys that are killing people very like full money. I understand. But I, I just it, it was like fun to me. I, I felt like this one had a much better Christmas vibe too. And it had that nineties Christmas vibe which I like. Right at ninety one where it was just eight starting. Um this reminds me of my my childhood kind of, you know. So I, I, I like even the haircuts of the kids and the rollerblade death and stuff like I mean it, it was like it was like that was that was a product of his time. fun. Yeah, <laughs> but know, I was watching it. It wasn't as mean-spirited as you would expect. I was sitting there going, I wonder if Johnny Knoxville got his idea for rocket skates from this movie. Because <laughs> it's like, it's like this is rocket skates, man. I, I really did I think Wiley Coyote was doing it way before this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rollerblade uh, scene is totally like a product, you know, from its time because yeah. like rollerblades in like 91 were like fucking huge so they yeah. had to throw rollerblades in, in like- the 90s were at the peak of whatever like nobody <laughs> talks about no like when's the last time you've seen somebody on some rollerblades that's how <laughs> I, just roll- lo- I love when they're at the hospital <laughs> i love when they're at the fucking hospital and they're like oh this was you know a terrible bad accident like was it an accident and she grabs yeah. the rollerblade and like, all these wires are hanging out of it I fucking I erupted. I was by myself and started laughing. I'm like, yeah, that's not obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. I so mean, funny. it was what <laughs> I, I liked it, dude. I don't know what to say. I, I had fun with this. One. I liked the kill in the bedroom with all the toys. That was cool. Yeah, that was fucking dope, dude. That thing like <laughs> cut that dude all up, and and the hand shit was actually getting me to laugh. Like, like yeah. he's like, oh babe, stop grabbing <laughs> my ass. Me here. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> He's like, wait, go back. <laughs> I still think the funniest scene, the funniest scene in this film for myself was right before, or the kid on the rollerblades when he's talking to, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, he's like, you asshole. <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then the fucking, the punk teen is like, he's like, I eat little kids like you for breakfast. That's why my shit smells so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, that was, was so fucking, funny. I was like, that, that is ridiculous. The most that's it reminded me line. of like Chip from Part Two. I was like, that's something he would say. <laughs> but he executes it so seriously. He's like, I totally eat kids for breakfast. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> but I just love it because like they could have totally had the line like I eat little kids for like you for breakfast and just ended it there. But he has to throw on. That's why my shit smells so bad. <laughs> I actually, if you look at the actual DVD cover or the video cover to this one, it actually is probably the best out of the last couple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. Overall, I find this movie to be a little tedious, though. Like, I I think you guys had a little more fun with it than probably me. Um, I think it's because I just wanted the toys to be a little more maybe full moonish. I don't know. They're yeah, okay. Yeah, but you got to look. I mean, this film even came out before Demonic Toys, which was 92. Um, yeah, but this Master movie came out. But this movie this, also but... came out. 
this movie also came out three years after Dolls, so ex- <laughs> so that statement doesn't yeah, mean shit. Really, but but these aren't dolls, are they? They're, but I'm just saying toys. Like in, I mean, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there is, but still, um, I don't know, man. I think it just could have been a little better done. But yeah, obviously, like I'm with you, dude. It's not like it's not like a well-made, like well-told story or anything. But neither is any full moon film. All of them have tons of plot holes. That, that like, there's a couple that are like, wow, that was way really good for full moon. But like, uh, all of them are pretty awful when it comes to storytelling. And that's kind of. Yeah. And I love full moon. And th- and this is kind of like, like the like I like this film like I would a full moon film. It's not good. There's not that much going on. I thought the what the fuck moment like really kind of bumped up my score a little bit. Just just how bizarre it looked. It's like it's like mm-hmm. I can't even imagine them like filming this scene and being serious about it. Like it's like look at this thing and you know like. I just find like that these weird films like this that you'd never expect to have something like this is like it's like interesting to talk about and this is one that I'll be like have you ever, I'll be like but have you ever seen Silent Night Deadly Night 5 like this is one that I'll talk about in the future like um, wow. cuz it's like a weird film and um I like it another funny scene in this film it really showcases how tiny Mickey Rooney really was is when the scene when he grabs the kid and he puts him in a sack, yeah. and like the kid is almost as big as McKinney <laughs> is. I fucking started laughing. I was like, "Oh my god, he's tiny!" <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's it, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I definitely like this one a lot more than part fucking three. Part three, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Also, that I think. I think calling it the toy maker, you kind of would want like a little bit more of like a vicious like focus on the on like the killer toys, um, you know, it, it being more about like the toys like killing people. But, well, it kind of gives you that right off the hop there, like when the dad dies, right? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I should say the stepdad, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but you get that right off the bat, and you're like, well, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to see some fucked up killer so, toys and some fucked up deaths, but it doesn't really come. At first, like I was that. getting the vibe once I found out that, like, the father was different. I was like, that cheating bitch. But it turns out they were together beforehand. But as soon as he leaves, she's like, I needed somebody that was more stable with money and stuff. I was like, what a bitch. <laughs> I know. They totally drowned that character so bad, man. Yeah. And the other scene I didn't I, – I fucking completely – I know it was for, like, drama. You know, it's a scene where – she sees him in the parking garage and she fucking bolts like you yeah. saying bolt man she's fucking gone uh, right and then she ca- and then he catches up with her and then they just start making out yeah that like, was I, like you've seen stuff like overdramatic, that completely over-dramatic. done terrible that like that yep. is not how you do a scene like that and those scenes are stupid yep. to begin with but there is a place for them in certain kind of films so i mean like there's a way to do them properly and that is not how you do them yeah that was that was terribly executed yeah i agree Overall, I mean, there, I don't think there's much more to say about this one. No, Derek Derek says his first words when he's like, you know, at the end when he's fighting off the villain. I hate to do that. <laughs> like, like, uh, the only time I ever like, so, it's, thought it's that ter- it it's bad cheesy. was in Elm Street 3 with Joey. That's the only time where I felt like it felt right. Because mm-hmm. they do that a lot of times where the person's mute all the way up until the end and then they say something and it like they, they saved the day with their fucking powerful words or something california but it made sense in elm street because uh that was his dream power right oh uh, the wizard yeah yeah so yeah um ratings 
Um, well, I'll go first because, yeah, um, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of ten. So right with uh, part four, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy? I gave it a five out of ten. It's just average. Yeah, I actually came in the highest on this one. I gave it a six out of ten. I think this is the best one besides the original so far. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Definitely. Six out of ten. Wow, that was I wasn't expecting that. That's interesting. All right. So next up in the uh, the series is the so called sixth one, or if you want to call it quote unquote a remake of Silent Night Deadly Night, titled Silent Night from 2012, directed by Stephen C. Miller. Uh, this one is starring the legendary Malcolm McDowell as Sheriff Cooper, and of course Jamie King. Uh, so if this movie has Jamie King in it, we can basically call it a remake, a full blown remake because she's like the remake King. Uh, she was, she also started in my bloody Valentine 3d. She yeah. was also in mother's day and this movie. So she likes her, uh, horror remakes. Apparently um, all three solid films in my opinion. That's, you know, interesting. Candy canes and pretty lights. I heard this story. This fella dressed as Santa. He said about killing them that was naughty. Creep. Every year, a new town. Everyone knows that story. It's an urban legend. Christmas. The number one holiday for people going nuts. Listen, we've got a lead on our killer from the motel. He's wearing a Santa suit and a mask. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> what if he was punishing them? <laughs> We're just gonna have to take this maniac down ourselves. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. Um, but I, I love the IMDb fucking the, the IMDb uh, synopsis is on here. Is so funny, man. They always crack me up. The police force of a remote Midwestern town. Town search for a, a killer Santa Claus who is picking off citizens on Christmas Eve. <laughs> well, that's essentially what it is, yep. <laughs> because there's no story until <laughs> you get it at the end. But yeah, that about pretty much sums it up. So, uh, your guys' thoughts on this one? Um, I love the white shipper kill, which is awesome. My biggest, like, first of all, let me just say one of the things that I annoys me so much about this film. And that is that there's, like, no snow. Yeah, I know. But it still feels like Christmas a little it bit. It does. It does. But I was like, wow, if there was snow, it would be amplified so much. Like, if that chick was running through the Christmas tree forest with the wood chipper there and it was nighttime and it was snowing, I would have loved it. 
but I just kind of loved it. There's quite a few scenes actually. There's there, you know there's parts where you see like you know and that's like lights and stuff. Chris, yeah, and then but you see green grass and, and green leaves and like and shit like that. It's just like shot at the wrong time of year yeah. and stuff like weird things like that. So well, I um, feel like if they released it in December, then they probably was filming it like during a non-December month. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, first off, for me, Malcolm McDowell in this film. Is, Man, he's such a fucking, he's such an asshole. He's such a fucking dick, man. Like, his character is just, like, so unlikable. But, I mean, I understand where they're going. Like, he's basically Scrooge. You know, he does not give a shit. Yeah. He's well, the, he's the Scrooge the town- in Halloween too, too. Exactly. Like, he's the town <laughs> sheriff, and he does not give a fuck that, you know, one of his guys has, has gone missing. So he calls in Jamie King's character, which is the, she's the deputy sheriff. Uh, it's Christmas Eve, of course, and um, basically, you know, she's forced to work. And, yeah, she obviously does not want to work because it's Christmas Eve and stuff. And, you know, and he's just such a fucking dick about it. And it kind of cracks me up. I, I know a lot of people had a lot of problems with this film and Malcolm McDowell's character. I kept hearing from reviews before I'd watched the film for the first time and stuff. And actually, when I watched it, I just I got a lot of entertainment out of Malcolm McDowell's character, especially with the dialogue that's spit in this film. Like, there's a scene in this film that just fucking kills me every time I watch it, man. He's talking to Jamie King towards the end, and they're trying to figure out things. And he basically says to her, he's like, he's like, don't put the avocado on the burger. You got to keep things simple. And, like, just the way he's using analogies and weird shit like that, I'm just like, oh, my God, who wrote this shit, man? It's so fucking retarded. But it's entertaining. It's like nobody talks like that. What did he say? He was like... He was like, don't bring your superior a problem, bring him a solution. <laughs> you know, he just says, like, he just, he talks like a dick with talk. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess essentially the, the uh, dialogue form is actually pretty well done. I like it. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing about this film, it's like, it's kind of more of a reimagination. It's definitely not a full blown remake, which it does obviously have elements when it comes full circle in the Whoa, story. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, um, so I just like, I don't even, I don't even know where to debate these type of things. Cause what is a remake? What is a reboot? What is a reimagining? Like, like until we mm-hmm. get seriously defined definitions of <clears throat> which means which, I don't know what the hell it is. Well, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Like, we'll just make, you know, simple, you know, definitions for this. A remake, you know, essentially, in my opinion, is when, you know, if you're remaking a film, um, you know, Give me maybe an example of to, a film. to be, I, I mean, I think like a true remake. Psycho. You know, by definition, is <laughs> no, psycho. No, that's, there's one of those that even exists. That can't be the, like, I, my true definition of a remake is like Hills Have Eyes. It's okay, the, well, it's, it's, it's it's like the same story, but it's just a little bit different. Like it's mm-hmm. amplified, certain things are changed. Like, it, but it's still the core story is there. That's my opinion. What a remake. I mean, is. yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially the same thing, though. You know. Okay, reimagining. I think this is more of like just you know, kind of a, a reimagining of the story because, you know, what this one doesn't have is a structure like the original one yeah and this that's one where i basically... would say it's a loose at like loose remake um but it's it is a remake because you're acknowledging the original film and that you're making that, that it's connected in some okay. way by doing you know, to, to be frank to be frank man i i don't really care about the meanings and stuff i mean it's silent night I, in my opinion it is it is a remake you know, because it's essentially has all the, you know, the things of the first film. I and mean, we've got a killer Santa Claus. When the story comes full circle, it gives you, you know, what you need to know. 
and stuff like that. But this one is structured very oddly because it just kind of gets into it. Like it starts out with almost like a fucking torture scene, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the whole film is kind of structured like that. Like you got this killer Santa Claus and he's going around from scene to scene and he's fucking knocking off people and stuff like that. And, you know, essentially they're probably going to tell you when, but it's when they do, you know, it's right at the end of the film when you get the backstory and it's like, okay. Okay, and then the very end scene with them driving away and fucking blah blah blah. Um, I don't know, man. I've ever, I mean, it just seems kind of cliched that the end of the film, you know, the shit blows up, you know, and then all of a sudden he's fucking alive, and then they give you the backstory and stuff. I, I don't really like the way they structured this film at all. I've always had major problems with it. It just it seems very generic and kind of yeah. Simple. And I think it seems it's kind of me. aware of that. I, I think that that was kind of the idea going in, and I can I can tell because I've heard, I remember hearing the creators of this film talk about it, and mm. it seemed like they didn't really want to remake Silent Night Deadly Night, but that's what was being produced. It was billed as a remake, so they just made a simple horror film slasher, and they wanted to pay homage to the film that they loved, so they did a the grandpa scene and they did the Linnea Quigley death scene, which in my opinion actually annoyed me because I'm a sucker for that stuff. I love when you pay homage to like stuff that came before you and all that stuff. But if you're going to recreate a scene, you better fucking do it as good or better because if you don't, I'm going to be mad. And the Linnea scene that she wasn't even naked. What the heck? (laughs) You know, like, like, come on. And the grandpa scene, I guy just wasn't selling it for me. Yeah. And also they, um, as the antlers are going through that, I will say that hot blonde, fuck that chick's hot. Um, I think it's CG. They CG that too. And in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, it looks really good. I thought the effects look really awesome on that. Mm-hmm. This one, I mean, it, from is, it, it's like, is it like, this um, is like, this is like fucking 28 years later and it doesn't look as good. It's not even executed as good. You think, you know, it's kind of like that same argument with the um, Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, scene. I mean, Very similar. Like the effects in 84 were awesome and the remake, they were shitty. And I'm not just saying that they were shitty because, you know, I'm not anti-remake and stuff. We've discussed this to fucking death. So don't get me wrong, people. I'm not anti-remake. I'm just calling it how I see it. This scene doesn't look very good. If you look close, they act- when, the- when the shit's going through, it's CG'd. It's minor CG, and I'm just like, really, you guys? Like, what the fuck, man? It's very subtle. You really have to see it, but it is definitely computer generated. Yeah, it's, it's like half it. and half. Like it is half and half. The initial, the initial CG. coming through her is definitely computer generated, and then you know, it, there is practical there though. But uh, I don't. I know what you're saying though. <laughs> I love that wood chipper kill, man. Me too. That's my favorite. The woodchipper kill is fucking brutal. Yeah, it's awesome, though. I love the fact <laughs> that he puts her in feet first. It's awesome, man. Make her fucking suffer. It's great. Um, yeah, but, like, why would you want to put her head first? That's boring. Like, you see, like, face, like, feet first. You, like, see, like, her face, like, ah. I actually like the look of the Santa Claus. Like, I, I like the <laughs> idea of, like, all right, let's, like, distort his face a little bit by having him wear a mask, too. Like, a Santa Claus mask. Mm-hmm. I actually like you know, that idea. Okay, now this movie it's it starts out really cool for me. I mean, at first when I first watched this film, I was like, okay, so they're not going to do a backstory. I see what's going on with this, and then you you learn very quick that it's not going to go that way. Um, but the opening scene with the Santa Claus killing that cop in the basement there, um, I thought the cinematography, I thought that whole scene was shot fucking excellent. I think it was the best shot f- scene in the whole film, which is kind of disappointing, considering it was the very first one in the film. 
I love that Santa Claus in the background, uh, the way the lights are on him. And then that shot with the camera up in the air, sitting in the corner, kind of angled up as Santa's walking up the stairs. I thought it was mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Or like the Christmas I, lights, like. Yeah. yeah. I, I just love that whole scene, the way it's lit and like everything just kind of, it just jumps at you that what's lit and stuff. And then you see Santa kind of walking up this fucking street or up, yeah. <laughs> up, the, up the stairs. I love that opening scene. I they thought played it was with excellent. a lot of lighting at the end of the film too with, the like red Christmas and like green Christmas and stuff like that. Um, mm. And that stuff doesn't overly impress me, but uh, I, I, you know, man, it's just, I, I don't know. Really? You didn't like the way that opening scene was? No, I was talking about the end of the film. Oh, I cause think, they okay. played around with lighting and shit at the end of the film too, with like the crit, like mm. the like bright red lights and stuff like that. But yeah, I liked the beginning. Um, I'm just saying, like, the, at the end, they were, like, overly flary about it. And I'm like, it usually doesn't impress me too much when, when you, like, so they see were kinda, what they're doing. They were kind of trying too hard. Yeah, them. like, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a simple movie. But, I, like, I, I never was bored in it. Mm-hmm. Like, was you guys ever bored? Mm. Um, not really. I'm not really, it's not a boring film by any means. I just find it has, it just doesn't lack that substance and that, you know, it just doesn't have that, oh, you know, that kind of like, yeah, this is what's, you know, why this is going on and stuff. And I was really hoping that the, you know, the backstory that they give at the end of the film was going to be a little stronger to, you know, than what it was. I mean, it it totally makes sense, you know, by the end of the film, what happened, like why it's going on and stuff, right? I mean, and they they do it in like a fucking 30 second kind of shot. Mm -hmm. But I mean... I mean, this thing is completely set up for a fucking sequel. Um, do you think there'll ever be one? No, no. I doubt it either. Like, I mean, we haven't seen one yet. We probably won't. And, see and that's one. the thing. I don't. I don't agree with like the ending. I thought. I thought was kind of stupid. You know, like I mean, he's in this place. The fucking shit explodes. Like he he actually survives this. I mean, spoiler alert. But <laughs> um, we already gave him the disclaimer. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I don't think he should have fucking, I hate that end scene when he's driving away, man. It just bugs me. Why? I don't know. Because I don't, I think they should have just fucking killed him. Hmm. You know, you I, just I don't thought know. it was a cop out to make a sequel. I, I, well, I actually prefer... been open as one because he like, he was in a fucking ball of flames, dude. Like yeah. he was fucking dead. Like, I don't know how he survived. Like, that's what I don't get. Like he was burning, dude. Like, I mean, okay, you can always pull it off if you're if you're shooting somebody. You can always say, "Oh fuck, you know, we definitely survived this." But fire, dude, Michael Myers. I mean, I, yeah, I know. I mean, it's it just second it, time we brought that up tonight. I know, but I mean, I understand you got to disconnect yourself. But at times, it's like well, there the is difference we're gonna bug you. Just really so. quickly, the difference in Halloween two, what happened there, and the difference in this is that in Halloween two, it ends right there with him dead so we don't know that he's alive until the sequel so that's what's actually fucking it up not the original halloween 2 so in this film they actually show the what would have happened in you know halloween 4 in this film so that's what the difference is and that's why it's worse in this film yeah exactly that's a very very good valid point (laughs) thank you for clarifying that um another thing about this film um (laughs) I thought was actually really funny, man. It was towards the end when fucking Malcolm McDowell's, you know, being a dick and he's like, take the garbage out. And the fucking guy goes, so he's like, what is this garbage day? Yeah, I <laughs> love that. I loved it. That was a great throw. That's in. how you can tell fantastic. fans made this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, it's pretty good stuff. But yeah, overall, I mean, the, the film has good kills, in my opinion. Um, nothing overly spectacular. I think the wood chipper one definitely sticks out oh, yeah. as the main, main kill. Um, but it, it, you know, it definitely has its sleazy moments. Like, you know, <sighs> you know, Santa just happens to go by this place where they're shooting like a, you know, all, I guess porno. they're going to be doing a porno. Or whatever, and just uh, I, I like it, man. I kind of <laughs> like the town for some reason. I just wish it would have had more snow. Yeah, it, it you know, it's it, this one. Ha- at least it has a Christmas feel. But yeah, the snow would have been a nice touch, though. I mean, it's got the music, it's got yeah. you know the the parade, and it's got obviously <laughs> Santa. I mean, there's a lot of Christmas elements to this, but. I like the conversation between, like, the cop and the, the Santa who's, like, telling that kid, like, yeah, don't ever trust your parents. <laughs> Dude's a dick. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, like, I think there was a bit of social commentary in this film about, like, um, just people being terrible. And, like, the girl at the beginning with the the mother where she's like, go get your damn person, meet me in the fucking car or something, you know? <laughs> like, like being people just being terrible around Christmas time when it should be the opposite, uh, well, of course. opposite and stuff. But Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, you know, the, the social commentary on that. But, it, you know, it, it's with basic. that said... It's basic. With the, yeah, with that said, it, it's very basic. But, you know, this film at times is kind of mean-spirited too. Like, I, I understand... I, maybe they did this to be kind of like, oh, mem- remember this part? But it's funny that no one's even brought it up yet. And it's about, you know, the little bratty girl that answers the door and fucking Santa kills her. Like, she's like a 10-year-old girl and he fucking <laughs> kills that. her. Dude, I fucking... Every time I lose my shit, I'm like, man, that's so awesome. It's so mean-spirited, man. <laughs> it's, it's so, so mean-spirited. Awesome, well, you guys because, know my opinions because about when going they kill- soft on kids. I think it's bullshit. <clears throat> yeah. Dude, when they kill kids in film, it, sometimes it's meant to be just completely shocking. But this was actually kind of a surprise I, for some reason. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, my God. He just, like, totally killed that like, little girl. It's like you know she like, deserves girl. to die in the terms of... In the world of film. But, like, normally because she that was being doesn't a shitty happen. Ch- <laughs> yeah, because she was being a shithead. She was being a fucking spoiled little brat, and then Santa, you know, he knew about it. <laughs> and he deserved it. She deserved it. Fuck, man. It just, I love that, man. It's very mean-spirited, but it's funny. Yeah, it I, I'm actually a fan so. of mean-spirited in films. I think they don't do it enough. Come on, JP, bring like, it back. Pet Cemetery is mean-spirited as F. It's one of the most mean-spirited films ever, and people fail to realize that, but it is. It is just ruthless. And I love that film. It's depressing. <laughs> fucking, I only watch it like once every couple of years. But Dude, I have to say, man, what the fuck is with the creepy re- uh, reverend in this film? <laughs> Dude, that guy's character is like so cliched. Of course, oh, they're man. totally playing on like, oh, the creepy fucking, you know, you know, you know how they're stereotyped. But man, it's like so over the top. But it's fucking funny, man. One scene we forgot to mention in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, which rivals the grandpa scene, is when he hands that girl the box cutter. I was like, that's pretty disturbing. Yeah, actually, you know, another scene that we forgot to mention in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night is when um, when uh, he's holding the axe and the blood starts dripping off the axe. It's a really great shot. Yeah. I think it's one of the best shots in the film, actually. It totally captures it so perfectly. It's kind of kind of backing it up a little bit. and it's, it's the way it trips off is so perfect. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I've always just really liked that. So. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, dude. The blonde was so hot in this film. <laughs> man. I thought the wood chipper dude. girl was pretty hot. Yeah, she was she, pretty she hot. She was good too. looking. Oh, the blonde. Man, her ass, though. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I like Man, watching Mood, Snowflake to see her. You don't talk about chickies much often. I've noticed <laughs> that about you. You like you never bring that up. And it's so funny too because like I am more of a brunette guy. Like when I was Me younger, too. I loved blonde girls, and I yeah. I just I, for some reason I just started liking brunettes a lot more. But every there's something about this girl in this one. <laughs> Maybe it's her little outfit, her little tight booty and stuff. I don't yeah, know what it is. But she really does it for me. And I'm just like, oh, man, she's so hot. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I mean, your guys' opinions on the end, like, do you guys agree with me? I, it's just like, what, like, I, I don't or, like. If you're going to do it, average. at least make a, if you're going to do it, at least make a sequel. Well, that's, that's not up to the guys who wrote the I film. Under, I understand mm. that, but. I think I'd just rather not see that, you know, him driving away type thing. I just end it and then just go from there. I think uh-huh. there's a couple I, different I don't ways like to that. tackle it. I don't think they did it the best way that they could have. So I agree with that. But I, it also doesn't bug me as much as it does you. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, normally shit, like, like it's kind of weird because, like, that is something that normally I would be complaining about. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the, the thing about this movie though, it's got a totally different tone to the explanation too. Because you know the reason why you know Junior is doing all this stuff and you know in the future is because you know it's not the fact that his dad was a nice everyday living Joe. He was actually a piece of shit that needed to fucking die himself. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's fucking burning shit down and fucking. I mean, the cop did his job, right? You know, so that whole aspect is a little different too. Um, I don't know if you got like I mean. I don't know how you what you guys think about that, but I just I just found that interesting that it wasn't like you know an innocent fucking kind of backstory. I like when they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they had a flamethrower. That comes right. Is that what you've been waiting for the entire series, JP? A flamethrower? I just thought it, it's it's an interesting choice because it's it's so impractical. That's <laughs> like fucking Malcolm McDowell. Oh. You brought a flamethrower to a gunfight. You know, he shoots and then he fucking burns them. I'm gonna be maybe. I'm definitely. I'm. I'm fine. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm not a big fan of Malcolm McDowell. I said it. Like I know people love that dude, but did, like he works for me sometimes and he doesn't sometimes. I don't know. I only like him in Clockwork Orange. I'm not Everything the biggest else fan of him, like, to be honest. His oh, newer, like his newer stuff is eh. I like him in a lot of films, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan. The Barber. I, he's all right in The Barber. <laughs> the Barber's actually a pretty decent film. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that you brought that up. Um, but yeah, no, his his roles that he's done like in the last few years are definitely a lot different than he used to do. That's like, for he, sure. Was he terrible in he, Sanitarium? He's one of those names now. Like the, I, know San- you, I know you hated that movie. Uh, no, he's actually not that good in that movie. His his character sucks. Like, I mean, his performance isn't bad, but it's just it's not memorable. So he's yeah. good in Halloween. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he was, wasn't a Donald Pleasance, but no, but he was still okay. I mean, you really buy him as a dick in part two. I, oh, I yeah. thought his performance, his in part elevation two was of awesome. dickness, has gone up. <laughs> <laughs> he really pulls that off well because you fucking hate him in that film. Yeah, which I liked. <laughs> I'm like, which is which is the point of it, yeah. but um, um, so yeah, Silent Night. I keep wanting to say Silent Night, Deadly Nights. Feels weird just saying Silent Night. It's a habit. I, I think honestly, if you name this film Silent Night, you didn't bill it as a remake, and you never put in homage scenes, it would just be another Christmas horror film. Yeah, you bet. But uh, I'm fine with what they did. This is like kind of a loose remake. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was in the time like 2012, 
like I remember this film came out. It was like a Christmas horror film that was kind of more on the mainstream side than you usually see. I mean, think about what's what's the biggest Christmas horror films that have came out in terms of uh, the amount of exposure they got. The biggest one in years was Black Xmas. And then Silent Night, I felt like kind of captured that a bit. I remember seeing trailers everywhere and stuff. And I liked that. I thought it was pretty cool. So finally seeing it, I was... It was it was about as good as I expected. I didn't love it, but I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting actually because you know after I finished this film, I hadn't watched it in a while, <laughs> and uh, so what I did is I fucking I wrote my rating down on my in my <clears throat> laptop here, and I went I went back and watched my review that I did on YouTube, and it was the exact same number. Yeah, I just went because I couldn't remember what I'd rated. I it, remember but I it was just the same. Went. I went to Best Buy to pick up my copy of the the re-release of Part One and Two, and when I was there, I I saw it. I was like, oh, I really want to buy this, so I bought it anyway. But it was fucking Part One and Two that made me buy it. <laughs> yeah, see, mm-hmm. I, I bought a Blu-ray off of Amazon because this thing was always like over ten bucks, like eleven, twelve on Amazon, and over Black Friday they had it for like six ninety nine, and I hopped on that. Man. I hopped on that, and those son of a bitches sent me like a defective <laughs> Blu-ray disc because I had to watch the DVD combo side of it because it wouldn't work in my Blu-ray player. So yeah. God oh, damn. so that opening scene didn't look as vibrant to as to you as it did to us. In <laughs> <sighs> that glorious 1080p. This is only uh, the second time a Blu-ray hasn't worked for me. The only other time was The Devil's Rejects. Oh, weird. And I still hmm. own it, and it still doesn't work, and it pisses me off. <laughs> I've had a couple actually too. I think. I've had a few. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, ratings on this one, GP. Uh, this, one? this is a seven out of ten. I think it's. I think it's definitely above average, especially for the types of, of films that come out. Uh, you know, it's fun, bank. man. It's 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 nothing amazing, um, but you know, disconnect the fact that it's in the series. Look at it as it is, and it's 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 about a seven. Yeah, uh, I gave it a six and a half out of ten. <laughs> oh man, it's so it's just so interesting today how these ratings are working. Um, I gave it a six out of ten. Mm. It's so funny that I'm coming in the lowest on everything because I'm usually not the lowest. You was the highest on just... Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One, and the lowest on every other film in yeah, in the series. Yeah, I love the first film, man. It's great. Yeah. Um. Uh. I can but see yeah. a six, to be honest. I mean, that's that's not that's definitely just, in the realm of of possibilities in in for my rating too. Like, I could see myself giving it a six. Maybe after a couple more viewings, maybe my feelings for the film might have declined a little bit. But uh, I think it's seven. It's pretty seventy. <laughs> pretty seventy. <laughs> pretty seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just I was very intrigued that I actually gave it the same rating because you know me I rate a film on a review and I can't fucking remember the next day when I rated it, yeah. you know, to like you know to be exact. But it was interesting that it was still the same. So I mean, it's not getting worse for me. That's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think also a, it, a lot of what probably affected your ratings over me and Jeremy's is 
you've seen all these films multiple times. Most of these films, mm-hmm. me and Jeremy watch for the first time. Everyone and I feel like too. all of these films are probably the type of films that would get less fun after each watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, you have no Especially idea part three. how painful it was watching part three again. Because I think the last when I first when I bought the set when it came out, <clears throat> I said to myself after I watched part three, I'm like, I'll never watch that movie again. <laughs> Lo and behold, yeah. we're doing this podcast a couple years later, and hey, JP goes, well, Christmas this year we should do the Silent Night Deadly Night franchise, and I'm like, God damn, well, there's not many watch more part three cho- again. There's not many other choices. Well, I mean, what what's fun about it is now next year we can do like a featured review of like Christmas Evil or. Uh, don't open till Christmas or something like that. I like like how we did the first year with Black Christmas. That was our featured review. Um, but I felt like last year when me and Jeremy watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1 and 2, like I was interested. I, listen, I had no idea what this series was like, okay? <laughs> I was just interested <laughs> in checking it out. I figured doing it on this show would be a good reason to check them out. And I guess you were kind of right. I mean, it probably wasn't the greatest idea. But, you know... I did have fun watching all of these, but I would never want to watch all of them again. So, I mean, I can totally feel your pain there because, like, this is a one-time interesting thing. Like, oh, these are kind of interesting to see where the franchise went and stuff, and it was kind of fun little journey. But I couldn't imagine watching, like, part three, like, more than twice. (laughs) It's just insane. But I never once ever said, you know, like – you know, well, leading up to this, it's like, oh my god, this is gonna be like the worst thing ever and stuff. I didn't want to like mislead you guys. Yeah, yeah. That was Which safe. That was safe for the woman. Anything really until we was like halfway through the journey, and you, I forget what you, you said something. Well, it's because because Jeremy kept like he was doing commentating when he would, he'd text or something like that. He's like, oh my god, this, and I'm like, oh, just wait. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, a little bummed was... when you tell me part five was basically a Pinocchio ripoff. I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I was giving my commentary as I was watching the films, especially part four. I was like, oh, my God. Part four. Man. It's such a weird series. I mean, the first film is such a strong film, and they never even come close to those again. It's yeah. so weird. And it's kind of like um, the Howling franchise, actually. It's very similar. Like The, yeah, the first Howling one's a too, very, very big Howling stick out. Howling is shitty right off the bat. These yeah, had to have been the... great on video. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, dude, these things still get released. Like, you know, they get lots of releases all over the place, like hard boxes in Europe, and it's crazy. People go, yeah, right. you, you can get hard boxes of the sequels and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I can see like part four maybe the becoming the like a cult, like a cult classic type big following thing because how weird it is. But like, I, I mean. You know, let, let's face it, man. We wouldn't be talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4 in a review if it wasn't <laughs> subtitled that. Yeah. You know, as a Brian Yuzma initi- initiation, we may have seen that film before, but we wouldn't be doing it as, you know, whatever. It's just, it's lumped in there. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Such a fucking oddity, man. But... uh yeah, I guess that's going to do it for the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. Um, it was interesting. Conversation went pretty much how I expected it was going to go. <laughs> pretty awesome stuff. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I'll leave you guys with Jeremy. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 36th episode 
of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man, Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash Moods616. Or if you're watching this video on YouTube, please click the subscribe button down below. As always, if you want to follow JP, a.k.a. the man who thinks Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in the world, you could do so at youtube.com slash Double shot, Jay. And as always, you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash NESBrewer22. You could always follow us on our website, the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror.com. It's 22 Shots of Moods and Horror.com. And as always, you could email us at the same address, 22 Shots of Moods and Horror at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22 Shots Podcast. And if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. And as always, we shall talk to you guys next week with the 37th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast, where we'll be reviewing the Cold Epic's newly released film, Necromaniac. So until then, guys. Did you just call it Necromaniac? Oh man, I just fucking um, <laughs> I just splurged two titles together of two different films. How amazing is that? <sighs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, necromantic. Wow. <laughs> JP's losing it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good shit. That's good shit. <laughs> that's ridiculous talk to you guys next week last christmas silent night that's the one with santa as the axe murderer well it's coming back dick shoemaker has that story in our news studio rob when silent night deadly night was first released many parents were shocked that a movie about a maniacal santa claus would be shown at christmas time well now it's the month of may and the film's producer is trying again It'll play in every every part of the country, including backward, some places where it began to play and was pulled. Silent Night, Deadly Night, the movie that shocked America, outraged Hollywood, and frightened the government. The new advertising campaign plays up the earlier controversy about the film, when angry parents picketed theaters where it played, and the critics took offense. And Silent Night, Deadly Night now has the distinction of joining I Spit on Your Grave as one of the two most contemptible films I've seen. And I don't mean to think it's campy. It really is quite awful. But the producer claims critics had other motives for reviewing the film. They were coming off an enormous amount of publicity on that picture. And I think that they knew that by reviewing that picture on their show, they would get higher ratings. And Ira Richard Barmack produced it. You people have nothing to be proud of, even if you made a few bucks off of all the negative publicity. Your profits truly are blood money. Shame on you, Siskel, and shame on you, Ebert, because I don't believe you. I think it was the height of hypocrisy for them to take that attitude. If they genuinely were horrified at the picture, they know very well that the most effective thing they could have done is to not review the picture. And yes, we even see Santa give one little girl a bloody knife as a gift and threaten another little girl with physical punishment as he sits on his lap. You might think that it would be funny, Roger, or Perry. It's played as quite sick in the film. I find it so amazing that if you say a guy gets into a Santa Claus suit and he's driven over the line, that people don't on the face of it see why that's funny. Silent Night, Deadly Night opens in 93 theaters tomorrow in North and South Carolina and in upstate New York with plans for a wider release already in the works. Merry.